watching the vodka stream. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome to Film Junkie Live. It's Friday. You made it through another week. Yay. Let's uh, sit back, relax, and let's uh, talk some nonsense, huh? Why not? So I'm doing something different tonight, guys. I'm doing something different, doing something a little bit different when it comes to tonight. Um, if you actually follow my Instagram, Junkie Film, I'm actually live. My phone is sitting right here. Uh, I'm actually live also on Instagram. I thought I figured for the Q&A portion, I would have like another angle and another like feed kind of going on right here. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try that. You know, I figured why not? I've been pretty active on Instagram posting reels and images and and, uh, you know, news that has been showing up on Twitter, you know, just kind of utilizing the Instagram a little bit more. Um, I've also been active on TikTok, but you have to have like like over a thousand followers on TikTok and TikTok's just like a whole other beast. It's like, I'm trying, trying to do some stuff on there, even though I don't really want to, but it's like, yeah, that's, it's TikTok. You just, just do it, you know, you know, bow to the China overlords. <laughs> right. But, um, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to go live on here also for like the Q and a portion and have something kind of different right there. And, uh, man, I think I just, what did you say? Let's see. We already have somebody. Dandaman2323. What's up, Dave? New Superman theme? Uh, or John Williams throwback? I hope it's a new theme. I definitely hope it's a new theme. So what's going on, Andrew? And uh, we got Rocket Fox right here and everything like that. So yeah, I'm just trying something different, but I'll say hi to you guys too. And of course, this is the Q&A portion of all this. So go ahead and ask your questions. What's going on, Game City Savior? Glad Gun is at least giving me state recognition, giving me state recognition on creation of Superman because when it comes to this and first plane and the first plane, every other state try to take credit. Okay, you're talking about the Ohio thing? Okay, I think that's what you were saying right there. But yeah, cheers, everybody. Mm. All right, thank you for uh, loving the shades there, Rocket Official. That's right. That's right. Keeping that chill vibe, you know? Uh, yeah. Okay. So you're talking about the Ohio thing. Cause they're going to be shooting in Ohio. And of course it was confirmed today by Zazzy paints when it came to, you know, the investors thing, which, you know, he had to reassure some things, but yeah, basically they're going to start shooting Superman legacy in a week. I think they're going to start in Norway though. At first it's going to be doing some, you know, not nothing in this country at first. So, all right, what's going on, Darkness on the Wind? Dave, would you prefer the Beyonder Kang taking the big bad spot until Doom gets introduced, maybe in F4, so the Council of Kangs are still around and not wasted? Yeah, but I mean, I, I wonder what they have to do for the um, for the actor who's going to be playing that, so that's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Hey, what's going on? We got we got I am over here on Instagram. I've never seen the, the uh, this angle on the film Junkie K before, right? Exclusive, I know. Nothing really on like this part of the wall because usually everything's angled this way. <laughs> but yeah, there's like I got I got like nothing right here because my uh, daytime work computer is like right there, so I don't really have much right there. And then Howdy Jr. in Australia, good to see ya. You remember Chris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was at uh, Full Circle. I hope that he's gonna show up though. Um, I have not heard from him. I, we talked earlier today and everything was gung ho. And I told him like, you know, think about like seven 30, but 
when it comes to other things, like, you know, I didn't get like a follow-up thing. So hopefully he does show up. If he doesn't, it's fine. We'll still have a panel tonight. But yeah, hopefully uh, uh, Chris Ballos, if I'm saying his name right, you know, you guys know me, I always mess up names. But um, yeah, he's somebody who uh, we met at Full Circle. Phil was there. Jesus, everybody's just blasting through my apartment complex with uh, right now loudly. It's always great. It's Friday night. Gotta love that. But um, yeah, we talked to him. He's worked. He works in the business and the business, of course, is not how the business has been for a little bit. So it's like, you know, geez, it's crazy. What's going on? All right. Hey, we got bang right there. We got EM. Your uh, your sounds, uh, your voice sounds different, probably because it's not coming through like this microphone. That could be it. Uh, Randy, I'm drinking vodka currently right now cheers drinking tobacco ah, anyways all right uh what's going on manalo that's right is ben here um and hola uh uh ben might be showing up i don't know he always gets an invite so you know and ben he showed up last week so if he shows up tonight maybe he will could be that all right who else we got here we got uh What's going on, Shane? Happy Friday. Good to see you. And then, of course, Mr. Jason McKenzie always being like, uh, you know, the savior of the channel right here and always being helping out the pirate ship. So cheers, my friend. You know, you've been donating those super chats and much appreciated. Cheers. Mm. Much appreciated. Love you, man. Uh, all right. I'm guessing the camera's mirroring you uh, because it looks backwards. Oh, yeah, probably is. Oh, I wonder if I could fix that. I didn't even think about that. Can you flip it? Oh, I screwed it up. I don't think I could flip it. Yeah, you're right. It probably is, if you could notice that. I didn't even think about that. So I tried to flip it, but I don't think... Uh, maybe next time, if next time I do this, I'll flip the damn camera, because I hate that. I always hate that. You know? I always like, you know, when people post their stuff, it's like, yeah, it's always reversed. But yeah, I guess it can't can't do that uh, oh no no that flips it to the front that's what it's doing yeah i guess it can't i wonder if you can't even do that all right see just trying something new that's what happens like i said guys anybody who's uh joining on uh on the youtubes i'm also live on instagram right now with my phone right here antonio what's happening i think the cell uh the cell of wb might happen next year because remember this is an election year and corporation wants and the corporation wants to be in the headlines with congress and its presidential election all sh- i think they want to sell as soon as possible and there is even reports saying that they want to sell in april so i wouldn't be surprised if it happens this year i would not be surprised <clears throat> yeah it's fine right and uh yeah so thank goodness it's friday right what's going on i say hey enosh what's going on man hey if you want to join tonight you know hit me up hit me up on uh in the dms if you feel like joining tonight joining the conversation hit me up uh yeah let me know i know you you know your schedule is busy now so and let's see, uh, Jason, can I, okay, you're talking about him, let's see, what's going on, Max Wolf Danger, hey Dave, what up, I'm doing fucking awesome, because I watched the new Avatar, the last Airbender reboot series, so yeah, well that's good, I never got into that, maybe I'll check it out, I'll probably maybe check it out, I mean, I know the M. Night Shyamalan movie was, a lot of people thought that was a piece of shit, 
pretty much, but uh, never got into the anime. So, you know, maybe I'll try to get into this show. I've seen some mixed reviews out there, though. I will say that. So and we got Dan Man right here, 2323 on Instagram. St. Dave, are you buying WBD stocks at 860? You know what? I mean, with the stock of Warner Brothers Discovery being so low right now, you might as well try to buy. I mean, who knows? Maybe not. I don't know. See, that's the thing. I'm not good with the whole stock. I've tried. I've, I've traded stocks before. I've tried to do all that. I've made some money on stocks. Not a lot, but, you know, I try to be like doing all that. And, you know, and uh, yeah, it is just it's interesting because, yes, Warner Brothers has gone down. So the only way the only direction is up, hopefully, if things get better when it comes to some of the moves they are making. And, you know, obviously, when it came to the the articles that came out this week, basically just kind of saying like, hey, you know, one of the reasons why they got the you know, they signed Margot Robbie for a deal and they signed Tom. They're trying to fully sign on Tom Cruise and get Quentin Tarantino is to make make WB look shiny again. So then maybe a merge or a sell happens, which, you know, whatever, you know, whatever you got to do, man, whatever you got to do. What's going on? Mr. Bauga right there. Geeks and nerds. What's going on? Talk to you a little soon. Ah, uh, yeah, I know. I found this at uh, I forgot. I think it was an FYE. I found this at. Yeah, and I was like, I have to have it. You know, let's play a game. Let's play a game. What's going on, Droga? Good to see you. Eleanor, good to see you as well. Hope you had a good week. Yeah, you know, up and down. Like I said, it's, you know, times right now are just kind of really strange. Really strange right now, you know, when it comes to me. But uh, I've been really, like I said, been focusing a lot on just putting out the uh, content, you know. And that's why I was like, you know what, I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to give Instagram Live a try because why not? Uh, let's see. Jarden on Instagram says, why is Joker 2's budget $200 million? Does WB want a, a movie to flop? Well, I mean, I think they have faith. They definitely have faith in the movie. They definitely have faith in the movie because the first one cost $55 million. I didn't realize that. I remember when I talked about it on Film Junkie Live on Wednesday, I didn't, I, I thought like, okay, it cost like 60. I was, I was like 80, 60. I got confused. But then I said 60, but it turns out it was actually $55 million because Toby Emmerich didn't want to give a big budget. But then, you know, he thought it wasn't going to go anywhere because it's Toby Emmerich. But then, yeah, it makes over a hundred or it makes over a billion dollars. R-rated gets nominated for all these awards. So, yeah, I, I still think as much as like, yeah, you increase the budget, but $200 million? Like what? You're going to give it that much? That's a little excessive. I'm just saying. To me, that's a little. That's pretty damn excessive, right there. It's like double it. Give it 120 million. That that's fine. But uh, but then of course, Lady Gaga, for for the whole music aspect. I mean, she, she. I mean, she's getting a hefty paycheck. I assume that Joaquin's getting a pretty hefty paycheck too. Probably, I would guess about 24 to 30 million dollars between just their paychecks. So. Yeah, but it's just, it just, is it going to capture that magic that the first one did? I don't know. Decided to come to YouTube. All right. So you checked, you checked out the, uh, the Instagram feed too. Hey, you know, like I said, it's, it's pretty cool. Shaner on, uh, Instagram said, which character or characters you want to see most? Um, um, obviously I want to see the return of, uh, Brolin's character. I'm totally blanking on his name. Uh, and then I'm blanking on all their names. I'm not 
because their names are so difficult to pronounce. And you guys know how much, how bad I am at pronouncing names. Imagine pronouncing fictional names in a fictional world. Um, I mean, obviously, Florence Pew, 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 Pew. I want to see like her character. Um, she's playing like a princess or something. I don't know. I forgot. I, like, again, I'm bad with the those names right there. So. I was wondering is uh, Zach. Snyder, I was wondering is Zach Snyder rich? Yeah, he's. I think he's got some. You know, yeah, they're 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 doing pretty good. <laughs> they're doing pretty good. Salud, Mr. Trevino. Cheers, cheers. Mm. Ah, good to see you. Good to see you. What else we got here? We got Antonio. All so. Uh, WB doesn't want uh, to be a punchline with folks crying on their campaign. So next is a uh, best uh, best bet is to sell WB and Congress will not let Universal merge with WB because they're both. Oh, yeah, it's like a monopoly kind of thing. Yeah. What's going on? Let's see. We got some people right here and Instagram joining right here. I know it's something different here. So I'm seeing who's joining. Dude, Dune 2 is sold out. I know. Yeah, Sunday, Sunday Dune is like sold out. I thought about seeing Dune on Sunday, but I was like, eh, I'll see. I'm going to see it on Thursday, first showing. So, yeah. Anyways, Lady Gaga is getting $12 million. Phoenix is getting 20. Jeez. All right. That's right. He's getting $20 million. So, yeah, there you go. We got $32 million between both of them. I wonder why the long delay of Mickey 17. I know. I was, I was really looking forward to that. Two movies. Two movies this year, two movies this year that I, I had on my anticipated list got bumped to next year. Mickey 17 and Ballerina both got bumped to next year. And I'm like, damn it, man. Come on. What's going on, Cortez? Good evening, Dave. Hope everything's going well. If Superman has the kingdom come logo, I think it'll look good with the yellow. I've always preferred a more alien looking S than uh than more normal looking so he likes an he likes an alien s he likes an alien s right there lady yeah um there's actually something i'll show when we talk about it with the panel that i saw online that was kind of like a uh a, a little spin on the uh, superman kingdom come logo you know we'll see if uh you know it's going to be interesting to see if he actually goes with something like that it might not it could all just be a tease you never know so What's going on? We got real anarchy at the IG right here, too. Oh, well, yeah. There you go. And then Vin Diesel announced Fast X Part 2 is the big finale. Do you think that's true? Hopefully, because I'm one of those that's like done with it. But I mean, I think we already kind of knew that. But it's like you have to finish off, you have to finish with a bang. This this whole thing when it when they talked about uh going back to the basics, I'm like, I don't know if it's gonna be back to the basics when it comes to uh the finale i don't think you could do back to the basics with the finale but i could be wrong i could be wrong i don't know but yeah it just doesn't seem like you can go back to the basics when it when it comes to that you saw alien yesterday and what did you think youngster what did you think you're gonna have to tell me what how you thought of what you thought about that because you know and that is an old movie it's a classic it's a classic. And Dave, I'm still waiting for God of War TV series. I'm sure that's coming one of these days. Uh, JR watching Zone of Interest tonight. Anyone else seen it? I have not seen that. I have not seen Zone of Interest. So I can't help you on that one. 
Let's see. Antonio put Congress on hold until after the election is over. I don't see Universal buying this company because it's in debt. It will, uh, in my opinion, still be Apple. What about Microsoft? Huh? What about Microsoft? Could be Microsoft. Could be Microsoft. They could get in the game. Uh, let's see. She digs says, uh, you think we should start worrying about Batman 2 yet? I'm a little worried. I'm not going to lie, but I think it'll be fine because the Penguin series just wrapped up and apparently Robert Pattinson was part of it. So I think we'll be OK. I think we'll be OK with the Batman. It would be so stupid if they do that. Any news on Zack Snyder? Not really. I don't know what news we're looking for, but I mean, we had the runtime for part two that got uh, that got uh, reviewed this week, which was like two uh, like two hours, two hours and one minute, something like that. So, you know, so we had a little bit of um, we have a little bit of that. And I was kind of wondering, I'm like, why is it only two hours? But and then Shaner says, uh, you think Madam Webb killed the Sony verse? Well, they still have two other movies coming out, so I don't know if it completely killed it, but yeah, it's just like, yeesh. All right. Let's see. We got Venom Hernandez right here. Good to see you. Good to see you. All right. <clears throat> uh, you're talking about Dune. I thought you were saying Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Deadpool, looking forward to that too. And of course, with all the uh, MCU struggles that are happening, you know, at least uh, they got Deadpool and Wolverine. That's going to help that out. Let's see. Jarden on Instagram says, how is J.J. Abrams still employed uh, at Warner Brothers and uh, hasn't released any? I know. I don't know what the heck he's doing over there, but hey, you know, he's he's over there. He's over there. I know he hasn't really done much right there. Rock Stanksy, another project like Army of the Dead Universe. No, I mean, he's going to be doing Rebel Moon all like craziness right now, but hopefully we get that Army of the Dead Las Vegas. Good to see you, Artifice, right there from Puerto Rico. Nicholas Holt is going to kill it as Lex Luthor. Seems like he will be. Got that bald, shiny head. That kid, Ryan, me and my brother, saw the Lord of the Rings Two Towers live at... Radio City, so it was like, what, the orchestra or whatever? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Live orchestra, those are always fun. Those are great. Let's see. Roka Channel, he said, WB didn't like the movie Mickey 17. Pam and Michael DeLuca, really? So they didn't really dig what was going on, so according to him. But that's th the thing The thing with, um, you know, but again, you know, scooper, scooper madness kind of stuff right there when it comes to... Uh, when it comes to at least when it comes to that. So it's like, you know, Roka, you know, he's been on the vodka stream before. Talk to him. Maybe I'll talk to him again. But, uh, you know, you got to like take that stuff with a grain of salt for sure. So you definitely got to take it with a grain of salt. Let's see what else we got here. <clears throat> I heard uh, this theory from Boba Talks. Superman Legacy could be a reverse kingdom. Oh, okay. Like a verse kingdom come. So something like take it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's like a theory, there's a video out there that I saw that kind of broke it down a little bit too. And it seems like there's going to it seems like Gunn's gonna be pulling elements from there. So that's pretty cool, to be honest. Imagine seeing Man of Steel at the live orchestra. Yeah, I know, right? With Hans Zimmer. Jeez. 
Let's see, Dave, are you stoked that Otis will be in Superman Legacy? I mean, I didn't think that they that Gunn was going to bring in Otis, but hey, if he brings in Otis, fine. Again, there's got to be elements. There's going to be elements of Donner Superman in there, and there's going to be, you know, again, you just got to find that balance between Donner and Snyder. That's what I've always said. And I saw a clip from Miss Grace earlier today where she said she was like, you know, like, oh, he's copying Snyder. He's copying Donner. It's like, no, yeah, there's always going to be things that they pull. But yeah, you got to find that medium. I do agree with her that the balance, the balance that you should find should be somewhere in, you know, the Superman, the animated series world right there. I'm just saying, I'm just saying like, uh, you know, with Scott and I on the DC Fanimated stream, we're we've been revisiting all all of that. And I'm just kind of going like, yeah, hopefully James Gunn is looking at some of this right here. You can find a little bit of that balance when it comes to what do you need to do with this uh, new Superman? Let's see, Sony killed the Spider Verse, <laughs> right? Tony Movie Chappy D9 Neil Blomkamp fan. What's happening? Dave, I was watching Scary Movie 3. Definitely my favorite out of the four. Uh, God, D's movies. It never gets old. Yeah, that's right. That, well, that was when the Zuckers came back. First two were the uh, the Wayans, and they were a little bit more, you know, R-rated. And then the Zuckers came back. You know, the guys who did, like, the Naked Guns, the Airplanes, you know, those movies. You know, they came back and did it, did a PG-13 version. And, of course, they had, like, Charlie Sheen and Simon Rex and still had Anna, Anna Ferris in there. But, yeah, it took it to a different direction. I actually, I, I actually kind of agree with you. I actually like probably, I mean, the first one's great. But, I mean, like, the third one is, uh, yeah, it could be my favorite, too. So, the director from Shang-Chi left the Avengers movie for something else. Well, yeah, he's going to do that anime movie, apparently, right? Going to do that anime movie. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he's actually fully, uh, fully uh, left that. You never know. But I guess we'll see with everything that's happening with the MCU right now. By the way, I saw a clip online from the Avatar show where they had a blueprint moment. Oh, yeah. The Man of Steel thing. Yeah. Somebody sent me that. It was like kind of like when uh, Jonathan was. Uh, oops. It was like when Jonathan was uh, talking to Clark and say, I am your father. There's like a, a, a similar thing that happens in that Avatar the airbender thing these rumors going around that around that storm is going to appear in season in uh i don't know yeah you know? <sighs> i'm so out of the loop i completely forgot about grace i know right she's still around she's still around she's definitely still around uh jarden where do you rank collateral in your top movie list it's up there michael mann you're talking about collateral of course with tom cruise and jamie fox that's why i keep on saying like can we get another can we get another like Tom Cruise villain role, please? Can we get another Tom Cruise villain role? The yeah, Nicholas, blah blah blah, to do a good job, definitely. And then of course, what's up, Phil? Right, did you see the trailer for Boy Kills World? You know what? I forgot to watch that. I saw like it on my timeline. Totally forgot. But I'm sure it looks pretty killer. You know? Do you feel it's more likely uh, Brainiac hasn't been cast? Yeah, I'm kind of already like it's being kept a secret. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I was kind of wondering myself. I mean, I, I, I'm i hoping that, I mean, I thought we knew that uh, Lex Luthor is not the main fucking protagonist in this thing. I'm hoping that that it's not, that he's not, that it's, that, that Lex Luthor is just kind of like, you know, secondary. And Brainiac's like, uh, hopefully he's keeping that a secret. 
That's what I can only hope for. Shane, if you take uh, a pick of your rogues gallery, who uh, who do you want for Batman? I do want Two-Face or at least a Harvey Dent. And I was very intrigued by the Clayface whole thing. If you do the Silver Age version of Clayface, I was actually pretty like, you know what? I think they could do, I think Matt Reeves can pull off something when it comes to that. So, all right, let's see. I still think uh, it's being put to, uh, in 2025. <clears throat> yeah, apparently they want another Wonka. Yeah, I don't know. We who knows when we're going to get. I mean, the Batman, too. They, you know, I, I, I'm a little worried, but, you know, what can he do? What's going on, Poe Jags? What's happening? Good to see you. We got Braden right here. I was trying to say Superman Legacy would be a uh, reverse kingdom come where the authority would be the old heroes in Superman. Oh, okay, yeah. And I think that's, you know, kind of what that video that I was I saw on the timeline was kind of like saying that it was saying like, Hey, you know, if you kind of reverse a little bit, we're like, you have, and then it talked about like having superheroes or assholes. So then Superman is trying to not be the asshole. He's trying to show the world that, Hey, superheroes are assholes. And I'm kind of thinking like, well, you know, I mean, the, the green lantern that's flying around is guy Gardner. That's a fucking asshole. <laughs> so maybe it's got kind of, you know, and in that video, it said, like, it's called Superman Legacy. So he's trying to establish his legacy as being a good superhero. And I'm like, all right, that's that's one way to do it right there. I mean, it, it's nothing too crazy, you know, and it would take like, you know, elements of like uh, of Kingdom Come where it's like, you know, instead of just like Superman retiring and and uh, because he's hates how everything's all being right there. It's like he's doing yeah, like a reverse thing. Yeah, could be something like that. Let's see. At this point, is Brainiac even gonna be the villain? In the, I know. I'm. I, I. I really hope so. I hope it's not just Lex Luthor again. That would be pretty lame if that's the case. By the way, Phil, if you want to join tonight, let me know. Um, I'll send you a link. Should I hit you up on the uh, the Patreon? Let me know if you want to join tonight. Let's see. Okay. I hope uh, that's the case too, because Lex has been the villain. I know. Be, and 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 I'm and I and I think that Gunn has a a trick up his sleeve. I'm hoping that that's the case. I'm hoping that when it comes to we just haven't heard, and he wants to keep it a secret. And it'd be pretty awesome if you got somebody that like you know has like this crazy voice and crazy presence or something like that. I really hope, and I think that that's going to be the ca case when it comes to that. I think why would you need the big baddie? to be like the full on, to be there for a full on table read, I guess. I mean, I'm not, I, I don't know. It's, it's also weird. It's all, it just seems like it's kind of just planned where it's like, all right, we're going to just trying to build that hype. we got this table read, you know, Nathan Fillion talks about the table read. So does Rachel Brosnahan. And then of course we just sit there and we got this core group. We'll take a picture. We'll show a logo I don't know. It just seems like the, you know, just try to utilize the social media machine to to build up some hype because it needs it. It definitely needs it. Anybody know uh, what Edgar Wright's next film is going to be? I don't know. That's a good question because he's one of my all time favorite directors. I thought he was. I thought that there was something that was announced a little while ago, but I don't know. Let's see. Artifice. Maybe they're going to uh, fusion Lex and Brainiac. Wouldn't that be insane? Yeah, they combined like somehow there's going to be like some AI, you know, 
human and, and AI kind of thing that happens, that would be pretty interesting. Never know. Maybe they're going to uh, do the fusion likes with uh, Brainy Eye. Like, eh, eh, see, they might be on to something right there. What's going on, Running Brave09? What's up, Dave? I'd like to see the Court of Owls. Yeah, I think the Court of Owls should be in the background when it comes to the Batman universe. So we'll see what happens with that. I wonder what Marvel will uh, announce at SDCC this year, if anything, related to who will direct Secret Wars. Yeah, I mean, I would think that that's the case. Hopefully they do all that. So uh, just jumped in stream. What do you... Oh, I'm sipping some vodka. Just sipping some vodka. About to wrap up the Q&A in a little bit. Got my guest in the backstage, and we'll talk to him a little bit. And uh, he's, you know, he works in the base, so we'll talk shop, and, and then we'll get the panel on here and have some fun. Uh, yeah, cheers. Cheers, uh, Ryan, on Instagram right there. Stephanie D, been a little bit. Haven't seen you in the chat for a bit. I was wondering, I was like, oh, what's happening with Stephanie T? Good to see you. Hopefully you're having a good night and hopefully things are going well. Maybe the engineer is a villain. I mean, could be that. I mean, the authority might end up being like the villain. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Like I said, I'm just uh, I'm just along for the ride and, and for something different. Jeff Snyder said on Twitter, something DC related will drop at 8 p.m. I'm guessing. Okay. So in about a half an hour, we're going to drop. But I just, I, man, I can't stand that guy. I can't stand that guy. Somebody's going to have to tell me what he drops because he blocked me on Twitter a while back. <laughs> because I made fun of him when he had a meltdown one of these times. Greg on Instagram, Gun said no Batman in Superman Legacy, but do you think... Yeah, there should be some Easter eggs. I wouldn't be surprised there's some Easter eggs in there. Yeah, no Batman. We don't need batman and superman legacy but you know have some easter eggs in there i know life has been lifing yeah i know i feel you 2024 has just been absolutely just you know and we're two months in essentially and i'm just like i'm already like going all right well 2024 is starting off like this all right cool Saw fan cast of Booster Gold. Yeah. Yeah. James Marston. Yeah. And uh, Glenn Powell. Yeah. Not too bad. Not too shabby. There's Mama Film Junkie. There you are, Mom. Good to see you. Good to see you. You check Mom. I'm also live on Instagram. Different angle. Of course, I'm going to wrap that up in a little bit. So, but uh, yeah, I'm also trying something different. I think it's kind of cool to do like a different angle when it comes to the QA thing, get a whole other perspective and group right here. But uh, let me take a couple more questions. Um, K1 on Instagram says, hey, Dave, who's your choice of actor to play Batman? I don't know. I mean, I like uh, Lee Lee Pace. Lee Pace kind of like I've been looking at him for a bit. I was like, all right, I think he could be pretty good. And after he released that that the fight training thing and the dude's like big, tall and ripped. So I thought maybe that'd be pretty cool. Dave, would you be okay with Superman suit without a cape? I don't know. That's, 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 I don't know. It's a little risky. I mean, obviously the black suit, the solar suit in the comic book had no cape. So there is that whole thing. Let's see. Uh, Jarden, why do you think Sony is hesitant to add spot? Eh, they're just weird. They're just weird. I don't know. Dave, we, he is having a conniption on, oh, was that what he was having? Nah. Yeah, I'm not with the Alan Rich and 
I'm not, I'm not with that one. I'm not with that one. I don't know. I don't like the Alan Richson one. So, but anyways, guys, all right. So that's, uh, that's it for the Q and a cheers to everybody. Thank you for uh, asking the questions. Ugh. The vodka is now gone. So, and thank you uh, to everybody who joined the Instagram live. Just thought I'd try that. And uh, yeah, you know, that was pretty cool to get like, uh, to have like this whole other perspective and everything like that. I think it might be a thing that I do moving forward. So thank you everybody on Instagram. And of course, thank you for all the questions for everybody here. All right, guys, talk to you later on Instagram. Go ahead and, you know, just go to YouTube and, you know, watch the, uh, you know, the one-on-one -on -one and then of course the, uh, the panel. So see you guys. Uh, and video. There you go. Careful, careful. All right. We're good. Yeah. All right. Cool. That was pretty fun. Just thought I'd try that since I've been pretty, uh, share. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> All right. I guess I could share it. I have the, I have the, okay. So it's allowing me to share it. All right. Cool. Hold on. Let me do this first. Junkie. Oop. Where my glasses go? They fell. Oh, man. My glasses fell down. I don't know where they fell to. Uh, Q and A. Number one. Oop. Jesus. All right. There you go. Shared that shit. Where the hell, what the hell happened to my glasses? Jeez, I had my glasses right here. And of course, when I was moving something, I just freaking knocked them over. All right, guys. Uh, my Instagram is junkie film. So just reverse film junkie. It's just junkie film. So yeah, like I said, go ahead and follow me on that. I mean, like I, you know, post a lot. I've been posting a lot on there, so. But anyways, all right, let's go ahead and bring the guest in, and we'll talk some shop. Uh, it's somebody I met at the uh, Full Circle event, and I uh, had some good conversations with him. Also uh, talked to him, too, at the uh, Godzilla Minus One event. He works in the biz, so I figured, you know, let's get him in. And I've been wanting to actually bring him on and so we could talk shop, especially with everything that's happening in Hollywood right now. My God. So anyways, Chris. Hey. Can hey. You hear me? Yep. You're good. Right. And uh, Chris Baulos, am I saying your last name right? Bulos. Bulos. There it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm terrible with last names. I'm it's surprised I can even announce my own last name. <laughs> but uh, thank you for joining, man. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm good. I'm good. Just laid around today. There's not, not a lot going on in Hollywood right now. Yeah, I know. That's one of the things that uh, we'll definitely like talk about uh, today, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, I was just like, you know, obviously we met at uh, Full Circle and, uh, you know, we had some, you know, cool conversations. I mean, mm -hmm. I know there's some, maybe some things you might not be able to talk about, but things and, here and there I can. I, I, yeah. I've got I've got a long leash. Yes. OK, so yeah. there's that. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. With Hollywood, I mean, I tell you, it, it's it's so interesting because there's there's things to be excited about, but then there's things that to not be excited about. I don't know. Like, yeah. How are you feeling when it comes to? Oof. Well, yeah. so if you don't know, post writer strike and post actor strike, um, it is still incredibly slow. 
The studios are not making anything because the Teamsters and IATSE contract is up in July. IATSE is pretty much like all the like different department like unions. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. Yeah. So like my union, the lighting union, I'm a gaffer. So I'm a chief lighting technician. Um, all, all the technical unions, camera department, art department, everybody that's below the line. And then the Teamsters happen. There's contract, the Hollywood Teamsters, um, their, their contract happens to line up with ours this July. Now the studios know that. And part of the reason why the writer's strike and actor strike went so long is to make everyone below the line as broke as possible, not only to res- to breed resentment from the crew members towards to the writers and actors who, you know, sometimes there's a division of like, well, they make so much more than us, blah, 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 type thing. Um, so trying to basically get them a strike busted by everyone that's striking, worrying about us hating them. Yeah. And only the stupid people fall for that. But, um, you know, work slowed down like five months before the writer's strike. Um, really? Yeah, the studio started slowing down production like four or five months before the writer's strike even started. One, knowing they weren't going to negotiate with the writers. Uh, I don't think they foresaw the actors actually striking. Um, and DGA, the Directors Guild, they're they're notable bootlickers. They usually always break. Um, it's It's been around like that for years. Um, <laughs> they kind, they're company men. They, they yeah. fall in line. Even for as vocal as, as some of them are that you can see like they wanted to strike, the majority usually fall in line but yeah work slowed down like four or five months before the writer's strike so i have i'm i'm lucky i happen to have been finishing up an amc show uh called cooper's bar with some better call saul uh, alum like mm-hmm. right our the day i was wrapping our gear was the day the writer's strike authorized and so i had I, you know i went into the strike having finished work luckily but i have friends that haven't worked for almost a year and a half um and, you know, everyone was hoping that after the strike, the writer and, and actor strike, that it would pick up. And unfortunately not. Like, I've had some some gigs. Once again, I'm kind of, I've been lucky. I don't know if it's just the network I have or the way I carry my myself on my Instagram. I market myself as your friendly neighborhood gaffer. So I get hired a lot. Uh, you know, could help. Could help. as a personality hire, but also, like, you know, I'm, I am skilled, but... Uh, sometimes I do get hired just because I'm a good time to have on set. So that's kind of gotten me, you know, some more gigs during the slow time, but I haven't worked since the beginning of this month. I have a job in two days. That's kind of like a, a favor job for a friend. So the rate isn't my usual rate. And then I have a job the first three days of March. Um, you know, I started the year strong. I had a, a job on some 16 millimeter film in the beginning of January, but everyone is still, you know, in the crew pages, on on facebook um there's a big one called crew stories where it's it's crew members that have been in the industry 30 40 years all the way down a couple years um this is my 14th year in the industry um and there are people losing their houses there's crew members that are like i don't know what to do there are people who've left the industry completely um just because they can't they simply can't afford it and it's all because the studios want everyone to be as broke as possible to hopefully not strike um And the sentiment right now is no one can afford to strike. Everyone agrees we should have gone on strike last negotiations three years ago. Um, That was like the best time to do it. 
I think we authorized a strike. It would have been the biggest strike in like a hundred years of Hollywood because it would have been the first time in like a hundred years that all of the unions, all the locals struck. And some of those, the locals didn't even exist a hundred years ago. Um, and we didn't, our leadership, Matt Loeb and IATSE didn't get us the best deal. And a lot of it is like to do with like safety and like work hours. And, you know, we do 12 hour days are usually standard yeah. days. And then we end up sometimes 14, 15, 16 hour days. We have this thing called fratter days, which is where the schedule ends up pushing you into a Friday split where you actually wrap on Saturday. So it's this, we, if you do 12 hours, you're supposed to have a 12 hour turnaround time. So you can't show back up to set without being offset for 12 hours mm. or it's a force call. And, um, you know, you get paid overtime for a force call, but essentially what ends up happening is you go into overtime, you go into overtime and then the, the, sh the call time pushes the next day. And then mm. that day goes into overtime because they're still shooting 14, 15 hours. Then the call time pushes. Then by the time you get to Friday, your call time's not till noon or 1, 2 p.m. And so you're not finishing till Saturday morning. <laughs> and, you know, or you're and you lose you lose your weekend, essentially. It's not a real yeah. weekend. Yeah. Um, and so that was something that was like talked about in the last negotiations. And it was kind of one of those things where we should have struck. It was the perfect time to strike. We had the leverage. We didn't. And now the studios knew that they knew everyone intended to strike because we got boned last time and they slowed down work before the writer's strike. They extended the writer's strike and the actor's strike longer than it needed to be for the purpose of making below the line as broke as possible. And now they still have slowed down productions pretty much. There's a lot of productions that are, if something is shooting that's union right now, union usually means like a studio picture. Uh, Non-union is usually indie stuff. Um, there's a lot of them have hard deadlines to end in June to really? to to either wrap up shooting in June or take a hiatus in June um, because the the July is when the contract is up. Yeah. And they don't want anything to if a strike happens, uh, which they're hoping it doesn't because everyone is so poor. And a lot of sentiment is is, yeah, we should strike, but I can't afford to or I'm going to lose my home or I'm going to lose this. Um I don't know if we're going to strike. I everyone agrees we should. Yeah. The the reality of the matter is a lot of people can't afford it. And then the other end of it is they've made people have nothing to lose also. So it's like, well, fuck it at this point. If I have nothing to lose and you guys aren't giving us work anyways, we might as well strike. It kind of helps that the Teamsters contract is up at the same time. Um, but also the Teamsters always get what they want. Yeah, what they they're whatever they they ask for. They usually are one of the locals that always gets what they want. Nobody fucks with the Teamsters offset on set. You want to be friends with them. So they put your truck in a nice place and you don't have to walk up the hill or down the hill for your gear. Um, and that kind of extends to negotiations as well. They usually get what they want. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, well, they're just going to take productions out of state to right to work states like Atlanta, um, you know, out of the country, Vancouver, um, all Vancouver. Those. Yeah. And, and the UK and stuff, they have different union rules and such, obviously. Um, there's a lot of just, nobody knows what's going on. It's tough. Yeah. Jeez, man.
It's it, it's it hasn't been this bad in a while. I was a when the yeah. 08 writer strike happened. I was a, a sophomore in high school, so all I experienced from that was seeing all the shows kind of get messed up with the writing. Yeah, I was gonna ask you like uh, when you got into like your you know getting into the business. I mean, yeah, obviously, you know when like when it came to wanting to just like be part of like a crew or something like that. I mean, obviously. Anytime when it comes to movies and, you know, when you join and when you get into the movie business, everybody just has like aspirations of being like, hey, I want to make movies. Movies are great and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, like what, 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 what was it that made you get into like uh, into the business? So I grew up in SoCal and in a town called Cerritos, which is like 30, 40 minutes south of downtown L.A. with no traffic. It's a suburb. Yeah. Uh, I The high school I went to had a broadcast journalism department and I was in that for four years and we you know we went live on green screen every day we produced the like if you bought a yearbook we made like a dvd that went with the yearbook that had like things filmed on it like major events and prom and i and i ran that class for about three years um and you know made sure everyone's scripts were done for their episodes make sure you know kind of assign that and so i knew probably my sophomore year of high school when i was 16 i was probably going to go into the film industry and when I was, you know, I was always shooting stuff anyways with friends. And so when I was a senior, I was already, when I was like 17, 18, I was already shooting DP music videos for, um, you know, bands and such and and making stuff. And then my first job, my sister, she's 16 years older than me. She's a makeup artist in the industry. She has three Emmys um, oh, for, wow. for makeup. Nice. Yeah, she works at Spectrum Sports. So she's done a lot of the Kobe Memorial stuff, a lot of Dodger stuff. Uh, and so she, a month after I graduated in June of 2010, she got me my first job on set, which was uh, in August of 2010. Uh, and it was some Comedy Central pilot that didn't get picked up. It was insane, like 17, 18 hour days, 19 hour days. I was working for free. And then a couple months later, uh, in like October of 2010, I went off to film school, um, which great for networking. Uh, but you, un you know, listen, if anyone here wants to be in the film industry, you do not need to go to film school. That's it what I've. Well, that's what I've heard. <laughs> it is fantastic for networking. I wouldn't yeah. be where I am. And I probably wouldn't have worked on some of the things I've worked on in my career had I not gone to film school and met some of the people that I met. But you can take that money and you can buy yourself a bunch of equipment. Yeah. Or you can you can fund your first 10 short films that you make with friends. Um and that experience, you unlearn everything technical that they teach you in film school, and you learn it on the job, how you're actually supposed to do it. It's kind of, it, it is a, a, it's a physical labor job, quite yeah. honestly. It's, it's not glamorous. Um, I always joke around. I'm like, people are like, do you like working in film? You know, do you like movies, making movies? I'm like, it's the best, worst decision I ever made. Because when it's <laughs> awesome, it's awesome. Yeah. And when it's bad, it's bad. When you're doing 15 hour days, insane amount of like script pages, insane amount of lighting setups, uh, you know, it's physical labor. Yeah. And and so it's kind of like a construction job almost where it's like you get a guy that uh, a buddy that's like, hey, hey, man, you available for this job? And you're like, yeah, I'm available. And then when you're start first learning, it's kind of like, no, 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 we don't do it that way. Like, this is how you actually do it. Like, yeah. like this is the school way is usually the wrong way. So if you're thinking about going to film school and you film school is great for this, the film school I went to was LA film school on sunset and vine. It's uh, across the street from the original arc light, the dome, the Cinerama dome. 
mm -hmm. that has been closed since the pandemic. Yeah. And um, that school was great at the time. They, they've kind of, it's kind of been, they let you focus more on what you want to do more. But back when I went every month, you were in a different focus. So like one month you were in cinematography, one month you're in production design, one month you're in script writing. It was fantastic for people who wanted to be directors because the best directors know how to do every department's job a little bit. You know what you're asking of your crew members because you have some type of experience in lighting, in production design, in grip, in camera. So your asks come from a place of realism, mm -hmm. of like, mm, I know what it actually takes to do this with the amount of time and budget and people we have. And it was, so that was great. That type of formula was great for directors. For people like me, when I entered, I wanted to be a cinematographer. And I did I did DP for a while. I found myself, I'm way less high strung as a gaffer. Um, <laughs> I'm way more fun. Uh, a, a lot of people don't realize a cinematographer, director of photography, um, if they, if the director is incompetent, the production kind of falls on their back and they have to carry the production to the finish line. And there's a reason why first time studio directors who get picked up at Sundance and all of a sudden they get to direct their first like tentpole, like Marvel movie or whatever, they don't get to bring their DP with them. They're indie yeah. DP. They get a, an, a studio assigned DP that the studio knows can carry this fucking movie to the finish line if this director crumbles. Mm. And so that's the DP is a below the line crew member. They don't get points on the back end. They don't get, you know, residuals, but yeah. they are, we call it, you're the bridge from below the line and above the line. Okay. Uh, and, and so there's a lot of responsibility. There's a lot of politics and, um, it's just very stressful. And so I, I found myself being far too high strung, not enjoying myself. And as a gaffer, 90% of the time, I get to be just as creative when I was as when I was a DP without all the political stress. I just have okay. to deal with the political stress of my department, protecting my department, handling that stuff. And, you know, with a lot of the, the cinematographers I work with, we have a good shorthand where they kind of let me kind of just dictate the look lighting wise yeah. you know we'll talk about they're a like base thing figured, they'll let you figure it out you they're, know? they're like hey this is the vibe i want yeah okay. you know and you, and you and you're like okay i could see where you're going for it and you yeah. figure it out yeah. yeah yeah and so so that's that's kind of how i i came into this okay. being a gaffer full-time wow i oh, mean yeah. i just just to even think i mean to have like uh just to, for even to to say that and i'm, I'm just kind of going back and like oh man how many movies has has uh you know all the pressure been on the cinematographer you know just a lot like yeah a i'm lot. sure there has like more than i just finished know. a movie i just finished a movie an indie film in in september um mm -hmm. very very low budget uh indie film like passion project type of thing from the director yeah. not enough money and the director was also acting in it and oh just not not experienced enough to be doing that. And so literally nothing happened without me and the DP carrying it on our backs. No, no actor got called to set without me and the DP willing it. No prop made it to set without the DP and I willing it like very much. And, and, you know, it's, it's a very, very, we, we have a lot on our plates already. Yeah. You know, we, we DPs are 
working with the director to establish the look of the film and they have the camera department under them they have the grip department under them they have the lighting department under them that's three departments that you're managing and obviously as a gaffer and a key grip we're there we're kind of we're the right hand and left hand to the dp mm-hmm. and we're you know we're managing that those departments you know for them but you're still overseeing three departments so when a director just can't get it together or can't make a shot list you know you come to set and you're like all right what shot do you want for this and they're like ah it's like brother we talked like it's your movie do you want a medium shot do you want a, what lens do you want a tight wide like what do you what do you mean you don't know yeah it, it becomes like a little a handholdy thing you know and so it is let me guide you yeah yeah and it's tough when you're ready just have so much on your plate to to you're you're looking out visually of like all right is this consistent with the the look that we've shot before or the 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 tone that we've set you know lighting wise or camera wise like okay the whole shoot's been handheld right and so we have this handheld look but all of a sudden the director is like "Mm, i want this one on tripod and it's like well that doesn't is there yeah. a reason story yeah. wise? Like, is this a calm is moment or helping? Is that helping the scene kind of? Thing? Yeah. Or do you just yeah. want it like that? Cause you think it'll look good, but we haven't established that visual language. So it is a lot of handholding with inexperienced directors. And that does extend to these big $200 million movies. You know, there just because a, a, someone has made a film that was amazing. It, it picked up at Sundance and it was great there's a huge difference between a, a a one to five million dollar film even though that sounds like a lot of money those are low budget films oh yeah um, of course to getting a 150 million dollar film like where the craft service budget is bigger than that one million dollar indie you did like there's so much it's one of those things where even even i get overwhelmed you know yeah, hopping sure. when i when i hop on from a a small like million dollar thing to like a $50 million thing. Like it's one of those things where it's like, oh shit, like, yo, we gotta get it together. There's like, we, I'm now in charge of millions upon millions of dollars worth of decisions as this department head. And it's a double-edged blade of, you now have the as many resources as you need because you throw money at the problem. You know, it's like, ah, fuck, like we don't, we don't have this piece of equipment like to get this shot, you know, we can get that piece of equipment when the budget is that high. but. Mm-hmm. Also, the stakes are higher. So fucking up is just so much. So from directors down to department heads, it does. It is a a, a thing. Yeah, and I was, just, I was just thinking, like, you know, what what would you actually prefer? It's like, I mean, obviously, you want all the resources you want to achieve, you know, success when it comes to whatever you're trying to shoot. But at the same time, like you said, now you got big you know you got bigger people that you're reporting to and this is this is there's like you said higher stakes this is supposed to be a movie that's supposed to make hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars something like that indie film it's like okay yeah we want to make a profit you know the finish line a lot closer than it is way over here and even though you have like all the resources you know you have you know if you're running you know you have the shoes you have the trainers you have all the equipment to to hit you know to get everything there but you still gotta get there you still gotta get it's it's one of those things it's ironically one of those things where you swap what you want to be in every Mm -hmm. six months of like so like during the strikes, I was doing a bunch of indie stuff, you know, non-union, like indie, like passion projects that are 
a rate that I haven't done in years, just purely because like I got bills to pay, you know, yeah. like whatever, like get your get your favorite jobs now while my rate is whatever, like whatever. Um, and when you do a bunch of indie jobs for, for a while where you don't have all the resources or you're dealing with whatever bullshit or like just like you're working around all these limitations, you're just like, get me on a goddamn soundstage. Get me on a fucking volume. <laughs> like, oh my God. And then when you're doing that for like six, seven months, like I have uh, a, a lot of buddies that are on Ma uh, Mandalorian, Ahsoka, all those shows. And you get sucked into those shows for quite quite a few months, you know, four or five, six months. Um, and if you're doing those back to back, you get into a place where you're like, man, I just want to do like an indie thing. Like, you're just like, like the grass is always greener, right? Kind of it's, thing. It's literally it just swaps back and forth. Yeah. You'll do a bunch of indie stuff, and you're like, God damn, I miss craft services on like a uh, on the lot, you know? That's interesting because it's like, you know, because I I I, I would think that when it comes to like the more indie indie stuff, when you don't have the resources, it kind of can be a little bit more satisfying to figure out how to achieve like a scene or anything just because you're, you're so limited and you figure it out. And I'm sure you've had successes trying to figure that stuff out. But then when you have the resources and you have it all there, now you're just like, but there's that burden of like, well, is that good enough? <laughs> you know, because yeah. we have all this. So, yeah, I mean, I could see like both where it's like, you have all the resources and it's like, all right, we achieved it quickly. That was easy. We're good. But then at the same time, you're like, but is it good? But yeah, but, but I can also see like, you know, because even things that I do with my little like YouTube stuff when I'm like, all right, how can I, if I wanted to do something like this, how do I achieve it? Like with something and then you figure it out and you kind of go, there's like, you know, you feel like this, like, oh yeah, I, I, it's satisfaction that I just, I figured something out. It's just, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there's yeah, definitely like back and forth. I could totally see that. Yeah, there's there's definitely like levels to to that on just like indie and big stuff. Like yeah. the the thing, the nice thing about big stuff uh, or properly budgeted stuff for how how much script you have is just like having the time to do it correctly. A lot of times on smaller things, you're just there's only so much budget and so much time. So you're you're doing a a lot of script pages in a very tight schedule. So sometimes you just don't have the time to finesse something the way you want to, you and the DP want to. And you're just like, it is what it is. Like, like we got to move on. Like we made it look as good as possible. Like, you know, and it's one of those things as an, as an artist, you're later or like, you know, even after the, when the day wraps, you're like, dude, I'm like, you know, I'm kind of like not cool. I'm not happy about like that one lighting setup, but like, you know, it is what it is. And on big stuff. Accept, yeah. On big stuff, you're spending 12 hours doing one page of a script, two pages, so yeah. you can finesse it, you know, where on, on any stuff, you might be doing six pages in a day, seven pages, which is insane. Lifetime movies and Hallmark, <laughs> notorious, terrible. <laughs> Tyler Perry as well. Um, you, do, you do 12, 13 pages a day. They're doing 124-page scripts in nine to 12 days, and that's why all of those movies look like that. It's so funny because, I mean, when you bring up those and like, yeah, you, you watch those and they're just, you know, but there is a fan base for that. So it's like, it's like, they don't give a shit. It's like, even though like you mm -hmm. might give a shit on set, like, well, that doesn't look like, doesn't matter. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. And they, they don't let you, their producers do not let you. So like Lifetime, oh, they yeah. have like a base look, like exposure yeah, wise that yeah. they do not oh, let. The if, 
yeah, it's like, oh, well, I kind of want to like, I want to give this more contrast. They're like, nope, too dark or too, too, whatever. Like, or you want to get this one shot off? Nope. Nope. Yep. Wow. And it's just like, it's like, okay, like you're not, you're not making some, they, they have their formula and you're making it the way. And then Tyler Perry, do not work on a Tyler Perry production. Every it's time so he opens his he mouth. Just recently in the news talking about. Yes. How, yeah. Which is every like, time he opens his mouth. It's just like, I, shut up. You know what? I'm with you on that. I've always thought that guy's full of shit. I mean, he obviously is rich as shit. He's made a bunch of movies and sure there's a lot. But like with that whole thing that he said, like, oh, I'm canceling this whole thing because of the whole AI thing. I'm like, is that really the reason? It, no, he's really notoriously the- cheap. He yes. all of his productions are non-union productions. He, he refuses to flip a show union so people can get their healthcare hours. Um, if you know, it, it's, he will shoot things like molt, like six cameras to shoot something in like three or four days. Um, wow. I, I have an acquaintance that DP'd one of his like films. Um, and you know, it was a big deal for that DP in his career and just like steppage or whatever. But I, there's a reason why I don't work with that DP, uh, oh. because I don't want to work on that type of production where it's like you so know he figured out a formula for himself to just like pump out all this stuff which essentially is just the same shit like like and you see, but you see you see like the 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 wigs the continuity yeah. of wigs and shots like they're shooting so fucking fast with so many cameras some people a lot of producers it's a it's a problem across the board in the industry is if you throw more cameras at it we'll shoot faster right no because now you're doubling the amount of crew, you're limiting what you can, the areas you can light from if it's not a studio space lit from above because now you have double the eyes pointing in different directions. So I can't put a stand over there. There's a camera pointing that direction and there's a camera yeah. pointing this direction. It, it comp, Having a multi-cam show or, or film, it gets more complicated. There's more logistics. It doesn't, sometimes it's like, yeah, okay, we got the tight and the medium you know, at, at once or whatever, that's, stacked that's or whatever. Easy to do, yeah. Yeah. But sometimes it is not like, and it's, it's cameras. Yeah. It's, it's tough, man. And it's one of these things that's like failing upwards is a large thing for people who make decisions in this industry. Um, yeah. It's not a joke. It's not over exaggerated. Um, yeah. I've and, always thought that Tyler Perry was like a hack. I never thought his shit was good. Like I never is. understood it. I never understood it. And I mean, I get it like, you know, with the whole, you know, Medea thing. And I'm like, all right, people, I'm like, okay, cool, fine. But I'm like, all right, but how many of these are going to just keep on going? And, and then I remember he had his sitcoms that came out. I remember I tried watching them. I'm like, how this not even, this is not even good. There's nothing good here. Ugh. Yeah. It's, it's obviously like there's an audience for yes, everything. For just kind of like there's everyone's got their kinks for yeah. for for porn and stuff. True, it's kind of like there's true. there's something for everybody. And it comes <laughs> there is that for for film and TV, but like being it is interesting being on the crew side and having worked on some of these things and seeing the actual kind of like pipeline of like like yeah. you know we can't it's not possible to make it better the way that it's currently run like it's just not possible um and a lot of here's the thing sometimes being on twitter um i don't i don't partake in a lot of the the discussions on twitter in the discord on twitter um uh, you know i 
I enjoy comic book stuff. You know, as you see, I have a bunch of this stuff. I've got, you know, Batman Beyond here and I got a Batman here and, nice. and you know, I got the Justice here. I'm a big yes. geek. I love DC. I love, I like Marvel. Um, I grew up with, with both of those things. I'm a nineties kid seeing the discord online about how these films are made or decisions from people who have never made anything in their life and, and yes. probably would crack after a week on set is sometimes so insufferable. I'm sure Uh, there's many times where I've typed in a response on Twitter. I'm like, you left it in the drafts. (laughs) I just delete it. Um, And what a lot of people need to realize. And, and I think the Madam web discourse that has happened recently with kind of has brought it back a a lot more people being vocal that work within industry is like, Hey, a lot of these decisions are not us. Yeah. Uh, for some of us, some of these jobs are not passion jobs. Some of these jobs are a business transaction. I do a lot of indie films where I could not give a fuck what happens to the film after. It's a business transaction when you, we have a bunch of bad days on set and then we have the meeting, the team meeting in the morning where it's the producer or the director whose passion job it is giving us the pep talk of like, I know we've had some bad days recently, but we're a family and we're blah, blah, blah. We're going to get it because we all like making movies. That does nothing but piss us off more, quite honestly, because now I'm wasting 20 minutes of my day that we're already behind a week on schedule to hear you talk, hear yourself talk. Let's just shoot. This is a business transaction. This is not a family. And there are the films that I work on that end up being a wonderful time that I track all the way through. I go to the wrap party. I, I, I check up on where it is in like production, post-production, and I will market the hell out of what it comes out. And a lot of people don't realize that watch films or critique films, a lot of this for us, for crew members, it's out of our hands. A lot of decisions. We know when something is stupid on set. When we're on take when we hit take nine on the slate of something that's not like soup, like a very complicated action move or camera move, we're like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Like, let's, we got it. Let's move on. Going here. Yeah. Like a lot of the crew members know the problems that are happening yeah. during production. Like we can be like, this is not going to be like, that's not going to work. Huh? I know. I mean, we can, with the, yeah. With the whole Madam website. I mean, that's, that's that. I mean, there was like that whole discourse with like Chris Stuckman and people were like, you know, like his video. And I I commented on, it, I'm like, okay. Uh, I was like, totally, I defended Chris and I disagreed with certain things too as well. But at the <laughs> same time, I was like, you know what? He decided to uh, talk about how he pointed out. It's like, this is a studio thing. And I, you know, and I think everybody just kind of, and when I watched that movie, I'm like, there is no soul in this fucking movie. This seems like yeah. we should like, get it out there. It's, a, get it out it's there. the best example I can give uh, as someone who is the flash oh the the theatrical flash when you look at that film the bones of a good film is there you see the stuff with his mom the 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 stuff with him and affleck you know saying you know you can't change the past it's what makes us who we are that type of stuff the bones of a film with heart and emotion and character is there and everything else the meat around it is the studio system putting that beyond meat around it. That's what they're doing. Fake meat. Yeah. And that is at a certain point, so beyond any of the individual artists on the film, technical to decision makers, like a director at a certain point 
on a studio film is a figurehead. They're a, they're a Queen Elizabeth. They're they're a monarch. They <laughs> they can kind of point out some stuff, but you know it happened to Zach on on theatrical JL. You know, yeah. I think that I think with what happened to Zach on that film was really one of the f- not first times, but one of the biggest times that the public really kind of got to see throughout the years of like, no, no, no. The director is not in charge of a lot of these things you think the director is in charge of. And there are layers to that. There are exceptions to the rule. There are directors that get final cut like Nolan um, and, you know, Scorsese and stuff. And there's a reason why Nolan left Warner Brothers, quite obviously. Uh, It's been, as I have said for many years since BVS, Warner Brothers is run by two kids in a trench coat. Um, And sometimes it's three kids in a trench coat. Uh, Right now it's a demon in a trench coat. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of this stuff. I think people who review movies and critique movies and and stuff and just general Twitter and and fan base stuff, you guys got to give these filmmakers more grace than you do. Because 90% of the time when things are really bad or you're like, how did they mess this up? They didn't. They got people they answer to. These are millions upon millions upon millions of dollars worth of decisions. I make, I'm a silly, goofy guy on set. I'm a very shit. I'm a verbal shit post and ADHD goblin on set. There are times where I'm like, I'll say something make a joke and i'll be like can you believe you guys pay me to make millions of dollars worth of decisions like there are times where i'm like i i am in charge of and i don't get my way sometimes sometimes i'm like we to make this shot or these scenes work i need a b and c and i need this many crew members or it's just not gonna work or it's gonna look bad or whatever and they're like we can't sorry like i this you can't get it and i'm like all right well then i can't give you this intended look or I can't, or it's not going to look good or we're not going to make our days. The, the Ridley Scott thing that came out about the gladiator budget. Yeah. I'm going to ask you about that. Yeah. So a lot of the times, sometimes it is the director's fault. Sometimes the director just cannot fucking make their days. They, 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 but what's, for what's too many weird takes. about that is Ridley Scott's known for just going, let's go, let's go, let's go. So that's so sometimes, would... sometimes it's not the director. Sometimes there's technical stuff, man. Mm. Sometimes it's just like, you know, uh, a giant stunt just didn't work and it takes a crazy amount of time to set back up the, 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 you know, the props or the set, because, you know, you had to destroy half of this, this wall or whatever. uh, And it takes a certain amount of hours or time to, to reset. And now you are three hours behind in the day. And because you're three hours behind, you have to cut a scene that you were going to shoot that day, you have to now push it to another day. You have to make it a pickup shot. And now everything, everything shifts. It's a snowball. So once you're behind, you're like, all right, well, we got to put this scene on this day and then maybe we'll do pickups for this day. Uh, or like all the stuff we couldn't get on this day, we'll put it on this, this reshoot day. Um, but now we, we didn't, this wasn't intended to be on a reshoot day. So now we need two reshoot days because we already had all this other stuff we were going to reshoot. And it quickly balloons because my, to be, to be transparent as a gaffer, uh, a full union rate as a department head gaffer, I think like tier three. And 
everything is negotiable within our industry. You can negotiate a higher rate. So, but usually 750 a day is my rate, 750 for 12. Um, and then anything after 12 is time and a half. And then a couple after hours after that, it's like double time and such like that. Okay. I'm one guy. Yeah. If my rate is 750 to 850 a day before overtime, before meal penalties, meal penalties being every six hours, you have to have a hot lunch, a sit down catered meal, um, or you get a meal penalty. And for every certain amount of minutes past six hours that you haven't been broken for lunch, it's like an additional $5 on your thing, an additional 10. And then I think it maxes at like 25 you know, per $25. It doesn't go higher than like 25 per certain amount of minutes. Studios often eat that cost. They're like, they're like, yeah, just meal penalty, whatever, whatever. Um, but you got meal penalties, you got overtime, you've got pre, if you get forced call, meaning you got called before your 12 hour turnaround. So now you're getting overtime coming into the day. I'm one guy. If I have a department of seven, eight electricians, which on a big, big show, like on Gladiator would be way more. You've got the rigging electrics. You've got the the rigging set guys that aren't even on set with me. And then you've got me and then my set, my set electricians, lighting guys. And there's, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. My best boy, who's a best boy grip and best boy electric. If you don't know, if I'm the manager of the lighting department, they are the assistant manager. Um, and they essentially, they usually stay on the truck. They organize the gear. They talk to the the rental houses for the gear. They do our time cards for the department. Um, they make usually like $50 less than me. So that's another guy. That's like 700 a day. And then my electrics say they're at 650 a day. And I've got seven of those. And then you've got the grip, the key grip. He's making the same as me. And then the steady cam guy, he's making two, three grand a day. <laughs> you know, like... These are these are the technical departments. Yeah. So it's super easy for these budgets to just snowball and wow. snowball and snowball. Yeah. You fuck up one or two days, could be not the director's fault. Could be a light, uh, an entire thing came down, entire set came down. Rain came and destroyed an entire set piece. Dude, I mean, that's what, that's, that's what people don't understand. And then like when we see this kind of stuff. And then we see like, and then of course, when, when all these uh, studios go like, Oh, the budget was this. I'm like, well, you could probably tack on, you know, 50, 60 more million on that because yeah, they're reporting that because, but who knows? Like when, you know, when it came to like something like, uh, uh, for instance, like Aquaman, it's like, you know, they report the budget and then they kind of, you know, you kind of go, I don't know. I think, you know, with all the reshoots that that had to, to endure. Oh, and all oh that, dude. Oh, oh, Dude, oh, oh, the, oh, the, the reshoots on that. Tell the me, reshoots Chris. on that. Though, there was, I believe, you probably know some of this. I think there was three or four different versions of that movie. Um, <laughs> there were, there was the <laughs> Affleck version. Yes. Um, which Keaton I believe version. test screened. Yes. Yeah, oh, the, yeah. The Keaton yeah. version. There, I think there were test screenings of both of those. Yep. Um, there was the original version, which was, I believe, Juan's actual vision. Yep. There was there was versions where they kill the baby. <laughs> Damn it! Oh my god! Don't tell me that they did it. They killed the baby. They it did not. I it, knew one would do it. I knew one would. Do it, it didn't test well. Yeah, I know. It did not. Well, of course it, it wouldn't. But I mean, oh my, that's all. Oh, that's uh, you know. Oh. <laughs> don't obviously. I'm I'm 
I'm hearing, don't, no one take any goddamn headlines from me. I'm a gaffer that knows people that knows people, everything. A lot of things are telephone, you know, Yeah. but from, from friends that, that I know that I trust what they, what they're telling me and people who have seen things. So, but obviously no one go and plast a fucking like they killed Aqua baby in one of these cuts, according to industry insider, everything is, is hearsay, but <laughs> Okay, if I clip this, I'll just be like, hearsay from the Aquamans. Yeah, from, yeah. Um, I'll disclaim that. I'll yeah, but but like those, th when you do that many reshoots, you have yeah. to get all of those crew members at all of those rates and all of these set pieces and all of these, you know, you're renting whatever the fuck you're renting, you know, props and all that, like... You know, obviously something like Warner Brothers, they have their prop house, they have their stages. So they're not like spent spending money on on, you know, stage rentals or prop rentals. But like, you know, you got to build stuff. You got fabricators, you got electrics and, and construction people and camera department. And it, it's it's a lot of fucking money. Yeah. So one even adding a week of reshoots is a lot of money. <laughs> like with a skeleton crew, even which yeah. a film that size a skeleton crew is what we refer to and it's like uh, uh we have some pickup shots but we're not taking like like everybody it'll be like the department heads and like a few like key people to make for us to be able to get this scene because we're like all we're doing is like walking around and getting some shots of, of of our guy walking around downtown la like yeah you know like daylight natural daylight shots like you don't need a big crew for that you can make a skeleton crew or whatever um but like you know on a studio picture there's usually not a skeleton crew it's no. it's everything you're doing is so massive. Um, it's very easy for it to balloon and snowball. And, and a lot of times, sometimes it is the director's fault of just, they don't know how to manage their time or what they're asking for. Sometimes directors will get an idea in their head and not know what it takes to achieve that thing they're asking for. So of course, you know, the first assistant director comes to me and he's like, Hey, how much more time do you need to light that? And I'm like, another hour. What like, leave me alone. Another hour. <laughs> Every time you ask me, I'm adding five more minutes. Yeah. Like it take, if he wants this done, like I told you that we probably shouldn't do it, but he is adamant. So when you have the directors who are being very adamant about very ridiculous asks that can very easily put you behind. And, and then, you know, it does fall on the director. Um, and, you know, sometimes it falls on the actors. Sometimes it's like you got talent showing up late. And, you know, music videos have a big problem in that world. There's a reason oh, why sure. I stopped doing music videos many, many years ago. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, I stop, I, I don't do many music videos except for, like, if a, a friend is, is DPing it and asks me, hey, man, can you come out? Or, like, it's a production company that I've worked with before that I know treats me well and gets me paid quickly. Um, but I, in, like, 2014, 2015 is really when I stopped doing music videos. Um, it's so just a lot of talent that just like not working well with, uh, yeah. Like, you know, talent showing up, you know, talent can show up five hours late and you still have to sh shoot that five hours worth of stuff that you didn't get that they were five hours late on. So now you're doing, you know, a 17 hour day for something that isn't worth enough money. I don't think, um, you know, music videos, it's not the MTV days anymore. Yeah. A lot not, of these eighties the or the nineties anymore. A lot yeah. of these labels aren't paying for video a lot of these music videos are out of the artist's pocket that's that's okay that's what i was just about to say is because like anytime you see a music video now it's it seems like 
because the things you know like with uh, artists that i love it's like you know like a metallic or a foo fighter so like if they put something if they do a music video there's like passion in it you could tell it's like this is what they really wanted and i'm like yeah and they're probably not getting much return from it because it's not so much a thing anymore and it's like maybe they get some return off of youtube or whatever the fuck sure but at the same time i'm like you know the, the, these music videos i mean and maybe they hire like some some of these like uh you know people that they find that are like you know that have these talents that they've that submitted something and they do something and you could just sell tell like now it's like with certain ones even not like how it was before it's like well you have to have this lighting and this like and you just do this you, you do your thing you know when it came to the 90s and like the early 2000s it seemed like a lot of it was just like the same shit and whatever the hell but yeah, nowadays it seems like, and I was wondering, I'm like, yeah, it seems like it's just, it's the band that's like putting the input in it and saying like, Hey, let's put a music video out and we're going to do it for every song. And we're going to do like this little thing with each song. And it's going to be like a different, like a uh, director on it that we pick up from YouTube or something like yeah. that. And I kind of like that because it's like, it seems like there's just more passion when it comes. Yeah. To like sometimes. Yeah. A lot of times recently and uh, past however many years it is the artist fronting the the okay. video sometimes yeah, this like the it. the label will put a certain amount of money not nearly enough for for what they Don't they want to do or whatever so sometimes it'll be like a half and half thing um and it's 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 just like it's not the focus isn't there as much unless you're like a, a beyonce or you know yeah. or a you know one of those premier premier artists um that making a video uh you know a, a video a day in those videos alone is going to make the ad revenue back for the for the label or whatever um you know a taylor swift or something so a lot of the times it's it's um very under budgeted i found that bands in my experience it's been a while obviously bands yeah. in my experience and are usually really great they're usually like, yeah, where do you want us? Like, they're usually very excited and, and stuff. That's a lot good. of the times it's solo artists or like... So the ego's coming to play. Yeah, like Nicki Minaj is a nightmare. She's a terrible oh. human being. Um, <laughs> she's a bad person. Um, you're, like not you're not supposed to look her in the eyes. Oh, it's, um, one, of those, it's one of those not look her in the eye things. I hate yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Like, I, I know that there's been productions where they've had the grips build a partition between her trailer and the set so extras couldn't look at her Jesus um Christ. she is a bad person uh just a nightmare human um you know i, I worked with a, a lot of very famous artists and some of them are cool and some of them are weird and some and, and some are like some are like mostly fine, but like just like have weird things. You're like, mm, this isn't great for a work environment. Like you showed up with way too many people and like, you know. What's JLo like? You worked with JLo? I, I, I haven't worked with JLo, but JLo is very particular. Um, her, make, her makeup artist has a lot of say in lighting, actually. Of course. Um, there is a specific light that you have to rent uh, with a J with, for a JLo video. It's called a Breezy. Um, it's a big beauty light. Um, and it, it's, it's a very nice soft light. It's a, it's an expensive day rate on that light. Um, I, it's not a necessary light because we have so many different types of lights now that can achieve that look, mm -hmm. but there are certain artists and, and, and actors and such 
that know the brand, know that name of light because they it's the one that they like. That's the one that makes me look good. Um, and you know, that's that's what you so like I did a I did a Missy Elliott um Pepsi Super Bowl commercial in 2019 and nice. um with Missy Elliott and her I, I remember that one. Yeah. Um yeah, nice. and it there well, there was two parts of that commercial. There was one where it's like Miss, it's on a DJ table and it comes up and Missy Elliott's got a Pepsi or whatever. And, and then uh-huh. it's like her playing the guitar. And then there's like yeah. a whole like music video, like where it's like a bunch of people in like Coke colors, which are like the opposition. And it's like a big dance thing. So I did the, the, the part, the smaller part, but the Missy Elliott's people were like, she wants this light, which is a breezy, um, which certain artists like JLo and, and, and certain other big artists, where their makeup artist has a lot of input on their <laughs> lighting. Um, you know, they're, they're particular. They're not, they're not so much like difficult to work with. Like Missy was, she was very lovely. Um, you know, she was particular in the way of like when she wanted to step onto the set and mm. such, but she was very nice, but her people were very particular um, uh, of, of the asks um, even down to lighting. So there are sometimes that's there, there are times where I become uh, a glorified electrician set lighting guy with a with a fancy title of gaffer where <laughs> I'm I need to I need to do something very specific and it needs to be lit a very specific way. And there's not creative freedom in it because of, you know, the artist or the, their management. Jeez. I mean, OK. Oh, man. I, I mean, I can only imagine music. And, and it's funny, too, because it's like, uh, you know, going back to even like Zach, I mean, he he did music videos and Michael Bay started with music videos and stuff like that. And, you know, it's like music videos are cool. I mean, I remember um, back when was this like 2008, 2009? I remember um, there was like a Pepsi rock member rock band. Yeah. They, a challenge and me and my friends were like you know what let's try it because we play rock band all the time and we went out into the desert and just fucking and i and i was like the direct i was like all right we're gonna do this i'm gonna direct it i'm gonna edit it and do all this stuff like that and you know it's it, it's like it, it you know hearing you talk and just uh you know trying to like achieve something like i mean obviously we're not in the biz and we're just like hey let's try to do and it and it's funny too because there's times where, I mean, there's things where I was like, all right, I'm going to, I want to shoot this sequence like this and we're going to do it like three different ways like this. And then when you go to edit, you go, well, only one of this works, you know, know? and it's just like, but it's just so, you know, it's a crazy process, but at the same time, when you at the scale of, you know, what you do and stuff like that, like, and the the time and the management and then of course like when it's like all right you're trying to achieve this and you have this crew and you're trying to work with them and then sometimes it's like no no you have to do it how much time it's going to take i mean jesus christ it just it sounds like i'm surprised you have hair (laughs) (laughs) yeah i got i got a got a lot of a lot of hair here um i'll keep that off it's actually at the same time there's something fulfilling about it too when you achieve it i'm sure i mean that's why you keep on doing it right yeah it 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 goes back to that it's the best worst decision i've ever made of like you know currently like we're all struggling really bad and like it's very uncertain and all of us have imposter syndrome if you are in the entertainment industry you are a little bit neurotic you're a little bit mentally ill <laughs> my girlfriend she is not in the industry at all um she's one of the the few people i've ever dated that has 
it doesn't come from the industry. So isn't like an actress or model or, or work in the industry. And she does not under, she showed up to, I brought her to set with me a couple times and she's just like, I don't know why you guys do this shit at all. She's like, what is wrong with all of you guys? Like, you know, she's, her ice cream machine is fully operational up here. Yeah. So she doesn't understand the like, imp- I had to explain imposter syndrome to her when we first started dating because that she's just good with herself. Like, you know, she, she doesn't exist in an industry or an art form where you're constantly like, like, am I ever going to, the, the cycle is I'm a God. I'm never going to work again. Everybody hates me. I'm the best to ever do it. I'm a God. I'm never going to work again. Dude. Like it's, it's, it's that cycle. And it, if you've done anything creative from, from Dude. YouTube to Twitch to. That's what I was going to say. I mean, it's, it, 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 it's, it's it, even like in this field right here, it's like, I mean, uh, you know, like when it came to, well, now my ex, because, you know, like we, we recently broke up, but at the same time, it's just like, you know, and we were on and off for like nine years and, you know, she never like, I mean, it was hard for her to grasp like what I did when it came to here, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's in, and it is one of those things where it's just like, yeah, even with like the YouTube space, you just kind of, uh, you kind of go like, I mean, it's a mini, it's a mini set. It's a mini thing like right here where mm-hmm. it's like, all right, I gotta, I do this thing. This is where I'm at. I have my camera set up. I'm trying to and I'm and I don't know how many times I complained to her, like, Ah, oh, that stream sucked. I was off. Mm-hmm. I said this wrong. You know, oh, my focus was a little off. She's like, I didn't see any of that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, you it's, don't. And the reason why my setup looks like this uh-huh. uh, is because oh, I haven't done it in a year because ADHD and, and, and just personal schedule and stuff is I have a Twitch. And uh, for a hot minute, I was doing... Um, basically a stream on Twitch. And my whole thing was a guy who lights movies talks about lighting and video games. And so I totally get part of the reason outside of the ADHD that I haven't done it in a year is it's hard, man. It's fucking talking into if, if you're chatting and there's not really anyone in the chat, you're talking into a void, but you got to keep talking and, you know, getting the, there's no, maybe no call and response. It is very difficult. It is very people that's what people who kind of get down on themselves is like, Oh, I, I only do this. Like I don't do something at like what you do or whatever. Like, you know, cause people see making movies and TV is like, that's, that's at a different level. Yeah. Technically. Mm-hmm. But at the, at the end of the day, we're all trying to make something and we're all trying to get people to enjoy the thing that we're making. Yeah. And it's hard. And, and there is a, a rejection, sensitivity to that when you're putting yourself out there and when you're talking and you're like oh man no one's chatting back it's exhausting oh like, yeah dude i've and, been, and, there. been there and when yeah. when you have to especially like uh for you you like edit content as well that you put out afterwards then you're going from the live thing where you're like okay i hope all my lighting is good my my sound is good which i don't know what it is with computers and mics and shit sometimes it just doesn't work i haven't even turned the computer off what yeah. like I you know I logged on thirty minutes before this because I haven't used my setup in a minute to be like all right is my Elgato thing working is my mic work like I yeah. there's no reason why this shouldn't work so you have those problems and then now you got to go put it all together into a thing that you upload and hope gets engagement that then you know and it's tough and I think people huh? people need to realize 
from my level down to any creation level, it's, it's, it, it is tough. Like just, you gotta make stuff. You just it gotta really make is. stuff. I mean, it really, I mean, like, you know, I mean, obviously just, you know, when people ask me like, Hey, how, how could I start, start a YouTube channel? I'm like, just turn on the fucking, you know, camera make turn it. on the mic and just go and you're going to learn. Like if there are people that I watch that are way up there that I could tell that they are learning still, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's like down to their, the way that they craft their thumbnails and their titles and just the way that they, you know, yeah. Camera shots. I mean, I'm constantly, I, constantly just trying to like adjust things. And, and anytime that I do my live stream and I'm trying to be like, all right, I got, you know, I try to be on point energetic and, you know, not stumble on stuff. Well, obviously it's hard, but I, I always utilize that. And I, um, take my topics and make it their own videos but then i have to like make those videos you know to be you know i have to make a hook i gotta like yeah. you know start off with a hook and and bring people in so then they listen to the rest of it and see you know and they're not just like yeah it's it's a, it's, it's a whole process but it's fun yeah and, this is my advice to anyone who also asks that type of thing like well i want to you know start on twitch or youtube or i want to get into film like what's the best way especially for people who want to be directors um you got to make stuff you just gotta yeah. make stuff it doesn't matter if it's good make stuff or, with your friends yeah. um because every time you make something you're figuring out what the hell didn't work and you're like oh next time we should have done this so next time you're able to be like all right like or even when you're in editing when you talk about that like rock band thing you did you're like only one of those things worked but yeah. now you know the next time you're like all right we, sh we needed to get these two extra things to make that thing work that we wanted to do last time. And the only way to know that is to do it. You could watch a million fucking YouTube tutorials. You can watch, you can go to film school, but until you do it and you're doing it with people who everyone has their own skill set and knowledge, me as a department head, um, I, when I, I hire the people I hire under me are people I think are better technicians than me. I think they're smarter than me. I think sometimes some, a lot of times I'll hire friends that are also gaffers. Um, and I, I'll be like, I think they're better gaffers than me. And I use their skill set and knowledge to learn things or get ideas from things that I didn't even think. I, I tell my crews all the time, especially people I've never worked with before. I'm like, Hey, if I ask you to do something on set or ask for a specific light or specific setup, and there's a better way to do it, than the dumbass way I'm asking you to do it. If I'm asking for a light and that is unnecessary, tell me. Yeah. Obviously, have some social tact. If I'm with the cinematographer and the director, don't be like, I actually, pull me aside and be like, hey, I actually think it'll work better if we use this light or like, I don't think we need to do this and that to get this look. Like, you could just do this. There's plenty of times where I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, do it that way. Totally do it that way. That's what, yeah, yeah, collaborating yeah. with people, yeah. and then giving giving those people that credit. That's a big thing. That's a huge thing. Is a lot oh. of times I'll do something on set where the director, the DP, be like, "Oh, dude, that was killer idea," blah blah, and I'm like, "That wasn't me. That was Charlie." Yeah. Because if I take the credit for that, then what's the incentive to work for me? Exactly. But that's the point that's of good. working with other people. Yeah. And even when you're just starting making stuff, because your friends, even your friends that might not work in like like making content or film or whatever that they're just helping you for the day they still watch stuff they still have ideas and sometimes that idea will be like oh shit i didn't you know sometimes making stuff in a bubble 
is nice. You can focus, you can think, but collaboration, make stuff with your friends. If you, for Twitch and stuff, even, you know, I'll get back to doing the Twitch thing eventually when uh, I beat the little ADHD goblin in me. Uh, <laughs> you know, you just got to yeah. do it. I have friends that are very big YouTubers, very big Twitch people with millions and millions of followers, and they still, you know, struggle and talk to me. Yeah. And like, they're like, man, I don't know. I have friends that are people that I was a fan of uh, that are now friends, actors and actresses that will will just be talking. And this the stress stuff that they're talking to me about is literally the same shit that I'm stressing about. And they have massive fan bases. I was one of their fans at one point. So it's like, it's literally at every level. So don't let it stop you, any of you, uh, from trying. Because yeah. no matter what, as good as you get, you will self-criticize and be like, I don't know, man. Like, yeah. if I'm doing it right, you Always know. part of the process, no matter yeah. what. I mean, I could have... You know, like just me personally, I could be like, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, I, I I was firing at all cylinders. I felt like when I was doing that stream, because, you know, when I do my film junkie lives, it's just me by myself talking about the topics, chatting with the, the people and blah, blah, blah. And then I could be like, you know what? That was good. I'll feel great afterwards. And then when I go back and I start watching some of the stuff because I'm clipping it out, I'm like, ah, I yeah. fucked up right here. And yeah. yeah, and I start just like. You know, you start just going like, ah, like, you know, criticizing yourself. But, you yeah. know, but at the same time, it's like, all right, I always find myself going like, you know what? It's not that bad. Come on, just take a step back, edit it out. You know how to edit, you know how to like, you know, make it flow. You've done this so many times and you're learning as you're going. It's like you could still make something out of this. And then sometimes like a clip can just like all of a sudden just like get in that algorithm and blow up a little mm -hmm. bit. And all of a sudden you got 20 more subscribers because of that one clip or something like that. And, and that's the thing. That's the thing a lot for for any of you that are, are pursuing like YouTube and TikTok and Twitch and all that. Sometimes it's not you. You're at a mercy of an algorithm you do not control. No. that that changes constantly in a very 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 saturated market now becoming an a-list an youtuber is just as hard as becoming an a-list celebrity yeah it, it's it's now the same thing um and so sometimes you just gotta you gotta give yourself a little bit of grace you do uh, because as much as you could as like it's like i should have done that better i should have done that better one you're only noticing it because you're making it and you know the process we just do this in movies all the time. I do this all the time to directors who are driving me crazy. They're like, ah, like <laughs> what that we got to move that thing like three inches. I'm like, I guarantee you, if someone is looking at that, we've done something wrong. No one should be looking at that thing in the background. Like yeah. if, if maybe on the fourth rewatch, you know, for someone, but at that point, someone loves the thing already. Let them notice whatever they're going to notice in the yeah. background. That is, that is a little bit off. That's a thing that, I constantly have to, you know, kind of be a dick about on set. I'm like, hey, if they're looking at that, we're noticing that because we're crafting this thing, but no one is going to see that. And if they are seeing that, we've done something else completely wrong. That's a bigger problem because we're clearly not keeping their attention on. On what's you know, on the screen. What, what what matters, the, you know, the script or the acting or the whatever the fuck, the visuals. We've done something. We have a bigger problem to worry about. And so th that's that's the thing is like, of course, we're going to notice it. We're yeah. making the thing. A lot of times, no one else notices. Yeah. 
It is kind of funny too, because like, yeah, I mean, I will, and I, I remember this would actually drive my ex crazy sometimes because I would notice like, you know, continuity errors with hair or something like that. Oh, but at yeah. the same time, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm like, but I would always tell her, I'm like, yeah, you notice that right there, blah, blah, blah. But, but I would always tell her at the same time, it's like, yeah, but this shit's hard. Like you realize like, yeah, you know, if something happens where it's like, okay, we have a different, like, uh, you know, a different shot of this person. And like, I'm noticing the hair. 99.9 of the percent of the people are not going to notice it exactly but i'm I, but i know because i edit all the fucking time and i know continuity i mm -hmm. see the shit and i see that stuff and i see it a lot i'll see it a lot but i don't point it out because i'm not sitting there going it's not ruining the scene for me it's not ruining the story for me yeah there's little things here and there that i could uh point out but at the same time i'm like i get it i get it it's like it's not gonna be no nothing's ever going to be super perfect i mean these yeah. you know especially with movies it's so so hard to make and yeah there's times where it's like yeah there's pickup shots that could have been shot on a different day i mean if it's very noticeable like in justice league and and Oof. fantastic four 2015 and shit like yeah. that where it's like jesus christ it's like they weren't even trying you know that's the stuff that you could point out you know those point are those are always my most nerve-wracking days on a on a shoot is if i'm having to recreate a lighting setup that someone oh else God. lit on a, a completely different day um i i've i've had a show where we were doing it was second unit and so i was second unit gaffing um and we were doing pickups or reshoots uh, of a bunch of different episodes of this show. So all the directors were basically coming in and we were recreating looks that they had already shot or we needed to match like the lighting. And that's always extremely stressful for me. Usually it's fine, but like, I'm always like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, you know, like, if I lit it beforehand, do you, like the, do you have like the shot on your phone and you're kind of like, uh, yeah, you're like, man, yeah, kind of like yeah. doing something like that. Yeah. 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 I usually have the shot on my phone or an iPad or something. And I'm like, all right, uh, this is the, it's blue. All right. They've got, we've got a fire behind them there. So that should wrap around here. Like, but we're not on the same set. So it's like, okay, we got to cheat this here. And like, it, it's very stressful. I did a, I did a show in 2017 um called that moment when and it was right before bandersnatch on netflix that interactive thing that mm -hmm. netflix yeah. did yeah, it yeah. was it was interactive uh it, it starred uh milana um Ventriup. she's the at t girl um oh yeah yeah and she was she was gonna be squirrel girl that's right um and she did squirrel girl's voice when they canceled the new warriors live action or whatever oh. um i had seen the suit by the way and the animatronic uh no yeah shit. she had showed it that. to me wow, and wow. and that animatronic squirrel was insane it looked like a real squirrel. Wow. Like Chippy or whatever I think its name yeah. was. And I saw I saw her costume and stuff. It looked awesome. Uh, but we we did this show and it was interactive, uh, interactive show and comedy. Um, some of the people, the, the our director was uh he was part of the guild. He was one of the cast members from the guild, Sandeep Parik. Um, so we did this big interactive show, and months later they wanted to do ads for the show. And the ads, they basically wanted to take Milana's character from our show and put her in a bunch of, of iconic scenes. So like the pill scene from The Matrix and the uh, like a scene from Indiana Jones and like the 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 um, scream like Drew Barrymore scene. So and basically it's like showing her character doing some something comedic with a little choice like that you would pick or whatever. 
Um, and I was very stressed out days before the shoot because I'm recreating iconic scenes Jeez. that people know people know what the yeah. chair scene from the matrix looks like so yes. i'm like am i going to be able to light this correctly like we have the the chairs from warner brothers like the the prop house like the the actual like matrix chairs, chairs that they're that, sitting that, that in Chris and, and reeves he, sat on yeah yeah and we're 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 not on those sound stages like we're building these sets and yeah. i'm like up all night the night before i'm like i got to do the matrix i got to do a scene from from scream i the opening scene from scream i gotta do uh, indiana jones i gotta do the sixth sense like Mm. i'm stressed the hell out and you know it ended up looking great and working great but you are your own worst critic yeah and so you're (laughs) like i gotta admit everyone knows what these that's a that's the beauty the freedom of music videos or things that are are new is there's no point of reference you're making whatever you want to make. It's 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 a new thing. But when you're making a remake or a uh, a parody of a scene that exists that's very famous, or even going to reshoot or add to a shot that's already been shot, oh, that's you got to nail that. To to me, that's got to be the worst. Is just doing like if you had to do a pickup shot or something like that of a shot that already exists and try to recreate that to make it seamless. Good God, that's got to be. I mean, like, and there's a reason why it doesn't work a lot of times. Yeah, when you look yeah, at, you it, can pick it out of AI. Yeah, it just sticks yeah. out like a fucking, you know. Yeah, it does. So it, it usually, it's ugh. yeah. That's got to be worse. If you're recreating for a parody, it's like yeah, people are gonna not really care yeah. so much. Something like that. It's gonna be like, oh, it looks close enough. It yeah. looks close enough. But yeah, if it's something where it's like you needed something within this shot that wasn't there, that needs to be there, it's crucial. So you have to do it. You have to make to make that seamless. Good God, that's got to be yeah. the most stressful. Oh, and obviously, the more money you have, the easier it is. Yeah. And you're of just course. like, yeah, just build build this thing, build or like give me these, give me all of these lights, or you know, it, oh, the man. the scalability always changes. But yeah, I'm sure. it's, yeah, it's stressful. It is stressful. Oh, we got somebody joining right now. We got Axel joining in from the land down under. Hey, uh, how you doing, Chris? Nice to meet you. And good to uh, meet you, Axel. Yes, and so yeah, I've, been, I've just been like listening onto this conversation and like that part where you talked about all the mistakes in like um, movies and stuff. I've been there before. There was this, so I've been making like a fan film for like three years yeah. now, and. Mm-hmm. And there was this one scene where um, the villain is on the phone talking to someone, and then in another shot, it's he's use, he's holding it in the other hand. Now and, and then, when I was editing, I was like, "Oh no!" And like we couldn't go back because, like, well, like we filmed that in school, and we were still in school during that, and now we're graduated, so yeah, not really much we could do there. It's it's that's why script supervisors are the most important crew member and they're somehow the one that gets cut first when they're like we don't have budget for a proper really? crew. Oh, they get cut all the time. I I script supervisors they are their own department head. They have their own union. They do not get paid properly. They do not get paid the same amount I get paid. They get paid much less than me. Um and they can basically never leave the set. So like they are one of the most important crew members and they do not get the due or the pay or respect that they deserve constantly. You know, they'll be like, Oh, we don't need a scripty. And I'm like, I guarantee you, you do. Um, 
because they're they're the ones keeping track of did you cross yeah. the 180 degree line did you yeah. is that button the same or shit are all those props in the back the right props yeah i mean i was just when you said that i was like wait aren't they helping with the continuity they're paying attention yeah. to everything yeah i mean it, it is it is crazy like i mean for instance you have a movie like oceans 11 i mean there's literally a shot in oceans 11 where matt damon and brad pitt are standing there this is before julia roberts comes to the picture and like the far shot shows uh brad pitt holding like you know he's eating shrimp and it's in a it's in a bowl like or like a like a a, a cocktail um cup or something like that then when it zooms in it's on a plate and it's like shit like that i'm like how did that how did they fuck that up i just go like how did that get fucked up you know there's there's a lot of moving parts sometimes yeah. you just you lose shit sometimes you're yeah. like oh fuck and sometimes in like with like vfx artists can like yeah. mess up especially like there's that one shot where in deadpool where deadpool like um falls into the garbage can or no not garbage garbage uh, truck and mm -hmm. his other hand is chopped off instead mm, of the other yeah stuff like that oh yeah, yeah. like there's even like uh in speed the, the movie speed it just came to me right now it's like uh jeff daniels got shot in the right leg and then when he's on you know getting his award he's limping on his left leg it's like whoa it's just like and then it just it's so like noticeable but then he but 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 the general audience isn't going to notice unless it gets pointed out yeah, but it's just crazy because it's like, all right, you just, you know, things happen on set and you just don't even know what would like went behind the scenes of why that yeah. happened. Unless they're a Twitter user, then they'll notice everything yeah. and say how bad the, the film see, that's, is. That's, that's the problem with nowadays is now everything is just under a microscope, you and, know? And that's that's what I want. Everyone that gets in these fucking discourse fucking things and this cape shit stuff and film stuff and cinema and this. <laughs> Bro, there's so many of us and yeah. there's so many layers to this and there's so many people these things are going through that yeah. like are beyond us or before us. Give us a goddamn fucking break. We noticed at some point, someone noticed at some point where it was out of our hands and it's just, it is what it is. It's like yeah. if you, anyone who works any job, you got one dipshit guy that you work with and you're like, bro, why'd you do that? And he's like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> like it, you got to give us a break like That's it's a miracle thing. movies get made at all yeah i mean i think people forget that um you know it's just like any other business you know you work at a fucking mcdonald's you're gonna have that fuck up that like hey the fucking said no cheese and sauce what are you doing <laughs> yeah you know? but i got 70 other orders <laughs> yes. you dickhead yeah so then of course you know even when it comes to the movie business like hey someone's gonna fuck up and it yeah. fucked up and there's like really nothing you can kind of, you know, you and, could do about it. An example that uh, our, our buddy, Stephen Colbert, uh, oh, yeah. who he is, he is very, very uh, on it with this was the chroma clipping from Obi-Wan. Oh, yes. <laughs> the blue chroma clipping. Yes. Uh, that was not on set. I'm friends with with multiple. I'm friends with the saber techs on those shows. Um, I am. One of my DPs was second unit A cam op on on Obi Wan. It was not on set. That was a thing that happened in post. Really? Yeah, it was just something in color that happened. Um, on set, there was no chroma clipping on the camera on the raw image. It was done right. Those those sabers are fully controllable. Brightness, saturation. Um, all the colors, all that stuff. They're, they're the, the 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 sabers are a 728 technician. 
uh, electric lighting person, a fixtures person. Um, so they are in the lighting department. It's just something that happened along the way in post-production. And it makes sense because there's so many different people touching this footage and so many different iterations, especially when you end up in like VFX and post that like you could, it could be fine completely down the chain. And then one other thing has to change right before the final, final thing that gets baked in. And that one thing fucked up everything else, you know? And, and it's, it's one of those things where it's like uh, a lot of times we're, we're pretty aware of chroma clipping yeah. on the most part as gaffers. Like it's something uh, I joke about it whenever I see, see something and I see <laughs> Steven posting it. There he is. He's watching. <laughs> uh, as, as soon as I see it, uh, I always think of Steven now and I'm like, Oh, I gotta make sure I don't, cl- I don't clip that. Like there's been sets, many sets recently where I'm like, Oh, hold on. I got to desaturate that a little bit, or I got to add a little bit of uh, a white into that. But um but a lot of the times it, it's a post thing that happens. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's on set. Like I watched uh, something for the first time recently um, that I hadn't seen. Um, it was that Andy Samberg movie, that pop star movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd never seen that. My girlfriend showed it to me for, for the first time. Very funny. Um, but there's a scene where they're in this like club and they've got like these blue lights on them and it is not a post issue. It is a just there, you know, these, you know, party mover lights, the DJ lights, and they are so blue that it's breaking just the camera sensor. And I'm like, oh God. Yeah, you're like, just like you're pulling. I'm your like, no, I'm like, no, no lighting guy on set said something about this. Like the DP. Like, there are right, times. Right, like when I was like working on a part of my film, and like as you can see on my screen, like I've got LED lights like um, on at the moment, and you can see like this little wave on my screen. Mm-hmm. And so like, I tried doing that like in like a really dark scene, but it just did not work out at all. It just kept like, I don't know if it was, ca- it was probably like the camera yeah. issue. That's sometimes that's what it is. So camera sensors. Um, it's interesting. Are, are So they try and emulate our eyes as much as possible, especially. So film gives you a lot more latitude with, with straight colors with RGB red and blue, especially red, is very, very difficult for camera sensors and our eyes um, to to get all the information out of, which is why usually it's an RGB CMYK mix of these things. Um, I've been in rooms where the entire all the lighting was just straight red, and we've had to take the monitor outside to like regular light to be like, okay, no, that is red, like because inside it just looks orange because your your cones in your eyes cannot. Yeah. differentiate it and a lot of digital sensors have a hard time with straight red and straight blue um red is harder than blue blue is 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 easier for sensors and then green is has the most information which is why a lot of times sometimes if you're lighting something straight red you'll give vfx an option like that scene with green as well so they can they can comp it they can just you know you can switch the color um but yeah, it is. It's it's hard. It's uh, film gives you a lot more latitude. Obviously, film workflow, different costs, different experience levels. Um, you know, you have to be very, very uh, specific with film when you're lighting it. You know. Yeah, that's great. But uh, we got another Chris that's joining right now. What's going on, Chris, Mister Mister Chris Balga? How you doing? 
Good evening, everyone. Yes. There you go, man. There can hey. be only one, so I'm gonna have to. That, that's okay. <laughs> I, I, I know. I'm like, yeah, you, the you, similarity. You are the guest. Yeah, the similarity. You got you guys got similar. You know, you got Chris, and then even your last names are like, you know. Yeah, you got the Chris B's. Yeah, you got yeah. the Chris B's, and with a, an L in there, and a couple of you know stuff like yeah. that. But, uh, but thank you for joining, uh, other Chris. Uh, yeah, we're just talking about you know, you know, just picking picking the other Chris's brain right now. I've been picking his brain for about the biz and everything that's been happening mm-hmm. lately, especially. You know, it's like. But just picking his brain on how things work. And it's just it's it's one of those things where you just kind of go like, you know, when you know, again, talking about, uh, you know, when people start pulling things apart on Twitter and everything like that, you you know, you sometimes just got to take a step back and be like, you know, what? this shit ain't easy. This shit ain't easy. It's not easy to do. You know, well, especially when they just want to nitpick or focus on like the on one shit. littlest thing. Yeah, that honestly, you know, it's it's your product, so it, it's going to matter to more to you, and it's going to always feel like it it hits you hardest at that point. And and yeah. what you focus on versus what it's like, yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not dealing with that. Yeah, sometimes sometimes, like I said earlier, it's a business transaction, and I'm like, I could give a fuck. Like I'm going to do the best job that I can do. Obviously, like I'm a you know a professional, and I want it to be. I want it to look as good as possible, you know, but at a certain point when there's all kinds of shenanigans on set or just not the proper budget or scheduling or whatever, it was like, whatever, this is a business transaction. If it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. I've watched in my 14 years of my career, I've watched maybe 15% of the things I've ever worked on. (laughs) You you know, things get lost in limbo in post-production limbo of like, wait, did this come out? Did this not come out? The things that you really loved working on that were a great time that you felt like, you know, it was a fun crew and you got to make something like really good. Um, That's the stuff you tend to keep up with. And that's where you really, as a crew member are kind of paying attention to what people say. And you're like, like, oh fuck. obviously directors are usually always paying attention because they're the director, like from, you know, top down They're They're like, they want to know what the public is saying. Yeah. But at, at a certain point, a lot of us crew members are like, when we see a lot of negative stuff, either we know, either we're like, no, nah, we, we know. We we pointed that out <laughs> 70 times during production. Or it's or it's a you make something. Go yeah. make something. If you're if uh, and the general audience, it's usually not that. It's usually like a, if a general audience is like, ah, oh, that was bad, you know, that's fine. It's usually a lot of the critics critics twitter critics who you know or failed film school people who became critics who very much have never made anything they don't know what it takes to make something um not even like something small with their friends you know they they've got this armchair analysis of it that is usually so brutal and so unforgiving that it's just like all right dickhead (laughs) we made something we made more of what you could possibly make on any given day and even if it's not good like at least we went and did something and that's that's a lot of where i have to hold myself back on twitter sometimes or like a lot of people don't understand the breakdown of how a set works so they'll be like they'll like criticize like where was the gaffer for this i get sent every day i get sent the meme uh, men in uh, men in LA stop being influencers. We need gaffers out here, the, <laughs> because a lot of the dark images I get sent that every other day. 
at the end of the day, it's not our goddamn decision. <laughs> sometimes it's the DP wants it that underexposed. That's what it's going to be. And sometimes it happens in post-production. Yeah. Like uh, most of the times we're shooting raw images. So the data is there. Like we're shooting a look for those that don't know. Raw is basically a camera setting. Uh, if you were to look on a monitor, it's very milky and flat. And like, it looks like it doesn't have any like color correction because it doesn't. Um, but within that image is like all of the camera information from the sensor. So in post-production, you can literally, you can color it however you want. Um, so the, the, usually the information is there like for the exposure and it's in post-production that it gets way too underexposed Game of Thronesy. Um, or so it has nothing to do with me as the gaffer. And sometimes yeah. at the end of the day, the DP is my boss. The cinematographer is my boss. I, I, I'm you... there to guide them and, and kind of they look to me for like suggestions. But there are some cinematographers I work with. Not a lot of them. Luckily, I've built a lot of relationships with a lot of collaborative cinematographers who kind of look to me and they're like, what do you think? Or what's your ideas? There are some where I'm just a glorified set letting technician with a fancy title. Uh, where what they want a specific light, they want a specific look, and there's no getting them out of that look. And so when you see people be like, where was the gaffer? Like they don't, gaffers don't do anything anymore. You I'm just like, sit back and kind of laugh like that. I'm like, you don't know what we do. You don't know the hierarchy at all. It happened yeah. when the, when the uh, Wicked trailer came out mm -hmm. and the Deadpool oh, trailer yeah. came out. When I see all the people be like, I, I recolor corrected, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're not, first of all, you're not better than an industry color correction person. Second, <laughs> you're not color correcting the raw image. You're color correcting something that's already been color corrected via YouTube compression. And, and like, may, sometimes fans do make a better thing. That is completely true. Sometimes people do make it look better. They're like, yeah, it should have looked like this. But a lot of times people don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. And, and I, I was emailing actually, you know, friend of the show, uh, Ray from Flight Cast. And um, this is what it, I, I, I was talking to him about, like us as, you know, fans. And when we talk about movies, you know, well, I'll use the example. I'm not trying to kick something while I'm down. You know, Madam Web, you know, I'm, I'm one of the people that, you know, I recognize like what goes into a movie. Like yeah. tons of people, tons of work, things like that, and I try to at least on uh, on Macho Marvel lines, trying to. I'm a fan. I go to see the movie to see exact. I, I don't. I go into it. I say prove to, prove to me as Ray says, prove to me that you're bad. I don't go into say prove to me that you're good. I I like that idea that you know I want to see a good movie, but it's also that that balance thing. Like if I didn't like it. I'm going to say something like that's okay, yeah. but I'm also going to be the, the person that's going to feel like I'm going to beat it down to the it's saying it's the worst thing yeah. ever. I'm going to say what I don't like, and I'm going to say what I like. And How do these people get jobs? I know. We, like, we, I know yeah, we, yeah, we had our fun last week yeah. on the Rock yeah. stream. Just kind of like watching like was certain choices. Cruel about it. Yeah. yeah, I watched it. Uh, I finally got to the theater like the yesterday or the day before yesterday, and mm -hmm. hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> it, you know, like it's it's you know it has its issues obviously <laughs> like it's not a fucking it's it's not a, a top tier movie but by god is it a silly ass goofy time mm -hmm. like and and it's one of those things where it's like you see what the problems are you're like oh, oh this yeah. movie's been changed like 15 times 
but but like, to your point, we the general audience doesn't know that. Yeah, and and they, either doesn't want to know, or if they do, they don't really care. But also, I feel like the general audience as well does not rip into movies the same way the online right. audience does. Like they'll go, you know, like my my girlfriend's dad will be like, "Yeah, that movie sucked," and that's it. Yeah. Like, like he'll, he, they watch it because it's a thing to watch and, you know, they go, oh, no, I like that one or that one sucked. Or, you know, they have more of a middle ground where on Twitter it's black and white. Either it's, it was a masterpiece or it was mid and it was terrible. Like, I'm like, you understand that most general audience people are like, that was fun. That was cool. Or, you know, like, like a lot of people don't give it this, this analysis that that you know it that a lot of online um people give it yeah and I'm like it, it, that's it, what it, the studios are are their their whole thing is to these people yeah i know it, and it's interesting too because obviously that you know that chris stuckman video that came out and i commented on it and you know because people are going hard like either defending it hard or like mm-hmm. trashing it hard and it's funny because i've followed him i mean he's one of the inspirations i had when it came to the YouTube, uh, to starting my own YouTube, because I just, I always went to him and, you know, Jeremy Johns, which is a totally different beast. And I compared them to like, you know, I just off the top of my head, I was like, it's like Metallica and, and, and Slayer, like Jeremy Johns, just like Slayer. They just kept the same fucking, they just were like pumping out the same stuff. It's not broke. It works. And he does the same. You watch Jeremy Johns now, uh, to back then it's the same he has the same opening, the same, he hasn't changed anything. The only thing that's changed is his hair and his facial hair and shit like that. And he's grown up. But other than that, it's still just him in front of a green screen with maybe a leather jacket or a coat. And he's just doing his thing. And he knew that that that's always, that's just always worked. And it's always worked. Stuckman went a different path and he decided, you know what? I'm not going to just be like this. And I think even a little while ago, he kind of just went like, I'm not going to just like, when I have a bad review, I'm not going to even like do I mean, He's already expressed this. And even that even that video that he posted, he just talked about the studios. And I think we can all agree about like, you know, Sony. This was just Sony, Sony, Sony. And we could all agree with that. And it's just like, yeah, OK, yeah. It's like this is what he does now. So accept it. It's like, yeah, you could still critique even his video of like, you know, certain things in which I did. I was like, yeah, I disagree with him right here. But overall, I'm like, why is everybody upset with this? This is what he yeah. wanted to do. And he decided to approach it this way. And I'm like, I don't see why people are just like going hard at him. I, I didn't understand that. You know, I think it's just a thing with people have a problem with nuance. Yeah. On, on In online capacities is just there's there's this lost nuance that everyone want everyone within any space. Now you have to have a hard line. You got to be choice or or, or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, that's the thing is like, guys, we're talking about art, you know, we're talking about something that's so subjective that there has to be nuance. Like you cannot like, okay. You're saying that, he can't be a film critic if he refuses to critique things because now he's a filmmaker. It's like, well, no, there's nuance within that. He, he is critiquing it. He's critiquing the system that that a movie like that came to exist upon. He's critiquing that system that makes a movie that leads to, you know, everyone trashing or, or, or laughing at or whatever. And like, 
it's a system that's been around for a while because yeah. Sony keeps making these Spider-Verse movies that in their own way are kind of successful because they don't cost them too much to make and everyone ends up seeing them as a meme. Yeah. And yeah. it's like it's like it's it's working for them. It we're they're rewarding their bad behavior, quite honestly. That's yeah. that's, that's one of those things, yes. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. It's it's one yeah. of those things where one, you don't, no filmmaker, no crew are ever going to say, oh, I'm going to go out and make a bad movie. You know, that's yeah, that's never the objective at that point. Like we said, the, the studios Except get movable. involved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and they, they put it out there, but it's, it's that line. Like one of the questions I would like to say is it, asking you is like, what's the one thing you wish like people would like, if you had to pick one thing that you wish general audiences fans would understand that they constantly keep on getting wrong and, and, and go, going along with that people going into these movies with, I want the movie that I expected that to be. And if it didn't meet the, if it wasn't the movie that I wanted, it's terrible. And I was like, mm, you know, you can have your expectations, but that's, that's you're putting something, an unfair kind of expectation on something that you're, it's never going to be met. And, you know, you get the idea of, uh, like, people say, oh, they're rebooting and remaking uh, some old cl- some old thing that you loved. It's like, oh, it's terrible. You may not like it. It's not your tempo. But guess what? That thing is still there. That thing that's still there that you used to love, it, it's still there. You can go back to it. It's never going to go away. They didn't you, take it from you, buddy. It's still well, there. They, uh, you, 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 go, go, you know, you talking about Twitter, remake, you to... right? <laughs> just, yeah. just, yeah, in general. Yeah. Just, I mean, well, the, it's so it, yeah. Yeah. The Donner Superman still there, guys. Reeve is still there. Still they did, they didn't ruin it. I just saw a report saying they're going to make a, an American Psycho remake. Nah, are they? Uh, Brett Easton Ellis, I've worked oh, wait, with. Uh, oh, he's egotistical enough that he would want that. <laughs> is he really? He's terrible. Uh, I worked with Paul Snyder, Schrader and Snyder, so. Paul Schrader. What about Paul Schrader? Is he? I worked with Paul Schrader and 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 Brett Easton in 2013 on that terrible, terrible movie, The Canyons, with Lindsay Lohan. Um, I don't even. And, know. Oh, I I it was know. like the stunt casting with her and that the porn star James Dean, and um, it was back like at the the height of her like drug use and stuff so when yeah. she was getting banned from chateau marmont that was like during our shoot and stuff um oh, brett easton alice is a dick uh very egotistical um i you know he american psycho is american psycho for a reason um hey he and, good, i mean and paul schrader really? uh was a very interesting individual he seems uh, like it we he fired us every day did he really every day we were fired every day and <laughs> and we'd go wait and this is early in my career this is 2013 so the yeah. key group would be like go away go away by the truck and then obviously we'd be hired back and fight he constantly really? constant yelling con- he, i didn't have a good time with him I, I can't imagine I, why when you keep on getting fired every every day at that point I mean, <laughs> it was one of those things where it's like he'd have a tantrum he'd have a tantrum <laughs> And then we'd be like, all right, Paul's having a tantrum. Trader's having a tantrum. And then, you know. No, you go just... get fired now. It's my, yeah. it's your turn, not me. <laughs> yeah. 
And it's like, well, it's funny because he's firing the whole Griffin like everybody. Like you'd get, you'd be in a department, and you the entire department would be fired. But we're still like, we're like three hours into the shooting day, so clearly we're not fired. He's just having a tantrum, and like, it it was he was a very interesting individual that I would not like to work with again. Um, and so whenever I see like it tweets of his like Facebook posts, and I'm like, you guys have no idea how fucking crazy this man is. Um, it, it, it's very interesting, but if if American Psycho, I would not. If they do a reboot, I would not be surprised if Brett Easton Ellis was super excited to do a reboot of his film, even though he has a perfectly good film. I know, I'm just he, saying, he's very egotistical. It's it's one of those that's saying people want to remake a movie, remake a movie. It's, it's studios want to get it behind it. Go 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 for it. It's just like, all right, you know, with, with everything, I was like. I'm curious at the take of what you're going to, how you're going to, you know, what bell are you going to ring and unring at that point? So, you know, sure. Go and for yeah. it. Like I had <laughs> an idea because I, I was like playing like a board game and uh, it was like for like universal monsters like uh, Frankenstein and like the invisible man. And I, and I was thinking, why can't the, like, yeah, I know we're getting those. I know we're getting movies like that. We had the mummy and stuff, but like, why can't like I feel like they should remake those movies the same way Godzilla minus one upgraded the original movie. So have it be set in the same like have it be set in like the 30s and stuff and just keep that same. I don't know. Well, I mean, no, you, you, you bring up a good point because I mean, it's kind of funny because Chris and I attended the, the premiere um, there. And uh, I mean, yeah, that movie really was phenomenal. I mean, it kind of just showed you like, hey, you know, we could have this over here, this crazy stuff where, yeah, we could have Kong and Godzilla fight each other and then they team up and, you know, Kong has a gauntlet and there's, you know, and and Godzilla can run. Apparently he's done cardio. We could have that crazy shit over here, but then you just give it to a filmmaker like over here and he just goes, well, I'm just going to kind of just like start it again and bring it to present day without doing all the bells and whistles. Let's say he upgraded it. Like, yeah, Yeah, to be like, you know, not to like, you know, like bash the older film, but like, you know, he reinvented it. And that's how I would say. So like, that's, so I feel like that's what they should really do. He He paid homage. Paid homage. homage, Keeping the spirit and, but bringing it to a, a, a modern, like appreciation of it. Um, and I do agree that, that studios need to allow more of that. Mm-hmm. Obviously there's the whole thing of like the Batman and then Batman brave and the bold type thing is like, yeah, we can have both. Yeah. Like why not? Like, yes, audiences are stupid, but they're not that stupid. <laughs> they know the difference. Like yeah. maybe your mom and dad m- might be like, I thought Ben Affleck was Batman. You know, but for the most part, people know that there's different like that's why when like Warner Brothers goes and like cancels all their TV stuff because they don't want to confuse. They don't want. I'm like, guys, you got to give the audience. You got to give your viewers more credit than that. People people know it's like, oh, the movie one's a different thing. And like and if not, who cares if they don't know they're just going to they're going to watch it anyways. They're going to watch both. They're going to watch Superman and Lois at home and then they're going to watch you know gun superman and then they're like why is there a different superman for the older people who don't understand whatever they they're not the market share anyway 
they're not driving those those sales. Yeah. The general people can be like, oh yeah, it's just different things. And that's what sometimes fans forget. It's like, why aren't they making it? Why aren't they making it the way I wanted to make it? It's like because they're not making it for the fans that represent like such a small, you know, contingent at that point. They're making it for everyone else. And that's the demographic they're going after. And I think that was the problem really that Warner Brothers ran into and forgot all about um, with their DC stuff starting in 2016 is they stopped, they shifted. They started listening to the online, very online community. And the problem with that was you're always catching up to something that's already happened. And by the time you release the thing that everyone on Twitter has asked for, the trend has already changed. We we got to the point with these DC films where they, you know, they started introducing the humor, the Marvel-esque type of humor, but now we're at a point with the audience, trend-wise, for the most part, people are tired of it. Yeah. And And so that's that's the problem with chasing a trend. And that's what happened when, like, And some people don't even know the difference. I was just talking, Axel. Come on, man. Sorry. Sorry, I got a delay. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, No, I was just just saying, like, like when, uh, when, when Zack Snyder's Justice League came out then all everybody was just kind of like oh yeah can we get more of that and then restore the snyderverse uh hashtag trended and then you get people online that were reacting to it and i remember you know and people would send me those videos and people would post those videos and be like wait we're not getting more of this and it's like yeah i was like yeah people were craving this style where it's like hey we didn't have you know what marvel was doing this like it's like that scene from uh toy story 2 where like woody is like watching the Shit, that 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 TV show, yeah, and then and then they can then they said, oh, they canceled us. I'm like, god damn, yeah. yeah. Hey, what's going on, Phil? Hey, hey guys, silly boy, boy. what's going? Up, man? Hey, Phil. Yeah, we you guys. We who was that? Full yeah, we met. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, one hundred, one hundred. Yeah, I would have came in earlier, but I didn't even see your link until about twenty minutes ago. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all good. It's all good. But uh, thank yeah. you for going. Yeah, well, to be brutally honest, I was just listening to the conversation the entire time because it was just so good. So yeah, I mean, yeah, no, yeah, this is uh, this is why I wanted to get Chris on here because just to kind of you know give us some of that information and somebody who's been in the biz, and you know, we can even kind of just like you know go you know now just I actually want to know Chris like like especially with Superman Legacy with all the stuff that's happening, it's going to be shooting I guess next week. I mean, we're going into March. I mean, how confident are you with like uh, things that are happening with Superman Legacy and Warner Brothers right now? I mean, Warner Brothers, I'm, I haven't been confident in in years. Um, <laughs> it, it, I don't trust anything that they do as a company anymore. Yeah. Uh, you can only burn an audience and a and a group of filmmakers so many times before it's just like we'll see. Um, yeah. You know, it seems like they're going all in on on what. At least legacy, since it's it's sh- it's shooting and casting is out and all that. I think as long as they have the person who's in charge there, that's in charge, David. Even someone like Gunn cannot be guaranteed to get the slate that they've announced um, out. As as much as as him and Peter are supposedly in charge, CEOs of the DC content. I, at the I, end of the I, day. Yeah. You've got a guy who is a tech CEO. Here's the thing about studio CEOs. 
back in the day, they were all terrible people. Yeah. But at the end of the day, no. those motherfuckers still loved movies. Yeah. And now these studio heads, they're not movie people. No. They're tech people. They're Silicon Valley heads. They're merged. They're from four different mergers. Yeah. And they don't give a shit about movies. Now they care yeah, about look at them like products. Prices. Yeah. Product. It is a product. Like, yeah. It is a stock option. It is a stock price. The numbers go up or the numbers go down. And in their head, there is no, I'm going to risk it for this film or filmmaker. One number go bad. Mm, no more. No more of that. Yeah. And, and that's a huge problem. They were always bastards. All of them were always bastards, but at least the old bastards loved movies and loved the art. And that's why we got the movies that we got for so long. Um, you know, and there, there are a few of those people still around, but they're still, they're not the tippity top head. And so Superman legacy, it'll come out. Mm -hmm. It will presumably probably do great, quite honestly, because if that, that much of a vocal, you know, minority majority didn't like what Zach was doing. And, you know, I know people that have never watched the Henry films, the, the man of steel, the BVS, the just league that they've only heard, heard, Oh, I heard those were bad mm -hmm. because it, it ended up in the zeitgeist as those were bad. And then they ended up watching and they're like, Oh, I really like that. Um, but because it's so much in the zeitgeist and it's so much, of the like those movies were not good that this movie will do good whether whether it's something that i personally vibe with or not or or you know fans of i wanted to do good here's the thing as much as i loved snyder stuff and i wish that wb didn't fuck him over and and we got the the finale of that which would have ended in 2021 and they would have been able to naturally reboot that's what's so yeah. funny <laughs> once again warner brothers yeah. no fourth forethought um yeah. I want all these movies to be good. Yeah. I'm a fan of the yeah. characters. I don't want, I, that's what I, the thing that's annoying of like online of like, like I'm not going to watch legacy or I, I want it to flop or it's, you know, or I want all these things to flop, you know, gun stuff aside of like things uh, that I don't like that he's done. I want the films to succeed. I want the universe mm -hmm. to succeed because why wouldn't I? It's kind of like the Kevin Smith type viewpoint of like yeah all all these characters i love there's a, a shit ton of things i can watch with them cool i want it to be good and, and different versions like you just said yeah. we, we we have you know though it's ending this year you know superman and lois we have that yeah. version and now we're gonna have a a, a, fil a different film version at that point like, mm -hmm. that's that's the you know you look at where they're coming from is, is comic books yeah how many different creators creative teams reboot or give their own take on superman how many different elseworld stories how many different uh eras have we gone through with just a singular character in the man of steel batman name them all from all different types like that's what's fascinating always to me it's like oh yeah i want to see that interpretation if i don't like yeah. it all right fine not for me it's for someone else I'll go watch the other that's one the, that i like and yeah. i think what we the problem and we've probably said it over and over again like Warner Brothers takes like panics because yes, should Batman versus Superman been a billion dollar movie if we were to put a number in it, 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 it could have easily been at that point. And so they panic just based on a number, yeah. and they say, "Oh God, 
we're not we're not mar we didn't do the marvel money we've got to go do that i i bring this up because look at what's going on with marvel studios okay they're pivoting they're making changes at that point but they're not throwing out the baby with the bathwater yeah. you know they're they're saying okay we we oh we overcommitted to doing way too much we oversold and the we did too much so now we're going to pull back we're going to change a little bit and we're going to try this that's what warner brothers should have done they should have kept with it make some smarter changes at that point instead of just outright panicking yeah. and did the 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 screw up job that that we all ended up getting and now we instead of the dc eu going out with a bang it went out with a a whimper I'm Aquaman. <laughs> Ooh, that was rough. Like, you know, and that's, I mean, how many different creative teams put there? I mean, I just, I feel, you know, I, when I say I feel bad for James one, I feel bad for everything that going through three different changeovers and bosses Jeez, to, to, to appease at that point. And, and again, like he's going to be fine. He got paid, he's, but the experience that you have to, you you go through in that sense. It's like, yeah, I don't blame him for probably never, unfortunately, ever stepping foot in a superhero yeah. genre ever again, or just and a fran big franchise even. Because I mean, I mean, he was with you know the Fast and Furious franchise too. I mean, obviously, he had to deal with like a, the the tragedy of Paul Walker, and and you mm -hmm. know he did a good job. I th I still think like that ending of Furious Seven, the way that he did it, I was like, man, they should have just fucking ended it right there. But of course, Vin Diesel was like, no, we're gonna keep going, and then they family. Fate of the Furious, mm -hmm. which was horrible, but uh, you know, but I thought Furious, I fucking cried at the end of that because I thought they ended it so beautifully. But I mean, yeah, it's like Juan, such a talented filmmaker. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. his first movie Saw was just something that was like, whoa, that just blew the doors off the horror genre, and then he kept on doing that. But I'm like, man, it's same with David F. Sandberg. I'm like, I'm both of these guys are just they can't wait to get back to that genre and doing something where they could just make the art that they want to make, you know, get back into the groove of what they do and not have a fucking big ass studio breathing down their goddamn necks and just like, you know, change this, change that. You got to reshoot this or something like that, man. I, no, I'm like that, this Batman. No, you kind of that. Batman. Yeah, to, yeah. To Chris's point, like feeling bad for James Wan and, and Bulga having to <laughs> like go through all of that and still the bad manage one, to it. Case, you're the good one tonight. Sure. <laughs> Both of them, whatever. Anyway, like, like having, having excellent. Like, that's what I want. Yeah. That's what he came on here for to be the good one. Anyways, go ahead, Phil. But I was just going to say like, like James Wan and Andy Muschietti basically went through the same process of having to appease the same people while trying to do what they wanted to do. And yet ultimately at the end of the day, they could not. And yet you see a lot of the online vitriol, aimed at Andy Muschietti about the new Batman movie. And it's like, you guys have no fucking clue what is even going on behind the scenes. And you're, you're just like, based on this movie, you think this movie is going to have the same end result. Get the fuck out of here. Fans are a fucking mess and I can't stand it anymore. That's why I'm not on Twitter. Yeah. It's hard to like, yeah. you know, you know, and, and you know, like it's like, hopefully when it comes to what's happening right now and, and, and again, it's just like, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what gun does. And I mean, we got that cast photo, and we were all hoping for something like that. It seems like every, everybody's in good spirits. Everything's going well. But, I mean, I know, you know, what's looming in the distance is, like, you know, what you what we, we were talking about, Chris, uh, you know, 
this Chris right here, good Chris, um, <laughs> is like is the fact that they're there. You know, we got the crew member stuff, you know, and things might be happening with that. Well, then it comes to strikes and everything like that. I'm just like, that movie will finish probably yeah. if there's reshoots to be had. No way. Mm -mm. Depends if we strike that once again. It's it's, it's so. Failure. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. It's so fucking annoying. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you don't, the word reshoot, don't, you're not allowed to use it anymore, Twitter people. You're not, <laughs> you're not allowed to use the word. Sorry, Twitter. You can't yeah, do sorry, it Yeah, sorry. We're taking it away from you. They're like, oh, reshoots, it must have been terrible. No, bitch, we just couldn't get some shit on the day we were supposed to get it. And we have all this other stuff to shoot, so now we got to do I it on a different. Times, like, there's a thing with reshoots, and then there's pickup shots. Pickup shots, you know? Yeah, there, there's pick, and sometimes when you get into the edit, you're like, oh, damn, like, this doesn't work unless we add this connective piece yeah. or like th this, this shot. And you don't, sometimes you don't realize it's end. So you do a, a reshoot, yeah. you know, or, or a pickup. Or, like, or the director wakes up, you know, a few weeks later said, you know what? I got a better idea how to shoot that. And if the studio <laughs> is like, mm, yeah, we'll give you the money for that. Then cool. But with the strikes looming, if we do go on strike, I don't know if we'll what it's February. It's starting in March, basically. The the shoot, yeah, like next um, week, a week, yeah. a week from today. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't know if they'll if they need a bunch of reshoots or additional photography. If we go on strike, they're not going to get it. Uh, yeah. But it's so up in there. Everyone's so fucking broke from from the past because yeah. everyone crew wise recovered from COVID strikes. Or COVID and like, you know, we everyone the industry picked back up and we got back into it and everyone kind of recovered from that, only to go very shortly after into these strikes that that, you know, like I, I told I told you earlier, a lot of people didn't realize is work stopped way before the strikes actually yeah. started. And Five the strikes yeah, the strikes went as long as they did, partly to bone the crew members to God. cause division and yeah. as broke as possible for the upcoming contract negotiation and a lot of people who don't work in film don't know that and why would they it's it's not something that the studios are you know and unless you you have a friend that's a crew member or kind of someone on twitter that is a crew member I on there had a friend who was telling me that shit he was like oh yeah, yeah they're holding out he, he told me he was like they're holding out yeah. um just to just 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 for that notion you know yeah i was hearing that shit and i was like jesus christ and that's why like if if you're wondering where a lot of shows are in terms of like later like you're like why is that show not back yet they're not shooting a lot of stuff that that started shooting again right after the strikes was stuff that was already shooting that shut down because of the strikes they went right back into production and you know a few things here and there um like went back in but like none of the a lot of the big stuff hasn't um and all that that's why that's, that's why it, like it, when it, we it. get stranger things back the kids are all going to be fucking 30 years old jesus Christ. well well one of my buddies is is True a steady cam op on stranger things he's one of the camera operators on stranger things and wow. uh and he he was like just waiting waiting for the strike to be over and so they can jump right back in they were ready to jump right in like they were ready to shoot like really? a year ago yeah, yeah. sounds it, about it's right it's just the strikes and so he he's he's been on it for for however many months now um few months now that they went back but that's what's so inexcusable is just like these are people's lives yeah you know yeah and, i mean and, and just and just how and again i'm it 
preach to the choir. We're not surprised how studios, studio heads look at it in the sense of, of commodities. I, I get that they have shareholders to report to, but this is these are people's lives. These are people's families. And it's just like it's been like that since the unions have been around forever at yeah. that point. But it, now it just gets even it gets worse and worse. And the microcosm is saying, oh, we're going to hold out till they have to be evicted. And that was Iger, by the way. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> of course. It yeah. Was. If you don't, if, if you're not aware, that was Bob Iger, who yeah. an oh, anonymous yeah. studio exec, that was yeah. Bob Iger. So oh, yeah. that's, that's, I like to imagine that he would look out his window at night and Ron Perlman would be standing on the street corner saying, <laughs> there's a lot of ways to lose a house, motherfucker, um, <laughs> from that video. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Like they, they're at the level of I, so I an example, I lit a lot of um, housewives of Beverly Hills and some housewives of Orange County. And on the last season that I ended up doing a few years ago, these ladies are rich, very rich. But uh, Kathy Hilton, Paris Hilton's mom, was one of the cast members on the last season that I ended up doing. And her sister is uh has been on the show for quite a while as one of the main cast members. But first off, their house, very crazy, very insane. But Kathy, she's a very nice lady, very funny. But she's that type of rich that a lot of these studio execs are, where very Lucille Bluth, like, what? Could, it's a banana. What could it cost? Oh, $12? Like, that is not a joke. Like, these people do not, like, she doesn't know how to pump gas. She does not Ugh. know the cost of like just like normal day-to-day things so like that's what is so genius about that line from arrested development of like it's a banana michael what could it cost twelve dollars having worked around these people and interacted with these people and uh, as sometimes as nice as they can be it's the obliviousness of it that adds to the evil when they're in charge of so many people's lives is these studio execs are so fucking rich that there is that disconnect. They don't know. They're like, what? they'll figure it out. Like it's rent. How much it, they should be fine. Why don't they have rent? It's an afterthought for them. It's not. Yeah, yeah it is. The, there is that. I don't know at what cost of money your brain breaks like that. But uh, once you have a certain amount of money, you literally just, and I've interacted with plenty of these people. Um, you, know. you just lose touch. It's like it's like, oh, what are you talking about? I could find the change in my pocket or in the couch cushions for you to afford your rent. It's like, yeah, well, yeah, I'm you can, fucking, yeah. And I'll say this: I'll say this uh, for a lot of the people who think it's actors and actresses that have that vibe. Ninety-nine point nine nine percent of the time, it is not. Okay, I was gonna ask, are... you, like, ask you about like that because it seems like when it comes to actors and actresses, I mean, you hear their backstory, you hear their upbringing. It's almost like, yeah, I mean, sometimes you know, you obviously they get to the uh, to a point where it's like they're making a, a ton of money, but at the same time, it's like they, you know, they it's it's almost like they know, like you know, ninety nine percent of actors and actresses are very chill, cool people. I um have had a talent since my first film when I was 19 uh, of making friends with the talent on set, um, which there's, there's a thing with crews. Sometimes some older crew guy, if you came up under older crew guys, they're like, Oh, don't interact with like talent. Like you're, you're to be background. Like, you know, I don't really function with that. I have enough social tact 
to know when an actor doesn't want to be talked to or if they're kind of working, you know, um, some crew members don't have that. I have the talent of making friends with talent. I am friends with many people that I was a fan of and they are some of the nicest people that I've ever met in my life. They are some of the kindest friends that I have. And a lot of times when I work with new actors and actresses that I haven't worked with before, they're great. They're nice. As long as you have some social fucking tact of yeah. like, and you also be, I'm a department actually. Yeah. I'm a department head. So I have a little bit more leeway in terms of my interactions with them. You know, I'm putting a light meter in front of their face. I'm on set with them. I'm being like, I'm telling them, Hey, like your light is right here. I have a, a reason to talk to them in the first place. But, um, there's very few actors and actresses who are that type of like evil don't diva. talk to me type I'm shit not, diva yeah. yeah they're they're there of course but almost everyone i've worked with has been fantastic yeah no she, i haven't worked with her but <laughs> she, she, she's very particular um yeah. but like um like i have uh, some some friends that i've made uh that they were the whole the whole cast basically was from uh, the show Dollhouse on the first feature film that I worked on uh, when I was 19. Joss Whedon's show. Yeah, um, from, with from uh, back Liza in the day. Dushku, right? Yeah, with Eliza Dushku. Most of the cast from my first feature were actors from that. And I was a fan of that show at the time. It like recently ended. And uh, I was very nervous to work with them. And I, th- they were all super kind. They're very close friends of mine now. Um, you know, gone to their weddings and such. And uh, in 2020, during the pandemic, I was going through a very, very difficult time. And I tweeted something, um, you know, kind of eyebrow raising about my mental health. And one of them uh, who was on, she was working on Jurassic Park at the time, Jurassic World. Um, she was in that. And her husband was in the UK uh, as well, working on uh, Ted Lasso. Um, and uh they called me, it was like 9 a.m. in London and it was like 3 a.m. in LA and they saw my tweet and they called me on a group call to check on me and make sure I was okay and then called another cast member from, um, you know, who's been on other Marvel things and Dollhouse and all that um, and who was in town to pick me up and get me out of my house the next day um, to like basically take care of me. And these were people that I was a fan of actors on set who I became close friends with and I've had many experiences like that with actors and actresses good and a lot of the times they're just normal fucking people dude like they wanted to like they don't a lot of times they don't like they'll find out sometimes that a call sheet says do not speak to so and so or do not a lot of times that's not them that'll be like somebody like Paul Giamatti who goes to a fucking in and out after winning a, an award and he's just like because I want a fucking burger you know? Yeah, they're they they're just they want to be talked to like normal people. Yes. Obviously, they they want they like I have plenty of them that I'll be talking to, and they're like, oh yeah, so and so's nice on the crew, but like man, they don't know when to stop talking, and like <laughs> there's they they can recognize like yeah that person is nice, but like they don't kind of know when to give me the space to be an actor or be at work or let me get into the zone, the social tact of it. Yeah. Um. And there are people that don't want to be talked to. There are people who are very method and it's not that they are mean, but they are at work and they're in a certain mindset and, you know, they could be 
completely standoffish at work while we're shooting, but show up to the rap party and they're great, super fun. And that's what a lot of people don't realize sometimes is like, guys, we are at work. Our jobs are weird. And like, <laughs> yeah, you're interacting with people that like are seen different status wise. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of times, yeah, they want to be talked to. They're normal fucking people. They want to, they'll, they want to come sit at lunch with you. They want to they want talk to the crew. Shit. Yeah. They want to just, but sometimes, people. sometimes they got to focus and, yeah. and that doesn't make them dicks. You'll yeah. know when they're like the whole Christian Bale thing that happened years back on Terminator. Yeah. The, the yelling thing. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. He, he was a little bit right. <laughs> he was a little bit in the right. He kind of, he kind of, <laughs> he kind of got fucked on that. There, Rick. That, that, there we go. I have the there, drop. <laughs> that's so they're rehearsing an action scene. They're in blocking rehearsals. And what blocking rehearsals are, if you don't know, is the director is telling them, okay, so you're going through the lines and you're going through the action. And you're like, okay, and then you're, you're, this is where you end up here. This is where you end up here. And they're doing a blocking rehearsal for an action scene. The department heads and anyone who's relevant who needs to see the blocking rehearsal is to be on set and you're there, but you're there quiet. You're observing. So you know, okay, they all the actors, this actor ends up here, here, and here, and here. So I need to place the light here and here. That's where I can be. Or the boom op can be like, all right, cool. That's an open space. Camera's not going to be facing there. I can I can boom op with the sound from here. That's what blocking rehearsals for. But it's so the actors know what the fuck they're doing and where the camera's going to be and where they need to be. And then we do the marking rehearsals after. So block, light, shoot. That's the order. You block, then you do the lighting, then you shoot. What's happening is I don't know if it was the DP Shane. I believe it was Shane Herbert. Shane, yeah, or something. Yeah, he he's a, he has a bunch of class master classes and stuff and YouTube classes. He's very knowledgeable. I don't know if it was him fucking with the light. I think it was. He's he's adjusting a light that is hitting Christian while he's rehearsing a very intense scene, supposedly, very emotionally driven scene where he needs to focus up and. When you have a light, someone's working, the yeah. light's making a noise, it's, gonna fucking, be <laughs> it's, hit, it's hitting you in the face, and supposedly it's happened a couple times, he's not in the wrong. Yeah. It's blocking her. What the fuck are you doing? Stop working. And if, and if it's an intense scene, he's already getting into that intensity. He's so already up there. He's already amped up. He's amping up himself. So naturally- And, and Christian's like, not a method actor per se, but he yeah. does very much get like into in modes where it's like yeah. it's like- all right, like, don't talk to him right now because he's he's preparing. He is no! like, no, <laughs> yeah. no, and, and so I do. When that came out, and then like you know, I kind of found out what was actually going on. I was like, man, he got he got a raw deal on that from like if you know the the process. It's like, yeah, no one should have been fucking with lights. But I mean, he even said something like this. You're like, a nice guy. You're a nice guy. But I don't fucking cut it when you're bullshitting and fucking around like this on set. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was, like, he was almost trying to be like nice, but he was so intense. He's like, you're a nice guy, you're a nice guy, but fuck. <laughs> like, exactly. You know? yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a very, it's a funny outburst after the fact. And that's why there's yeah. been so many parodies of it. And yeah. like, you know, uh, like 
Tom Cruise's thing during yeah, COVID. Yeah. Everybody was backing Tom on that one. He would, they, there are some crew him. members that were in the crew pages basically being like, I listen, I don't give a fuck if he was right. If he talked to me that way, I'm fucking, I'm off, which yeah, there, I don't, I don't, I don't allow my crew to be talked to a certain way in specific situations, but they were putting at risk a lot of people's jobs. Yes. With that was one of the few productions that was up and running, uh, that was paying everyone. They paid everyone during the downtime as well when they weren't working. Like, so it was a big deal for that movie to get made. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's totally understandable. Yeah. He was in the right during that. There are not very many off. Uh, there, it's very few and far between where someone yelling at a crew member or at anyone on set is they're in the right. But there are times where it is understandable. But there, <laughs> I, I beef. I've beefed with producers. I've beefed with talent on set where I'm like, you will not talk to me or my crew that way. I'm I'm so many years into my career at this point. I'll burn a bridge. Yeah. I don't care. I'll, I'll, I don't fucking care. I'll go work yeah. on something else. Something else. Yeah. You, you're not going to disrespect my crew. But so, sometimes it's justified, like in those circumstances. Those like, two circumstances. The, the bail one was like, it was like, he definitely got pushed into that position. Like, it was like, oh man, like, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. It, it definitely got like, it was like, kind of like one of those, like, Ugh. Like if you if you knew it was like Shane, you were kind of asking for it, um, yeah. you know. And the public perception is like, there's no way they would have known. So of course, Bale got the raw deal on that. And yeah. then with the Tom Cruise thing, fully justified. Yeah, those guys were putting. And as a crew member who had to deal with COVID protocols, they were very annoying. They yeah, were very difficult to work within. Um, you know, with the masks and you're carrying heavy equipment and you're fogging up and you've got like it's very hard to breathe when you're carrying equipment and your 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 thing your shield is like fogging and and stuff it it was extremely difficult to work within the covid protocols um and we did give covid people a hard time on set um (laughs) uh, because we'd be like outside like you know properly distanced like talking with our masks down and you know a covid person be like you need i'm like brother i'm we're good we're I'm good. good. We're good. And we're to be also being tested every day. Yeah. So it's like, okay, like I, I've had the amount of nasal swabs I've had in my nose. I'm sure. From COVID was in d- definitely double the amount of a normal person <laughs> who didn't work in, within the industry. <laughs> like, imagine. Yeah. So many things up your nose. My God. And not the, not the right things. Just kidding. Not the, um, not the hey, William. What's, what's up, man? On? William's joining right now. What's going on? How are you doing? Oh, we're doing good. We're just, you know, you know, we got Chris right here, just, you know, giving us the, uh, you know, the lowdown of Hollywood and all this stuff. And uh, it's been, you know, it's been a great conversation. How are you doing? Hopefully some insights. Oh yeah. Some great insights for sure. Yeah. Well, how are you doing? doing all right. Like I said, I had to get a new phone. Yeah. I, I crutched my other phone. So um, <laughs> I was handling something on the truck and, and something fell. Or it fell in between the truck and the bed, and it got completely crushed. So, oh, I, I, yeah. So that's the old phone. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, it caught it caught the back wheel. Yeah, the new phone. So Ooh. thank goodness for corporate insurance. There you go. 
corporate oh. account that came out to me daily. But now, uh, how's everybody doing? I guess yeah, we're doing good. You know, we were just you know just going through. We talked a little Superman Legacy. You know, I did want to talk about a little bit of the uh, the Marvel Studios. Uh, troubles that they've had i mean obviously now we've it's officially that king dynasty um is now like yep they're not doing that they're retooling but it's kind of funny because they already they, uh, in that article that came out they were already saying that they were already retooling to, to get rid of uh the the king character because see I, this is what i don't get it's like you introduce them introduced kang in ant-man quantum mania i don't know why i'm like all right i, I mean to me it's like Maybe they were trying something different from, you know, Thanos, where it's like, oh, there's just teases and teases and teases. But then he introduced Kang. It's like, all right, we're going to put him in here, but then he's going to get defeated. But then we're going to be like, yeah, but it's multiverse and there's all these different kinds of Kangs. And a lot of people just didn't like it. Now, Kang and Loki worked. All that stuff worked. Loki worked. But then they're just kind of like, hey. All right, we were before the whole Jonathan Majors thing, which is like a thing. Uh, obviously, you know, it's like all right, they, it almost was like, all right, we were already moving away from King, and now that the whole Jonathan Majors thing happened, it's like, well, now we'll officially move uh, move away from it. But it's just like, Jesus Christ! I mean, they are just really just trying, um, trying to just like correct the, the correct course their stuff, I guess you could say. But I want to. Well, hear what you guys had to say about that your biggest thing in my opinion is is, is just uh, two different sheriffs in charge a lot of this stuff happened under chapek and i uh, uh feige had to deal with that because that's his boss <clears throat> and then once he was gone he gets to recalibrate things there's a lot of stuff that probably happened in the last couple of years two to three years that would have never happened under feige but because he is still all powerful but he's still an employee when the boss changes the situation changes. That's the whole thing about with, with DC. That's why I'm I'm, I'm doing it at uh, arm's length. Uh, new new bosses mean new new direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and there's nothing none more evident than what what uh, what Feige had to go to under two different CEOs. You know, and that that that's what literally happens. Everybody wants to put their vision on it and and their stamp on it, and it it changes things. But fortunately for Disney, they were able to get the guy back that got that off. You know, going in the first place, but. But unfortunately, but unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff that got done under JPEG that has to be kind of undone. undone. I like yeah. it stuff. You and know? and you look at what um you know Joanna Robinson's book, you know, the, about the the reign of the MCU, a lot of the behind, the supposed behind the scenes stuff that she she kind of looked into. One of the things that she points out is Kang was not part of the plan no. originally. Kang they they were very impressed by what Majors was doing on there, and you know. He he did do a great job in the sense of you know separating art from the arts. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a great part. Yeah, okay. The ending of Kang in Quantum Mania was a little bit uh you know wouldn't wouldn't be my choice, but it was a choice. <laughs> <laughs> but when you they went all in on one character and didn't necessarily pan out, and they're in they're in a decent spot where okay, the ending of Loki, okay, we, we worked. Can, we we can move on if we wanted to, or we can bring back. They're they they're in a win win at that point as well. But yeah. it's kind of like what I brought up earlier is that okay, they're pivoting to your point, William. Chapek uh, went overboard with we need content, 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 content. Well, that went a little over over the edge, and 
you didn't need to do that much because you oversaturated the market and misunderstood the market of what they wanted. And, you know, it's it's rather interesting. You know, we have Madam Web on this end, and now people are seeing the Marvels on Disney Plus mm-hmm. and saying, eh, this movie ain't bad. You know, it's, it's a fun it's, movie. It's, it's actually quite, in, it's actually enjoyable. Well, I think the biggest problem is the content wasn't very good. There's I, that too. I, I think saturation, you got to be careful with the saturation because without without a certain amount of content, your your streaming services are going to become stagnant. True. And I don't care what they tell you. And, and Zazov got up there again today and, and did his thing. Wait, you know, we've, <laughs> we've, we've made a $120 million, million profit and, 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 and the, you know, the streaming services is, is, is doing well. It's doing what we wanted until you realize how he did it. And how he did it was pretty fucked up. So what he ended up doing is either cutting a bunch of shit that a lot of people subscribe for, cutting out contracts so he didn't have to pay residuals, or he hoarded it off to other other uh, other streaming services, which is uh-huh. what I always thought they were going to end up doing. But they weren't they weren't really managing it to the point where you're creating something people want to subscribe to. You just basically shrunk your your liability which i thought was pretty that's the same thing he did when he came out here to in vegas he came out here and basically it told people we're going to prioritize the the cinemas and we're not going to prioritize streaming he that was a lie that was a lie I, if i were off stage all his accountants and all his coos are probably were laughing saying that's good i'm glad you were able to keep a straight face the streaming genie's not going anywhere it's only going to get bigger it's just going through they're just figuring it out covid yeah. gave them a glimpse of what it was what they, and they're never going to go back once COVID. Like they can't, they're <laughs> never going back. So you're gonna the, see, the, you know, the streaming world destroyed, destroyed the way we work on set. Okay. Um, I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 what those contracts are called are currently called, which they they shouldn't be called anymore, is new media, mm. and those. So basically, when new media was introduced, they were a contract back when like YouTube started to get big and like, you know, companies started making stuff for online content. They were like, well, we shouldn't have to pay crews as much for this because it's an unproven medium. Like we don't know if it's going to do well. So they created these new media contracts. So there were commercial contracts, commercial union contracts, which are commercials. There was the tier one, two and three union contracts, which tier three is the tiers are the budget of the film. So tier three is like, think you're like Marvel movie, like your mm-hmm. $150, 200000000 million movie. That's like the highest like budget thing. And then there was a new media thing that they introduced. Now, the problem with new media is even though new media became regular media, they never changed the contracts for us. Of course. Which is part of our <laughs> negotiations and why we should have struck last year or three years ago is they're still giving us these terrible contracts for they're like, well, it's new media. It's streaming. It's like, it's no longer new media. It's just media. Everything is streaming. All of the major studios have a streaming company, have the streaming sites. Nothing is broadcast anymore. It's not new media. You need to bring our contracts in line and our rates to what these broadcast rates were. It's, and they still try and, well, they're like, oh, well, it's, it's, this new media is not proven yet. Like, we don't know if that show would succeed. We have to give you those the, the new media well, contract rates. 
And, and that was where I knew the strike was going to end when it came to, to SAG and everybody else because they were never going to open up their books. Because what that allows them to do is they can go ahead and say, let's say Peacemaker. They can go ahead and say Peacemaker was a smash hit, even, even if the numbers never supported it because we'll never know. What that does is allows them to justify any decision that they want to make, no matter what it is. They could say, Dave, the film junkie does full Monty was the most <laughs> successful thing on on the internet, right? You're not but supposed to hold it, those it, it, bro- it broke everything. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was bad. And I don't have to pay Dave. I and I did some Quibi shows, so I know how bad those those fucking <laughs> oh, contracts are. <laughs> I, I worked on a Quibi yeah. show, and those contracts fucked us really bad. David oh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, fuck Jeffrey Katzenberg, <laughs> that failing upwards motherfucker. Oh man, he, no, no, he, no, no, Chris, tell us how you really feel. Yeah, <laughs> I, I listen. None of these studio execs are going to see your friendly neighborhood gaffer and go, "That gaffer, he's blackballed." But the, the <laughs> that. Quibi, that those contracts were very, very bad. They were extremely bad. They were four or five million dollar shows. You know, uh, the one that I worked on for a couple of weeks before I ended up leaving because I found out that none of the union hours counted, even though it was a union show, you had to be permitted or in the union to work on it. Um, was called The Stranger, it had like Dane DeHaan and some other girl in it, and uh. Mm. It was like a four or five million dollar show. I believe Sony or Fox was the like 20th. I think it was 20th Century Fox at the time. It was um, right before COVID. I believe Quibi was was happening slash during COVID. I think and it was, I yeah. Le- yeah. the contracts were really bad. The rates were really bad. They were basically minimum wage rates. So if my full rate, like I said earlier, is 750 a day on a new media contract, I was making like 300 something, 400 a day. They were were easily taken advantage of of because there was nothing forcing them to do anything but that. And HBO contracts are also very bad. HBO contracts, overtime doesn't kick in until after hour 14. Really? We do, yeah. We do a, a union contract is usually a 10 to 12 hour day and you usually want it on tens. And then, so your OT kicks in, you know, before then, but usually the, the overtime is for 12 hours is already calculated into your day rate. And then after 12, you start going into the overtime, but all of, all of HBO's shows, their contracts are on 14s. So your overtime doesn't kick in until hour after 14, after 14 hours. Wow. And so like, you see shows like Euphoria, which are beautifully lit. They're a dream, like, to look at. And as a crew member, as an artist, you're like, man, like, I really want to make something like that. But then knowing fellow, I have friends that have worked on Euphoria and I have friends that have worked on other HBO stuff, um, that beautiful images, nightmare to work on logistically yeah, and just, you know. It really is. It's and there's a lot of shows like that. A lot of the companies, a lot of the studios, and you know, that's it's it's really it. That's a lot of what the push of three years ago, what our contract stuff of why almost every local went on strike, and I think we mostly authorized it. It was really our leadership, Matt Loeb, who who led it, who took a bad contract, um, and that's why the studios pushed so hard and and have been pushing to slow down work to to really bind us to not because if we go on strike this time it's less for us as crew members right as of right now it's less about the ai stuff um even though those protections do need to be there it is getting there 
um, because, you know, a lot of what the the SAG stuff and writing stuff is, is a, okay, if, if AI replaces extras, then you don't need a second unit to light those extras. You get rid of wardrobe, makeup, craft services, all the lighting and grip people to light light them, all the extra like camera shit, um, catering that, that goes yeah. to outside companies for all it like so that stuff did the ai stuff in terms of like where it was hitting with actors definitely trickled down to us but in terms of like creating even with that sora ai bullshit that's not that's not so much of a threat yet to us as it is the labor stuff our turnaround times the the amount of hours we put in to get these shows made because they want these companies want us to do 14 15 16 hours because they want the content in a timely manner to push out for the streaming services and it's just not sustainable we have crew members dying i've 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 had to pull over many times on set uh, like driving home uh just to like get a quick 15 you know crew members actors and you got to think about it. There are crew members that come in really early. If our call time is 7 a.m. and you have an actor that has like heavy makeup prosthesis stuff, then hair and makeup has a pre-call. Say it's four hours to get that application on the actor. Mm-hmm. The actor has the call to come in at you know, 3, 4 a.m. and then hair and makeup is coming in at 2.30 a.m. Yeah. And, and, and you know, sometimes you have swing crews that rotate in to... to you know, replace, but like these streaming sites, it's, it's broken things. And just more than the way that we view, we watch stuff of like, we no longer have the 22 episode type type yeah. seasons. And, 26. Yeah. When are 26? yeah. Me and my girlfriend are currently rewatching supernatural and you know, that's a show. Obviously it went very long. It went 15, 16 seasons, 20 something episodes other than I think season three or four, where you were like, Oh, what year was that? Oh, wait. Okay. That was the writer strike. They had, you know 15 episodes but we don't it's not it's not only what the viewers are seeing of like we only get six to ten episodes of a show that might get canceled because it didn't hit the right numbers for whatever tech ceo is doing the the number game for the investors but it it's affecting top down to, to crew and like they think the volume is like a shortcut which, as you see now, as viewers, you see good uses of the volume mm-hmm. and bad uses of the volume. <laughs> and the volume is not a shortcut. You have to know how to use the volume. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what some people also like. I, I would have people say, why is the contract that they both sides negotiated so short? It's like the reason it shows short is because of all the different changes that are happening so quickly in the industry that you make it a long term. This is what got into the problem in the first place with studios taking advantage of everyone. And they still take advantage of, there's a reason why our contract does not line up. Our expiration does not line up with actors and writers. Mm -hmm. Far too much leverage that way. Yeah. Imagine if we had been able to partake as crew members at the same time of the, of the writers and actors strike. Perfect. The studios can't have that. So all of our contracts expire at different times. The only help that we have in this contract negotiations is that it happens that the Hollywood Teamsters contract are expiring at the same time. So they can kind of help us out because the Teamsters have a lot of power, but it's not it's not going to be enough. I don't think I don't I think we're going to take a a severely reduced 
amount of things that we need and it's gonna that in turn is gonna affect the content that you guys as viewers see mm. and watch yeah that's what i worry about when i see when i see stuff like that that that's looming i'm like what's gonna happen to all the stuff i mean jesus christ they've already been not approving a ton of shows um there's a lot of stuff that usually right now there should be a bunch of shows being like like hitting pilots yeah and and like a bunch of castings happening there's maybe like i think three shows three or four out of the hundreds that usually happen and i think they're all at uh, nbc i think maybe that's nbc um nothing new is coming like so if it so if it's holding to the stuff that they have versus mm-hmm. trying to do anything new just to mm-hmm. d- just mm-hmm. to wait it out and a lot of reality stuff a lot of people don't realize zaslav is he's the person who made the shift with discovery going into a lot of those reality shows that discovery cheap. is built on now those cheap reality shows that is now when you go to hbo max uh, or max on the front page is just like half of it is like instead of legacy hbo <laughs> scripted content all i see is a bunch of reality shit jeez yeah he was right. the one who, who who pivoted that decision for discovery back in the day that basically destroyed the educational aspect of discovery yeah. it was far cheaper for them and far more um, made them far much far far more money to create all these cheap reality shows under the Discovery banner. That's how you get nine dollars stock. You see, that was cool for the umbrella. That was what that was Discovery. Pimple Popper is great if that's what you've been fed. The problem is HBO had a brand long before him, and that brand, mm-hmm. if it's not held up, people will go away from that brand. Like I said in 2018, when when the last episode of Game of Thrones, the original series, left. HBO lost 52% of their male demographic and they suffered until they fought till they found something else again, because HBO has that brand and has that reputation for when you see that static on a Sunday night, you know, you're in for something that's probably going to end up being special or a classic. The, the problem with, 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 um, and I never agreed with merging that content. I, I thought that was bad because even the discovery fan got screwed because now you got off cheap for with the discovery app and you know and this little thing you got off dirt cheap now you're you're being merged with a lot of content that you may or may not like and then as a result people who who like hbo max or max are seeing some of their content migrated to other streaming services that they weren't they weren't purchasing so um yeah that that's how you get some under ten dollar stock uh yeah there you go and, and to your point william what was that tagline for hbo it's not tv it's, it's hbo it's, 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 it's a status yeah. I mean, all of all of us that work within in the industry, like we constantly talk about why would they why would they do that? Like, why why would they take away that legacy naming? Um, like everyone was befuddled from every like level down mm-hmm. from people that I know that work at the studios around the executives to crew members above and below the line, actors, actresses, writers, every everyone collectively was like, what are they what are they doing? Like HB, like you're taking the HBO part away, the name, like forget what they're doing with the content itself and how they're, they're formatting or, or licensing things off or, or deleting things. Yeah. If you're, why are you getting rid of this name? This is like you, like you said, it's brand like, recognition. Totally, yeah. yeah total HBO. brand. Right. Home it's, box it's, office. Come on. It's very, very confusing. 
Um, everyone, everyone within that works is just like, we constantly are like fucking Zazlav. Like, it's like <laughs> literally like fucking Zazlav. And, and it's especially with the, he is the one who emboldened the other streamers and companies to do this tax write-off shit. Yeah. He yeah. was the first, he did it first with Batgirl. They, yeah. they, it was basically that moment of, there's this Shane Gillis, the comedian bit where he's talking about the presidential debates. And he's like, you know, you got these politicians and they're just like, ah, oh, yeah, the economy. Ah, yeah, religion. And then Donald Trump came in and was like, his wife's ugly. And then everyone was like, <laughs> we can do that? What? <laughs> and that's what Zazlab did with, with deleting something for, for the tax purposes. All the other studios were like, well, hold on, we fucking do that, dude? Wait a minute. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's a problem. Like, it, it's like a problem to the point where like the ftc needs to get involved here's the thing though with zaslov as opposed to a lot of those other guys he actually had it built into the merger laws and when you merge a company that's in debt his is his is different than the other ones and as much as the guy kind of gets on my nerves every now and then he inherited a heaping steaming pile of shit from from a lot of people who greenlit things that should have never happened and and shouldn't have happened at the time that they happened you can curse them for 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 getting rid of Batgirl. The problem is, it's if you didn't have a plan when you put Batgirl on the map, you were doomed to fail anyway. And they, these guys were going to give you Wonder Twins. The the same well, people who gave you Batgirl yeah. were going to give you Wonder Twins. They so, even had castings for Wonder Twins, yeah, which, which is that should yeah. have been termination right there. But, that should have been. But those those job. things aside, You're it's just <laughs> those things aside. Whether whether those movies were going to be good or not, obviously Wonder Twins. Yeah, you can. That movie's not even started. You can nip that in the bud, buddy. But when you, you know, the, uh, how many films has he done it with now? At least three, right? Three. The, Scoop, Batgirl, and now Coyote vs. Coyote might get it. Yeah. And it's it's insane. And I don't think uh, we've had shelving of movies before, where it's like, oh yeah, we filmed this like five years ago, and now it's just coming out because whatever reason. But the movie is coming out. I don't think as far as I'm aware that we've had straight up a deletion, whether it's actually legitimately be, being deleted or just stored away. And because that they were given a tax um, refund, they just legally can't ever show it type thing. I don't think we've ever had that where the work is done. The, the, maybe you don't have the money now to market it. Usually back in the day, it gets shelved. And and it comes back, you know. Cabin in the Woods. Uh, Cabin in the Woods is a great example. The the um, Goddard and Whedon. Yeah. Whedon so yeah. when I was making my first feature film with those Dollhouse people, Franz uh, Kranz, who who plays the Stoner in Cabin in the Woods, he's also in Dollhouse. Yeah. He he showed us the trailer came out for Cabin in the Woods when we were shooting this the the movie in, in December of 2011, and he was like, "We shot this like two three years ago." And and before Hemsworth, like Hemsworth had gotten the call for Thor when they were doing Cabin in the Woods. Wow. Basically. Mm-hmm. And like, but when the movie came out, I think Thor had already come out. He was like, yeah, we shot this like two years ago. It just, they didn't have, they didn't have like whether it was the right time of release yeah. or yeah, or the marketing for it. And then they, they shelved it and released it later. But now they're just you can do that when you're not 29 billion in the debt. See, that's the thing is that's a yeah. unique. It's it's not comparable to anything else because you had a company 
that was once purchased at $74 billion, and that pimple popper guy with far <laughs> less money was able to purchase for $30 billion less. So the fact that you even had that situation and the guys who created that debt were the guys who greenlit a lot of stuff. They weren't <laughs> doing very well. And yeah, it sucks that, you know, some of the stuff me. had to be cut, but you only have a limited opportunity to 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 use these tools when you merge with a company that's in debt. And to be honest with you, I, I blame the people who greenlit Batgirl. I blame the people who greenlit Scoob. I blame the people who greenlit Acme versus without a plan, without anything going forward, without looking within the situation that they were at, looking at where they were, what they were doing. I blame those guys before I blame Zazoff. And like I said, I'm no huge fan of him, but those particular situations, it's 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 easy to compare other situations, but name one of those situations where they were they, the company had been driven in the ground 30 billion south. I can't name one of them. So you have to apply that to those situations that of stuff that he got rid of. I think I I think the problem now though money money or not is is it is as artists which he is not clearly an artist uh, he is a he's a tech CEO um, and what I talked about earlier of of you know they've always been bastards but at least they were bastards that love movies <laughs> you know something like Batgirl where they've kind of have this like whole jumbled up cinematic universe. Are they doing this? Are they not? That one's tough of like, yeah, what, what's your plan for that? Something like Scoob and and Cagney Coyote. Coyote or whatever. Those are family films. And those usually do very well no matter what. And they so, were projected to lose money. Both of those films were projected to lose money. Based on what? Based on well, what exactly, though? No, they were. They had their own people that they, they hired outside. And they were basically, because remember, one of them cost $70 million. Now, not only are you talking about the $70 million, in order for you to put it in the cinema, the studio is going to have to pay the the marketing, and you're getting diminishing returns because you're only getting you're 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 lopping off thirty five percent of that right off the top, and you're in debt. So there, the math just factor. wasn't in favor of any of these things. The math wasn't in favor of green lighting them, green lighting them to begin with. It's just not a good precedent as as I filmmakers. it's not something I, I think it's not something that they can legally do on a normal basis either there are laws like say for instance like you wanted to sue and say you know you're not releasing my movie under these bank not bankruptcy laws merger laws you wouldn't be able to do it because it's a tool they have at their disposal but once they come out of that limitation then yeah now notice they're green lighting they're they're burning stuff that's not theirs too they're burning the leftover stuff that the people who made that brilliant plunge downward made so we're at one end, we're saying, well, that's awful that they're doing this, but you're, you can't praise the decision makers of their predecessors because they were awful. This is the consequences of being bad sometimes, you know? It, it's so interesting because, you know, because obviously I would like to watch the Coyote versus Ackman movie, but then I, so I. The, yeah, but then there's like a lot of people that are like, that, that post mm -hmm. about like, like, would they go to flock to the theater to actually go see? I don't know. I'm like business decision. I mean, that's the thing is like, you have to, you know, when you look at a business and then of course you look at it otherwise, it's, it's such a weird thing because then I, 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 the, the fanboy in me goes, why hasn't these types of movies been so popular? I mean, Roger Rabbit came out when early nineties. Yeah, but yeah, oh, it was early, yeah, late eighties. Why wasn't there more of that when it came out? And there really wasn't. And Space Jam came out; that was a phenomenon. And then there was just, I mean, like, and then there was the Brandon Fraser one that came out too. Not so big. 
-hmm. but it's just so funny how like that genre didn't take off and that, so that's where my brain goes you know we could talk about logistics and all the the other shit too but oh. but i'm, I'm just kind of going like man with roger rabbit being such an iconic movie and i've watched that movie so many times i'm like how did that not start like this whole new genre where they had so many live action and animation movies just like that and it just took i mean i guess i mean they take a long time and there's a lot of factors that have to be involved with that but it like it's just it's just so weird how like we only have like just like what that space jam and really not much else when it comes well, to that, I mean, that chip and bell yeah, the yeah. Chippendale is one that came out like on a few Disney years Plus, ago. That did well, and a lot of people are raving about that. Well, we have Sonic like, now. Yeah, Sonic. I, Sonic. I, I think it is. I think it is coming back. Um, it is. And what's funny? What's funny is because of the outrage, whatever, whatever of of people being like, "Yo, why are you deleting this movie?" It's funny that they could probably pivot it into being very successful. That's um, the thing. Use and, the bad marketing. Yeah. Right. Obviously, the argument is is how many people will actually go see it versus being yeah, vocal about you know being vocal. I think I think a lot more people would see it in terms of it's now got this insane marketing free marketing push from the outrage of it. Use the but, hashtag. Yeah. But I think I think what they stand to lose in terms of of um not favorability but like trust from not only yeah credibility from from not only audience but like other filmmakers and people who might take their movie to their studio or something else it probably at this point because now this is the third movie it's happening to like whether it makes sense for them financially or not i think in the long run it has hurt them far more like visually and the, the credibility and the and the trust and and all that. Even if it did, there's nothing they could have done about it. The math is the math. I mean, there, there, there was no way around. They're going to have a lot of credibility issues no matter what, just because of how they've handled they've things in general, period. And plus yeah. the situation. Like, like I said, you're, there's, there's going to be no explaining math to people who just look at a Twitter story and, and for the first time in their life realize these movies exist and now they're 100% behind them. There's no math that works for that. And, and in order for it to work for your return on investment, you have to have a lot of things at your disposal saying that this is going to be worth it to put this in there. And, and they came to the conclusion that it wasn't. Now, I could see if they were creating their own stuff and doing that way. But, but once again, it, it's the situation. It, it explains itself uh, to, to, to most people. And guess what? The rest of the people are, are going to come back uh, eventually. Eventually, at some point, I mean, you know, but you have to understand, like I said, the uniqueness of the situation and it's easily explainable, but you can't expect a company like I said last time, I can't expect anybody on this screen to take take a deal or do something that's going to cost them money or put them in the red when they're already in debt. Nobody, nobody, you know. Will it openly admit that? Nobody and it, it, it is going to do that. Not one of you guys on the screen, I, I would let you are sitting on a pile of money, are going to say, <laughs> hey, let's go ahead and do something with some shit that we inherited that's going to cost me money just because it might make 12 or 13 people feel good. Why don't we go with the law of averages if we get the 100% of the break that we need or, other, or we can play guessing games with people on the internet that may or may not come see our movie. That's a tough one when you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. It's true. I mean, it's true. Mm -hmm. uh, we also, hey, Raya is joining in right now. Hey, oh, Raya, what's happening? Good evening, y'all. Sorry, I'm three hours late. <laughs> it's all good. Or I guess not three hours, um, maybe two. Yeah, maybe like two and a half. Yeah. How are you doing tonight? 
I'm doing well. Just um, got done doing some hardcore adulting, and I don't, uh, I don't know where to begin as far as like contributing to the conversation. But I love the discourse. Well, yeah, we're just kind of talking about Warner Brothers right now when it comes to decisions that they're they've uh, made, and then of course, you know, I mean, like. You know, it's kind of funny, too, because this actually can lead into like the fact that they I mean, the fact that. OK, so we had the first Joker movie, 55 million dollars. And look, look at how much it did. The second one, 200 million dollars. Whoa, they just threw. I mean, I get it. Like you have something that was successful, billion dollars R rated Oscar award winning. But man, they, they're throwing 200 million at this sequel. Uh, if you look at the breakdown. Yeah. A lot of it's going towards towards Joaquin and Lady Gaga. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the base budget for the film is very close to what it was originally. It's just their rates. Yeah, you you, went, you get that you up. get that Oscar you get that statue, or Oscar, man. You get that Oscar nomination. It's an automatic change in contract <laughs> and expectations. Yeah. I think I think they're, I they're saw they're a draw. You know, mm -hmm. I yeah. I don't know if it's accurate, but I think I saw he was making like twenty. Yeah, he's making mil? twenty. She's making twelve. So that's thirty-two million between the two of them. Just two actors, the two leads. Uh, and, and, okay. and now Todd Phillips, being that you you created a a movie at that point, you get to ask for you get to ask for more for your payday. Yeah, he's yeah. getting a good payday too. That's not been reported, but I'm sure it's pretty hefty as well. It's, it's probably a large part of it as well. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, a, a movie like that isn't isn't very expensive to make. One of my DPs was a camera operator on the first one. He did really? the stair shot. Yeah, he did the stair oh, shot. Nice. Oh, nice. Or whatever. And uh, that that movie, very, very not expensive in terms of like a, a, a general superhero, like mm -hmm. film, in quotes, superhero type movie. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I think a lot of it is going just in, it was the first one was so successful that everyone's contracts, everyone's rates just shot up. Because they expect to make the mo the money back. Yeah. Right. I mean, hopefully they do. I mean, let's face it. I mean, like, I'm hoping that it's, I mean, with the whole musical aspect of it. But again, you know, it was even explained that, hey, you know, it's not just like full on. Everybody's just singing the whole time. There's probably going to be each act has their sing and dance musical number. Theory. Yeah. You know, and it's like, OK, so, yeah, that's cool. That's perfectly fine. Of course, there's probably going to be sets that were built and it's probably going to be, everything's going to look a lot more crisper than the first one. Sure. But I'm just like, yeah, I worry that, yeah, it's just not going to have that impact that a lot of people, you know, that we, that it, that the first one had and it drove butts in the seats, but you know, we'll see, it could still be something and everybody, you know, raves about it and it gets nominated for all kinds of things. And, you know, it, it, it becomes that thing again. And that investment is good, but man, when I, whenever, you know, I just thought double it 120 million. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. 200 million. <laughs> you know how you justify that though. Sometimes is when you have a movie and, and Dune is going to be the same thing because usually you're, you're warning about, okay, how much, you know, 82% of your, your movie revenue comes in the first two weeks. Here, you're going to have movies that are nominated for Academy Award that are either going to get re-released or going to stay in theaters longer. Like Dune is going to make a lot of a lot of money on the back end because it's being released More in March. First. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But what's going to end up happening is the Dune Part 2 is going to get re-released because you know it's going to get a buttload of Oscars, and then you make money on the back end. 
after you've already done it on PVOD or things like that. Same thing with the, this one. You know, there's, I mean, I don't, you know, there's a good chance that uh, both of these people that are making the pay raise are both been nominated for Academy Awards. One is one one for music and the other one is one one for acting. So there's a good chance that they could get nominated again and then you release those movies. So you're talking about longer life on these movies and you're talking about more demand on different platforms. So yeah, they got a pay raise, but the desirability of their work is also there already been proven. Um, but be, like I said, in old dinosaur rules, yeah, you, you, it'd be risky. But when you're making a lot of money on the back end on a lot of these other platforms, you know, you, you, can, you can soften the blow of, of a pay raise every now and then. But I think it'll be fine, though. I mean, yeah. that, that's, one, that's one of those things like where we talk about, like you said, a $200 million budget when we keep on hearing we're going to bring costs down, we're going to bring costs down. But to, to the point of what Joker did at that moment, it was – it became kind of like no, you got to see this movie. It's it, it it's a if <laughs> they may it became kind of an event movie, and so yeah, should they have a two hundred million dollar budget? It's not for me to say necessarily. In the sense of what, like we said, once you break it down, what you said, Chris, confirming, yeah, the actual production budget is pretty much in line. It's just all the the price tags of the the key players have gone up. Yeah. And that's that tends to happen a lot. Obviously, the production budget will, will will come up a little bit, and that that's usually the difference of is this going to have the same feeling as the first one because the budget went went up so much, or is it going to be this whole other thing? And if it's one of those things where you know the filmmakers are taking that extra bump in having the budget mm-hmm. to make it easier on themselves to create that same feeling that they had in the first one where they don't have to stress out as much from top down crew members being like, yeah, no, we can get that shot because we have the money to, to build this set or whatever. Like, or if it's one of those things where the pressure, um, <laughs> yeah. Or, or if it's one of those things are because the budget went up and the expectations are so much different that they have to try and elevate it. And it ends up being this different thing from yeah. that that takes away the charm of what the first one success was. That's usually the main difference is, is what that goal is. Is it just taking that bigger budget and now making it much easier and less stressful for Todd and and co to be able to just achieve that charm that they had in the first one, or are they now trying are being directed to, you know, do this whole other big thing because the, the budget's higher. And it's probably the, the first thing where it's, it's, being able to keep that same charm of the first one in the feel while also having the comfortability yeah. of, of having a higher budget and being able to pull off the things without kind of being like, ah, we got to cut this one because we got to cut this scene or this thing or this yeah. set piece. And we can only hope. And, 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 and I think that it, I mean, I think it's going to like my only hope. And I still think that it's going to be the case is like the fact that it's going to be that movie again, you know, it's going to be something different. It's going to be something that's going to surprise people. It's going to be something that, you know, it's going to kind of shock people and it's going to get the award recognition. It's going to be praised, hopefully. And then they'll be like, oh, yeah, OK. And then it's going to it is going to bring the, the butts, the seats. Now, if it is it going to make a billion dollars? I mean, that's one of those things. I mean, again, this was pre pandemic when that happened. Now, yeah. post pandemic, it's a different kind of beast. Will it make that? Who knows? Might get close. Maybe you know when it comes. I feel to like talking. I feel like really nothing has recently. No, they haven't. 
it, so, it's, it's most, most movies don't make a billion dollars. I, I think that's a, one thing that yeah. we, people forget. Most yeah. movies, the vast majority of movies, don't make a billion dollars or even close to it. Yeah. So well, you had that streak for a while because you had a one in the lifetime story with 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 uh with with, with the way the Infinity um Kusai was yeah. was, yeah, was set up that lent itself to being that way. But that's why the expectation of a billion dollars, you know, for every superhero movie was stupid. You need to just be smacking people in the head every time they said that. Don't yeah. even let them the, just just close your hand it. up and just you know go across their head because that that really caused a lot of damage. You had a lot mm-hmm. of dummies who should have known better. That were, you know, like it didn't make a billion dollars. Like this, you slap an S on it, it's supposed to make a billion dollars. Well, a bat's supposed to make a billion dollars when none of you, you got so lucky. And I don't think people realize how lucky they were to have Heath Ledger's performance be one of those all time mm-hmm. top 10 or 15 performances. If you don't have the, that performance from him, the trajectory of the, 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 the Nolan movies are still going to make money, but they don't have, they became a phenomenon with him. And then he had a, a movie that came out, the third movie, which wasn't that good, that made a billion off of the momentum of that one. But for the most part, you know, eight, six, seven, eight hundred million, that that's that's good money. You know, eight hundred and seventy-one million. You know, if you can if you can frown at that, you're a fucking fool. You know. And that was before uh, any home stuff. That's like before any right. home release stuff. Like that's what that's it's that is the case. Yeah, is is people definitely got. I think there was a streak for so long especially because of the Infinity Saga of like almost every superhero movie was hitting that billion during that time period. And that's part of what the, the Warner Brothers panic was of, of, of everything of like, our thing didn't make a billion. Everything else right now is making a billion. I'm like, guys, yeah. nothing that, makes that, this much usually and it, nothing it, really has since. And even it's, they're having a problem. They're having a yeah. problem doing it. Yeah. It's not it's not sustainable. It's it was bound to come crashing down at that point, but they were self-inflicted wounds in the sense of what the, what the streaming age has done. It, and also budgets idea, are ballooning. But That's budgets true. are ballooning. You've got me with a family of four that yeah, we don't go to the movies necessarily with all my family. I see I see movies for my channel at that point, but my wife is completely happy just waiting for it, doesn't need to have the theater experience and my kids don't really they they think the theater is just one of these things we randomly go to at a time you know it's it it, they the studios you have one of the last movies to make a over a billion you have avatar it became an event they they create an event movie it is not sustainable to make every single movie an event movie so the idea of all these movies becoming billion dollars okay no they've got to readjust their opinions of what success looks like now in an age where not every movie can be an event, but they need to market it in order to make sure that people saying, hey, we want to go see this in a movie theater. The movie theater is becoming a different idea now. It's an amusing. I'd love to jump in if that's okay. Um, Yeah, of course. Yeah. Hi, Chris. Um, How do you pronounce your last name? Bulos. Willis, oh, nice. Um, my name's Rhea. Um, he, yeah, was all, I, he was at he was at full full circle. At actually, I think I recognize you. I feel like I saw you there. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Sorry, um, I didn't get a chance to chat with you. Um, no but yeah, in regards to the topic right now, I have a feeling that um, the state of the theater system, as far as like my perception of it, like to Chris uh, Chris Belga's point, um, there is this you know fluctuation of films that you know are either event films or just you know sort of like carrying along the um 
the attendance rate, maybe not as big as the tent poles, but um, enough to kind of sustain uh, theaters to keep the door open, at least for ones that are like, you know, the AMCs maybe, or like the Cinemarks who kind of make these, you know, um, movie ex movie experiences like a little more, um, I want to say maybe luxurious or at, at least like, you know, making it like, you know, desirable to go to the movies because you're going to have a good time to watch them. But my point is that as far as like the idea of the necessity of the, an event film to come to the theater and, um, you know, have these inflated budgets that, you know, we're kind of speculating on the reason why I think um, I'm more on the I'm more of the opinion that a lot of the smaller budget films and a lot of like, you know, the lesser, you know, or maybe overlooked indie films are, you know, like I said, they're kind of carrying a little bit of the foot traffic going to theaters, maybe not as much, but you know, they they're there. And you know, uh, you still have that quote unquote, luxurious experience of going to see them in the theater. And I'm of the opinion that that should be a priority for studios ongoing if they're not able to sustain the billion dollar budgets and they have a lot of um either like their own studio or sub studios or partner studios producing these um maybe like 50 million dollar budgets or even lower than that um and you're still able to you know um in theory you know the lower the budget the more likely to profit from it and i think i go back and forth with william on this theory where um, I'm more of like the opinion of smaller films, you know, taking over um, uh, theater, you know, promotion and uh, uh, the experience for viewing those exclusively at the theater, whereas he's more of the opinion that the tent poles keep the theaters in business. But again, to uh, uh, Chris Volga's point, that's not sustainable. So, yeah, I guess like my, you know, um, personal, you know, sort of like roadmap of how I feel the movie ex uh, viewing experience in theaters is going. It is something that I would personally like to see as far as like where um, distribution of these films is going because or because I see a lot of um, really great films that maybe didn't cost that much to produce and um, don't get a lot of uh, distribution in different theaters uh, for X, Y, and Z reasons there are limited releases, but depending on, you know, how much it costs to, you know, distribute it to other theaters, I'm not, you know, privy to that information. I think it would be worthwhile as a way to not only like encourage um, more audiences to see these films because of the increased accessibility, but it's also, you know, an incentive for the theaters as well, because, you know, the less um, theaters that are running films or, you know, the less foot traffic that are coming in from quote unquote tentpole films, you know, over a period of time. Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, that would be one solution that I'd like to see. So I just want to get y'all's opinion on that. I think, um, I think that, I don't know if any of you guys live in Los Angeles proper, like I do, I'm in East Hollywood. Um, it's interesting because living over here, I have the luxury of like, we do have all these like auteur theaters and stuff or like the, the theaters that have all the like, we get all the limited releases all like, or all the like smaller budget films that only do like a week or two run or the Netflix things. We're like, oh, we'll do a week in theaters. It's interesting 
because I having the option to see those and having this uh, the option to see like how impactful it is like audience wise. It's like okay, are people actually going to see these smaller like films in theaters? And usually, at least maybe I don't know if it's because it's Los Angeles and a lot of us are a lot of people in this part of the town work in the industry or want to work in the industry or industry adjacent. It usually does very well, and I do usually see the like call to like hey give this a larger release or give this a longer run at least via the internet and and all that and i don't know if it's because they don't want to spend the money on marketing anymore like they like back in the day like because back in back in the day we had releases small medium big yeah across all theaters obviously less people are going to the theater now because just the cost of living and, um, you know, things like the the AMC um, A-list stuff kind of makes it a little bit more feasible for people to go to the movies a bunch. But I think it would benefit the studios to to try their best to go back to that old release style of give these movies that maybe you're not giving it a wide release you know, if you can't, if you don't see the the value in giving it a full wide release, maybe test the markets. You know, and Godzilla minus one, for example, that was supposed to be a, in the U.S. for a week. Yep. And and Wait, ended up in the how long? A month or more? Two months? I think. Yeah. Because this and release I, was November 29th, I think. They, I think the official release of it was December first, and then it stayed in theaters until about yes. I think, January 11th. Okay, maybe so even longer that. maybe even longer. yeah and i think the problem is 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 they don't if you don't give a film a release like that at all or a, a medium release or a sample release you're not gonna get that word of mouth that goes around like something like godzilla minus one and then they don't see the they don't see the call for it and the need for it and they're like well why no one wanted to see that why do we want to see that obviously there's the risk there that they would have to take of actually giving putting the money forward to give these smaller budgeted things a release but you gotta if you want if if you want people have to have the option to see these movies to then gather a, a a word of mouth and a fan base and a lot of times if they if something didn't already have a release if it was something that was streaming it's very few and far between where it gets the traction where the company decides like, we are going to give this a limited release because it did really well. If it didn't start with one. Right. The, there's a flaw there because Godzilla did well because there's a brand name there. Yeah, that's true. true. It, true. If, if it were, if it were, if it were, you know, Chris, the giant, you know, atomic breathing lizard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you're going to, you're going to, you're, you're, you're going to hedge your bets by going with a brand name. And yeah. I hear a lot of that, you know, it, 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 you know, how can they don't do this? How can they do that? And it's a valid question, but the problem is, and I always say this, you have to go in the direction of the customer. There's just no money in it. There's no money in it because the, the, the by the time, you know, that same wage that you were making when they used to do this has now yeah. shrunk. Like I said, it's a 10 foot tent trying to cover a 20 foot space and it's just not going to happen. I think a lot of what they're, they're having to adjust to is the fact that just normal people can't afford to, to, to experiment yeah. like that. They're going to go with trusted yeah. brand name. Like I said, Godzilla yeah. and even Godzilla minus one, you know, that was, you look at the money it made and it, and it, and it, and it you know, quadrupled its profit and everything else. 
But that, you know, that kind of movie here, you you have to pull in hundreds of millions just to justify a movie like that even being made. A lot of and yeah. it sucks because a lot of the indie movies have have been sacrificed like that. You don't have that kind of kind of thing. But once again, it's it's easier to say when you don't have to pay for it, having it made, and then you're taking diminishing returns from the box office and everything else. And and now you're now what justifies it even being you know done once you once you count all the money it sucks well, and I don't, and I'm not saying yeah. you're right. we get into the um the speculation aspect of of this discussion and you know uh, William I enjoyed the discourse on your channel and going back and forth about it but um yeah I think uh, y'all touched on it earlier as far as um who's to say who would go and, and view these movies there are you know. IP attachments for a few of the films that, you know, were canned and were potentially going to be produced. And it's not that us personally see the value of them existing. It's more about giving them the opportunity to exist, whether it be having, you know, the budget um, justifiably allocated to them, whether it be on like, you know, the, the back end, you know, um, Chris, Chris um, Boulos, sorry, I'm, I mispronounced your name. I apologize. Um, Boulos. Yes, apologies. Um, yes, okay. thank you. And um, I think you could probably speak more to this as far as like, you know, production costs, timelines. Obviously, time is money. So the more, you know, back and forth of like, you know, scripts and, you know, visual design and things like that, um, editing, that could all add to, you know, the, uh, the cost of that production. Therefore, it can probably uh, determine if a movie goes straight to streaming, if it go and it gets like, you know, maybe licensed to a streaming platform or if, you know, it would be worthwhile to get that limited release to qualify it for a wider release. So here's the thing is, is from someone that works within the industry, the money's there. The money is fucking there. It's just about who wants to give it up. Yeah. And that's a huge that's the biggest that's the biggest hurdle right now is there's a lot of people who are in charge of these things that their their personal money only gets bigger by saving money hmm. and so a lot of the studio heads and a lot of the people who make these millions upon millions upon millions of dollars that is, most of the time they're not deserving to make they're working off the backs of all of us and creators and people who make the art happen like your salary only exists because of us making the thing there is no product without us they don't want to lose that bonus they don't want to anger any investors or stockholders or anything the money our industry has so much money it's just about who is willing to move that money around invest that money who's willing to put a risk forward. And nowadays, unfortunately, they just, people don't want to put the risk forward unless it's like a sure thing, which you want a it's sure not, thing. nothing, nothing's a sure thing anymore, really, especially with this, with the economy. And like the, like, like William said, is just like, you know, most people can't afford to go to the theater like they used to, but it sucks because the money is there. The I see it. I when I'm in production meetings, when I'm in budget meetings for like just within my department of like, hey, I for for me to make this stay this show work with like here's the lighting budget that I need to make this work, and I get pushback on it. I'm like, the money's right there. You, I see it allocated right in here that it it doesn't need to be allocated for this logistically. You guys need to put this over here and here for these departments for what you're asking for. 
And a lot of times it's just the people who are in charge of that. They don't want to. I think potentially, and maybe um, you can speak to this more, um, you know, with, with, you know, reference to your, to your career and experience. But um, I notice a lot of um, more modern movies are, uh, whether it be executive produced or financed from different companies. And there's just, you know, a laundry list of different companies that, you know, appear before, you know, the film actually starts. So <laughs> my interpretation of that is, okay, there's a lot of, you know, hands in, or like a lot of um, cooks in the kitchen as far as like, who's going to, you know, um, come out with like, you know, the biggest dish as, uh, once the, um, the revenue starts coming in from this film and yeah. in order to, you know, kind of, I guess, qualify the, you know, potential of a film getting invested upon, it definitely has to, you know, ups, you know, get those financers to come in. Whereas like, you know, with films or film studios that, you know, we cite it such as WB, for example, you know, we may expect a lot of financers to come in who have that incentive, especially with like a bigger brand, uh, bigger brand or IP like a DC project, like you y'all mentioned Joker. I mean, I'm also speculating the larger budget is because of the um, the amount of finances that they're that they've gotten invested in because it, it has a proven track record of making a billion dollars off of a smaller mm -hmm. budget. And so, a brand name and yeah. a brand name. Brand. Sure. Brand yeah. Um, yeah. Again, like I am, you know, sort of, you know, pondering if the, you know, the intention of inflating the budget on the back end off of, you know, the um, uh, speculative market of that film to make some exponential, you know, return to, you know, incentivize the financers is part of the reason perhaps maybe you can speak to this i i know for certain you can speak more to this um the allocation of the funds for example like you know we kind of speculated about that and well uh, why are our funds not allocated to certain production needs and where where's where's the money being allocated at that point and uh we we know that marketing budget is separate from the production budget and mm -hmm. we know that a film production team has like you know ex uh goals that they need to ex execute in like you know the visual presentation of the film from you know various you know heads of the production but i'm wondering if maybe there is justification in terms of like how they want to you know present the film and and certainly like you know with joker there is or joker too maybe there's you know more focus on um set design um visual effects maybe mm -hmm. something that um we're you know not privy to maybe you can speak to it a little bit more certainly but uh yeah that's just my thing as far as like where al allocation of funds is going sometimes lady sometimes Sorry. Yeah. Well, 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 for Joker 2, for example, there's definitely uh, a, probably a big allocation going towards just the music production and the, the collaboration of of composers and artists and definitely whatever big focus the film has on that. There's probably a big allocation going into that that obviously the first movie didn't have to go right. into at all. Um, sometimes when like budgets are getting allocated, Depending on like the producers or the people, the people in charge of allocating said money, there are certain biases sometimes of like an example uh, that I have of something I got. I did a BMW commercial one time where I absolutely did not need to be there. It was all day exterior on a racetrack. There was no lights needed. Like, 
And so I asked the DP, I was like, I was like, hey man, obviously I enjoy the paycheck, but like, why'd you call me out? Like, I'm not lighting anything. Like I literally was hanging out all day. And he was like, if I don't put a gaffer in the budget, the next time a commercial comes around, they go and I need a gaffer. They're like, well, you didn't need one last time. And then they don't allow you to have that thing in the budget because they're like, well, you didn't need it last time. Even though this is a different job, a different look, a different thing. A lot of the people who are in charge of allocating money and, and producing these things, they clients work in a different little brain sphere than the rest of us. Uh, And a lot of times it's stuff like that, where it's like they have a bias from a past job or movie or experience where they're like, well, why do you, why does this department need $5 million for this? The last thing I did that was similar, they did it with this and this, but it's not comparable. And that happens across our industry, like massively um, on like almost every job that I do sometimes, sometimes from season one to season two of something, um, I'll get that question. I'll be, I'll be season two of something where, you know, it's a bigger budget, but they want bigger budget than season one, but they want more episodes in season one. Therefore the budget isn't actually bigger, but now we're doing something on a soundstage as well as location where season one was only on location. Well, now I have to order a, B, and C amount of lights and have A, B, and C amount of crew because we're doing more stuff. But they're like, well, season one, you didn't need that. I'm like, yeah, but season one was different. Oh, my God. Season one was different. We, did, we didn't do all the stuff that you guys want to do for season two. And, and a lot of the argument and a lot of the conversation with these budget allocations are simply that, of like making them understand, like, no, but you want to do this. I can't, we can't do this without the money to do all this extra stuff that I need to order for this. And it happens like from the top down, like from like the biggest departments all the way down to the tiniest things. And so, yeah, a a lot of the the budget stuff and like allocation of money and like how they decide to, to, to prioritize stuff is a lot of like biases and past experiences from the money people. Now, if you have a good producer and a, and a good production company behind you or a good studio behind you, they understand that they understand that yeah this is a different beast this is a different thing we're doing yeah it's joker 2 and we did joker 1 and like we didn't need all this stuff in joker 1 but joker 2 is different and if you have good producers you know if you have a a a deb snyder or emma thompson or someone who understands that it is every project is different every project is ever shifting and something you didn't need for project one you maybe need it for project two those go smoothly and you see that in the end product and in the, in the prioritization of, of, you know, the focus of that movie. So in Joker two, we'll probably see a, that big prioritization of the, the composition and the music and probably maybe the set pieces, maybe if they're, if they are doing a lot of like transitional performance stuff from sets, maybe that was something that got allocated that. But when you have, people who all they really focus on is saving as much money as possible. Cause that's a producer's job is to spend as, as l- little money as possible. That's their job. 
at the end of the day on set, when I'm in the production office talking to producers or line producers and be like, hey, like I need an additional two crew members for this day because we have all this action that we have to do. They're like, ah, what can you do with one? And I'm like, and then I have to sell them on why I need two people. And I'm like, the, the general rule that I tell productions that are giving me a hard time about budget and money or equipment costs or whatever, I'm like, you're going to pay for it now or you're going to pay for it later? You can pay for it now That's... or you can pay for it later when it's going to be much more expensive in post-production and it didn't look good. So the movie doesn't do as well. So the reviews are bad. You're going to pay for it no matter what. It just depends if you want to do it now or you're going to fix it in post, which is usually more expensive. I told you what we needed. And so that happens even on the biggest budget films. And unfortunately, there's a lot more mediocre producers than the good ones who recognize that. I guess on the flip side, um, sorry to you know dwell on this topic. It's really yeah. fascinating to me. Um, I deal more on like, you know, the projected side of, you know, once uh, a uh, projections. Yeah. Yeah. Of when a film is, you know, in production, doing test screenings, things like that. Mm -hmm. So once that, you know, kind of like qualifying factor of audience uh, reception, as well as, you know, um, budget assessment and, you know, appetite for risk, as far as like, you know, the studio having all of these, you know, uh, incentivized investors to appease to justify their investment, there is this, um, I guess there is a need to not necessarily over project, but, you know, reasonably come into, you know, range of, okay, like, you know, if this is a sequel, we project to, you know, raise this amount of money. Oftentimes, mm -hmm. you know, sequels make less than the original. So you had, you kind of have to account for those factors too. And, I, I would imagine that that impacts the budget, but we've also seen where sequels cost more. So the returns might, you know, be less, but the um, production costs go up. And, you know, for the reasons that you outlined too, you know, and I think for my, my you know, point of view is that once the, you know, product is out and those projections are somewhat correlating to what is actually happening in reality as far as like what revenue is coming in that too could you know kind of qualify exactly like what are we going to um uh hand over in terms of like finances if and when you know we get more financers to come through the door for the next film so mm -hmm. i can see your point as far as like if funds aren't used um in like in one production you'll get a lower budget in the next one so yeah i think in um on the flip side, as far as like projections failing or falling very short of what was predicted based on based on trends um, in uh, in audience in the audience space, whereas and um, let me see, like yeah, basically like I'm you know trying to align some of the factors that go into well, if a sequel fails or falls short of what of the expected returns, then maybe that also kind of like correlates to a budget going down uh, as opposed to, well, we used all the budget in the previous film and we justified that. So unfortunately, we would probably expect a smaller um, team on the next film or in response, probably the, you know, lowering of quality, not maybe not necessarily, but also just, you know, more of a bootstrap team like you were rec like, you know, that you were discussing earlier about a skeleton yeah. crew, things like that. So 
yeah i can kind of see that does happen like you know kind of like you know going back and forth whereas like yeah your budgets are going up and then my speculation of like you know the the um projected sort of like you know performance of the film uh versus like what is actually happening um on the performance side kind of lowering it as well that does happen. Yeah, that happens. That's abs- like every show, every like film that does happen, especially if it's like following up something else, like or, or a different season or it's a sequel or, or a threequel or whatever, that absolutely the like end projection, uh, whether it like met it or underperformed, absolutely like comes into play when they're talking about either like how much, even when they're like writing the scripts for something, like for like... <clears throat> say it's a show like i have so uh, I, sh- I mentioned this show earlier um this amc show called cooper's bar it was for amc plus season one was just on amc plus season two was on amc plus and they aired it on ifc and season two they wanted longer episodes than season one and now the speculation for season three i don't think they market the show very well uh even though it has like better call saul alum in it and uh, and like other like notable names in it um you know whitney cummings phil lamar who uh voice of green lantern static shock and all that um i don't think amc markets the show very well so i don't know if season three is going to happen um but i can assume based on like my assumptions on how it's done uh, for season two that if season three does happen it will either stay the same budget or they will just let them do less while writing the script yeah. in it in the script like they'll be like mm, no like we're not going to give you the, we're not going to give you the budget to shoot like all of that um because <laughs> think, season two didn't do as well i think as far as like the budget's going down in like let's say diminishing returns on season two season three i think once it hits season two and you know season two ends that could be a qualifying factor to saying like, okay, this is a legitimate like IP as far as like it existing and having some sort of um, audience retention, although albeit you know smaller. And yeah, like like I said, potentially that would you know result in a budget being smaller. However, I think that that's a greater opportunity for higher returns. So in the event of you know the season three sort of you know being the determining factor on if a seat, if a show continues. I think projections could pop- could possibly also determine the actual product that comes out, not you know the not the reverse. So like my point is that the projections could possibly influence the story that's being developed and like mm-hmm. you know the potential product that is being produced and multiple yeah. endings and all these other things. And yeah, it could be the determining factor of like whether or not a, a series wraps up in the third season or if, you know, it's kind of left on a cliffhanger because the projections felt uh, fell short and everyone thought it was going to be a banger and go into season four. So, yeah, that's just you yeah. know, my my perception of it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a correct, pretty correct perception. That is usually how they operate, honestly. Like sometimes it is just unfounded. Like, like, guys, if you just commit like like there's a plan here, like commit, let us do the the, you know, the the arc that the show creators have have done out and i can guarantee you in the long run it will you know work better gain a better audience because you know the full vision is there but a, a lot of the times it's about getting the money people to commit to to it and so yeah but like 
you are correct. A lot of the times the projections is, can absolutely undercut what could have potentially been like a very good project and vice versa. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes the, you'll, you'll sometimes see shows that you're like, this isn't very good, but for some reason it has an audience somewhere. Like it, it's, it's gotten some type of latch on. You literally like read my mind because I was yeah. going to segue into the CW and I well, feel like, I am probably the only one cheering for them. And I wish I had joined earlier because this this is a topic we can like really, you know, shred to pieces and dig into. Like, um, as far as like my perception of how CW works and I'm gonna do my best to have positive intent as far as like why it exists and not that it's um, a, mon a money laundering scheme, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, which, you know, I all signs kind of point more directly to that. However, I, again, I wanna lean on more positive intent. So again, my my you know speculation is that these shows are so cheap to produce and although there's you know there's this you know common uh i think it's a misconception that oh the 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 cheap uh presentation of these uh, pro uh projects and you know the low budgets you know it kind of uh turns people off to even like you know uh pay patroning it and i feel that you know to your point that you made earlier as far as like um, very little people understand, you know, the production uh, back end as far as like what folks are even allowed to do and what the final project even is. So I kind of have that empathy uh, because, you know, what little knowledge I have about it, I still feel that, you know, this is someone, someone's harder, like hard labor, you know, went into this and they might have seen all the issues that came about. But mm -hmm. yeah, like as far as like the budget that was allocated to them, they don't control that. Like you said, you know, that you have two weeks to shoot an episode. There's exactly. two weeks for each of these episodes and a 22, 22, 23, 24 episode season. A lot of the CW stuff, um, are you, they're doing crossovers with each other. So now they're scheduling actors between shows. Um, I have a lot of friends that were on a lot of the CW hero shows, played main characters on those shows. It is a scheduling nightmare when they do those crossovers. And they have two weeks. Basically, when you're doing TV you you're on a rotating crew so one episode is like one director and crew d cinematographer and crew and then d while they're doing their episode the crew for the next episode the director and dp and, and production heads they're prepping their episode so then episode one they finish shooting uh, they do their two weeks they finish shooting they're now in post-production and episode two crew comes in that that director of photography, that director, and they're working and working. And then at a certain point, the director for episode three, whether it's a different director or the the if they're just switching off like two directors or three directors, that one will kind of leave the post-production process to start preparing for their episode, their episode, which is episode three. It is very fast paced and they're shooting for eight to 10 months of the year. Uh, those those types of shows like Supernatural and 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 Arrow and all of those shows, they don't have they don't have an unlimited budget. Um, so a lot of the things that they're doing and trying to do is actually spectacular for the time that they have. And especially when you look at a lot of the, like I think a lot of things that get ripped on sometimes is like some VFX stuff, where um, man 
these VFX crews are doing this in, in very little time. They're and really like, doing the most. And yeah. a lot of those shows, they, you know, they have my, you know, compassion and empathy because a lot of them rely on practical effects, which I'm a big fan of. And, you know, they're the crew behind them are, you know, maybe they're it's not their, you know, first, you know, um, um, choice as far as like how to, you know, present the, the product that they're, you know, a part of, uh, maybe the practical effects were just, you know, um, the, the cheapest way to execute. But in reality, I kind of feel that, um, yeah, the intentions of the production may be, you know, um, not in favor of, you know, artistic quality or, you know, anything like that. Maybe it's just, you know, produce ad revenue and then break even on an episode and then justify Put, funneling the funds into the next episode but yeah like you know yeah it's kind of like 50 50 whereas like uh at least content is being produced and there's some like i would perceive some job security coming in the fast-paced you know pipeline that's coming in from from these shows oh, yeah. albeit you know exhausting and and things like that so oh, yeah. i kind of see both sides like you know we're we as the audience are getting more content and it's up to us to kind of you know say if it's you know good or not but knowing that um the presentation of the, the shows that is coming out in a way it's you know not reflective of a higher budget but it it does a lot as far as like what they are able to produce so that's why you know i have it has my big respect yeah i mean that that at the end of the day the the choice is on the audience whether they like that content or not but at least the content is there so you can make the choice okay, and you know, let the audience make the choice. And then, you know, if there's really no one watching it, then yeah, you got to cancel the show or whatever. But like when a lot of these companies now are kind of taking the choice away for the audience to even decide if they like this thing because they're just not making anything. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, it's yeah. tough. It's tough. Um, yeah. You know, but, but it's funny. Well, first off, I wanted to say, like, you know, talking about Todd Phillips, I'm just saying, um, you know, uh, when it comes to when it comes to you, uh, Chris, you, you're giving me some Todd Phillips vibes. I'm not going to lie. But Todd Phillips from, uh, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What is that yeah. from? That's from That's old from, school. Um, old school. Old yeah. school. Oh, my God. I don't, I don't know. Like when I was looking at you, I was like, "Oh man, what is yeah, I was actually thinking about that when I went. That's hilarious. Yeah, I, was like, I like, just you watched were me that. Movie I was like, and, and then we started talking about Todd Phillips. I was like, "Oh, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> bring that in. That's there. so it's funny. Funny that. Yeah. I was like, "Oh yeah, Todd Phillips in uh, old school when he uh, had that little cameo." On there. God but, damn. Uh, before we start, um, you know, talking about some other stuff, I know Axel, you got to go because you got to work. Yes, I yeah. do. Got to go. All right. I, well, I also have to head out fairly soon. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Dave. And yeah. uh, you can find me at um, Droga52 on YouTube and uh, Twitter. Yeah, for sure. And um, yes, yeah, so yeah, see everyone, and I'll see y'all later. Bye-bye. <laughs> just like, I don't know what to say. But, uh, you know, before I know, I know we're like uh, getting late, later in here. But I did want to get everybody's uh, opinion on the fact that we might, when it, when it comes to Superman Legacy, going back to Superman Legacy, and the fact that we might get the uh, Kingdom Come logo. How are we feeling mm -hmm. about that? Like there are a variation of that. I like that logo. I think that logo is sick as hell. Yeah. I, I think it's one of those things where it's like, you know, people are like, oh, you don't use that logo if you're not going to do the storyline. I'm like, bitch, it's cool. Like you can pull, you're pulling things from other things. It's comic books. Different. That's a cool thing. Slap it on your fucking new Superman. 
It's cool. Now, now I don't want to like put, you know, I remember because I was on Twitter, I was like, you know, uh, when people were, of course, arguing in my mentions, stuff like that. They're like, yeah, nobody's going to recognize that. The, the, um, the, uh, the general audience is not going to know and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I'm like, well, it's worked for Batman. I mean, how many times have we seen a different Batman, you know, iteration? So many. But I mean, but then it was like, oh, well, it's not Batman. Okay, sure. But, it, but when anytime that we get a new Bat logo, like especially with like Patton's, uh, Pattinson's Batman, I mean, that logo was just like, that was like something drastically different. Still, people were like, oh, interesting. So you get a new Superman. But then I saw something on my timeline that was like, well, what if like, you kind of take that um, that Kingdom Come logo, but then you kind of like tweak it to be like something like this. I was like, oh, okay, so it's still kind of like that, but it has like that. I was like, eh, interesting. You know, this player. guy Drew, Goodnight Drew, yeah. like made this right here where it was like, okay, so it's like it's the Kingdom Come logo, but they added a little bit to make it more like an S. And I was like, maybe James Gunn could do something like that too. Is he going to do that? I don't know. I feel like oh, the cool. general audience, that's not something that I feel like even enters their head. They Thank see, they, ooh, they a cool see, symbol. yeah, they see <laughs> yeah. The, the, the diamond. They see it's an S shape. It's clearly going on the, on Superman's fucking chest. You're watching a Superman movie. You know, if you see a commercial for this upcoming film and you see that diamond and something S looking and then the rest of the trailer, it means Batman. It, yeah, like no one's getting this confused. No. Like, I think the people, the only people who are very specifically harping on it are those of us who are very into whether it's the comics or the character or the, the you know. Or I, hate I think, <laughs> Or, yeah, or very, like, very much are like, you you know, this movie's going to flop, like, flop, yeah. flop, flop, flop. Like, yeah. it's whatever biases you have. But once again, catering to moms and dads who are going to go, oh, there's a new Superman. new You know, like everybody at home and a Superman S is a Superman S and they usually don't notice the difference too much. Like, I think it would be have to be very drastically off course. Like, they would have to make like something very weird <laughs> to to get it the would general... Have to totally like re redo the design. And you know, something it's something we had never it's... seen before. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, like when it comes to comic book people, I mean, we know that design and we've seen that design in live action, too, of course, with Brandon. Yeah. Root, like, you know, when he when he came back and, and, and they had that kingdom come and it looked great. It looked fantastic. Yeah. You know, so now if you have like a version of that where it's just like, OK, I, I mean, I I'm just kind of I'm, I'm really curious because, I mean, we it seems like James Gunn is like teased that from the beginning because he's like yeah. he tweeted out we're making plans and then he tweeted out you know a picture sure. of the kingdom come you know superman right. with uh you know it did all that yeah. he's already been laying the you know he's been teasing that for a long time but then that what that's leading us to believe is like oh he's going to be taking elements maybe from the story which is like okay so he's going to be referencing that story it's not you know, obviously it's not going to be a direct <laughs> adaptation but at the same time it's like you know you could take elements of that story just like snyder took elements of various stories uh prior and it's like okay so he's like doing something like that and then of course he's like okay so we have a superman that is already has other heroes involved but you know maybe not the the, the best heroes 
And then, of course, we we have, you know, obviously we just found out that Otis is actually going to be part of the cast with that cast photo. Um, and it's like, OK, so he is really I'm I'm, and I've been saying this from the get go. It's like find that balance between Donner and Snyder. That's what he needs to do. Find that balance. And it seems like maybe he is like, you know, from what I'm seeing, I'm like, OK, he's doing a lot of Don, Donner stuff. But at the same time. You know, when if he's going to be referencing a lot of Kingdom Come stuff, because I've always said Snyder would be perfect to make that type of movie. Maybe if there's elements of that injected into this, it's like, OK, he is trying to find that balance to the story. And that's, you know, to be he, honest, he may he may be taking themes from yeah, from themes, Kingdom yeah. Come, just just small themes of like, you know, less so of like it's Superman who is, you know, left this world of heroing or, yeah. or exhausted from it and and probably maybe he's flipping it a little bit maybe it's these heroes that have already been around and and all that it's probably so like you said it's probably just a mix and i think it's it's one of those things where people obviously we're in a culture of everyone wants to know everything about their favorite character and the favorite yeah. especially before the movie comes out yeah yeah especially <laughs> i think especially maybe when it's coming to this dc stuff because it is such going to be such a, a transition and a make or break from what is perceived as a failed uh, brand or universe that maybe that's why there's, there's this extra focus of what's he doing? What's he, what yeah. it, it's gotta be different. It's got, cause that one didn't work. Right. That's, that's the you question. Know. Like what, what is James Gunn going to do different from the, with the DC universe that hasn't been done before or what has, and I, or I, before, you know? I think really what people need to do, which they'll never do especially online you just gotta fucking wait man just let <laughs> let the man we can't let the man cook let yeah. the man cook whether you're a fan or not oh, no. people want to show up in the kitchen and start you know dipping their finger in the fucking stir bowl and be like mm -hmm. yep. i do think i do think he needs to shut the fuck up <laughs> okay 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 so that's an interesting <laughs> point because I okay, so I'm with you on that, Chris. But at the same time, I'm like, he there needs to be a built up to it. But he needs to shut the fuck up when it comes to certain things. Yes, he doesn't need to answer every little fucking question. Right. And right I there. think that I think he'll relax on that when shooting starts. You have the time, yeah, yeah. But little things like posting pictures from set, posting little things, you have to keep because in the age of the internet where we have instant gratification. Mm. You to like build up because this movie we're not going to get it for another we're, we're over a, a year, over a year. Before we get this. Yeah. so the fact that you need to like keep the hype up sure okay maybe answer things that might be like debunking and i you know i've been saying this like well sometimes he answers really ridiculous things where i'm like why are you even fucking taking the time right <laughs> why now are we answering what right. who's why cast as batman why do we keep right. answering that question uh, brother aren't I mean, you in pre-production yeah I so, kind of commend him for kind of I, I think he's finding a good balance between yes. viral organic marketing and sort of, you know, keeping things obscure, like, you know, uh, veiled a little bit yeah. to encourage even more discourse around the product that he's producing. So I think, I think there working, is a method to the madness. Yeah. I think what's working against him, though, is because he is answering so often and because the nature of production changes so much even sometimes in ways that you couldn't predict and there is a a, a, a stigma around this movie of whether people really wanted to succeed or really wanted to fail that no matter what both sides are looking for trip ups and mm. and there's no he's 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 
gone against his own answers multiple times, whether it be it was on purpose or, you know, things change because production changes. That is just the nature of production. Sometimes shit changes on the fucking day we're shooting. I understand that. And I think that is because this is the movie it is taking place with a discourse it's taking place around and the universe it's replacing. That's where he needs to have a little bit more restraint. I think he does need to, you know, post post some pics. Post like I think the 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 crew the it, cast pick great. Yes. The like logo reveal awesome. Like those are per- he needs I think he needs to go a more of a the Batman route of how they kind of reveal things like the slate yeah. in the chair and and the the little things here and there. I think he needs to dial it back a bit. I think as much as as Stephen Amell uh, sometimes can be a dickhead, I think what he was saying a little bit had yeah. a little bit of a the ring video, of truth yeah. in terms of, hey man, stop, stop. This is this was old WB's problem. We had a whole slate of things, just constant, constant, constant. Make the shit. Release yeah. a couple things before you start. You keep talking about all these other things, like. We have some casting announcements. Yeah, we got the Supergirl casting announcement. Now shut up for a minute yeah. about yeah. the future stuff. The next thing Release. that should be announced is the director. Like, direct, yeah. you know, find the director. I mean, they might have already found the director. I think they already the, have the director, to be honest, but I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. But, like, no. release, yeah. release, let Creature Commandos release before yeah. your next new update on, on something that's, like, further down the line. Like, that you're not actively shooting or is in post-production or pre-production like you gotta stop because it's going to turn with the with the byproduct of how the industry is and how money changes and how decisions change and leadership changes you're going to shoot yourself in the foot you're gonna do an old dceu thing where you know we don't get a a a flash movie for fucking 10 years we don't get a (laughs) cyborg movie at all we don't get a uh all these things that are on a slate you you gotta chill and and I, I mean even even there's a reason why Feige and them even when they do those those slate releases they leave a couple of them blank because they probably have a good idea of what they're gonna put there but as you can see things changed, changed. Mm-hmm. yeah and no more when, <laughs> yeah exactly and I'm sure they probably were kind of annoyed at themselves that they well had uh, well Feige didn't want to do that. That that supposedly that was a push by Chapek saying no, you need to put it out there. He was supposedly he was not a fan of there doing what he did at San Diego two years ago. So it's one of those things where I think I think Gunn needs to. I think once he's in production, like you said, with Superman, he's going to be too busy to really like focus on on answering all this shit. And I think it'll slow down dramatically. But um, whether you're a fan of of him or not. It's there are people on both sides looking for him to trip up. Yeah. And, and oh, for sure. And it's it's one of those things where there's a no win situation if you keep talking. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think he needs to relax a little bit. And yeah, I mean, and I think that will happen when production starts. But, you know, just do the things that's like, okay, if something comes out like, you know, fires that came out, like when it came to Basem, uh, Yusuf, yeah. that whole thing, it's like, all right. You got to say you know, something. Yeah, you got to say something. He put that fire out, and then Basam like went like, "Hey, hey, hey! I, I talked to James. We're good. Everything's great. We're great." And it was like, 
within a fucking weekend, it was squashed. You know, it was yeah. like it turned into a controversy and then it was squashed within a weekend and stuff like that. Cool. Anything that needs to be debunked. Fine. But yeah, don't answer the fact that there's not a Batman script so many times yeah. <laughs> it's like we don't uh, need some, to know that it's it's one of those things that he even called himself out but he's not following his own advice yeah. at, at times he said okay i'm gonna like at one point he was like i'm not gonna answer everything i can't debunk everything just to satisfy like the trolls to say like is this 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 I, i'm i'm not gonna do it but it's it's like he he caught himself in a situation where he's still doing it yeah i think he has a very hard time not doing it i don't That's know Maybe he's a fellow ADHD goblin, and when we read something that we feel is an injustice and like not right, we're like, "I know, nah, dude. I gotta, I gotta let you know." Like, you know, it could be that, but like, it also like, let there be some mystery, man. Like, obviously, yeah. there's the double-edged blade when you when you don't debunk things, as people build an expectation. Uh, they're like, "No, this thing is gonna be in the movie," and then when it's not, they're like, you know. Not that it's the filmmaker's fault at all. It's like, well, why'd you set your... No one said this was going to be there. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think well, for... Um, oh, sorry. Did no, go for it? it. Go for it. No, no, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, again, like, you know, I'm kind of, you know, trying to go to bat for gun a little bit where, you know, there's a method to the madness in my perception of what he's doing. But then there also might be the, the you know, you know, what y'all were speculating. He's just an agent of chaos who needs to be reeled in. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm thinking like, you know, in terms of like the studio system and how like, you know, gun, I would, I would argue that he's an auteur to an extent, you know, these big personalities who, you know, give them a little bit of power, give them an inch and they'll take a mile type of personalities where it's kind of hard to, you know, uh, I guess for anyone around them, especially when with gun being, you know, uh, co-head of, um, uh, DC studios, like, you know, who's to say, you know, who's able to, you know, tell him otherwise. And I kind of align it a little bit to my frustration with uh, Todd McFarlane holding back the production of Spawn, where it's literally his IP. Like, you know, like, who's going to tell him? Like, he, it's literally being made into a film with his permission. And he's, you know, like, you know, he's going to take his ball and go home, basically. He's that kid. And it's yeah. frustrating because... Yeah. As much as yeah. I love his IP and I just want something to come out and for him to just do something with it, uh, it kind of aligns to what y'all are talking about with Gun, where it's like, stop, stop doing this and like show, like, actually like produce something because y'all have like not even like started production on these on these projects. Yeah, there might be you know some pre-production writing here and there, but to y'all's point, you know anything can happen, anything can change. But um, yeah, I just sort of feel like they're these these folks like you know so empowered by you know the state of like productions being even executed they are kind of shooting themselves in their own foot a little bit and it may have some drawbacks as far as like audience you know reception but at the end of the day we're still talking about it so we're kind of still doing the yeah. legwork as far as like keeping them yeah. in the zeitgeist yeah, we're, I mean, we are keeping it out there, but yeah, I think yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward, especially if it's going to like it's you know it's filming next, next. But at the same time, it's like in the internet age, you want to keep the hype up, and the fact that these projects take a long time, and we're not going to get it till next year, it's like you do have to keep like some hype up and not you know because for instance, you know uh, the Crow remake got mm -hmm. bumped 
to uh, where the ballerina was going to be. And the ballerina spinoff from John Wick got bumped to next year because apparently that's not going well. And I I had a couple of people in my mentions go, I forgot there was even a Crow remake. I'm like, yeah. And he was like, yeah, I was Jason Momoa still in it. No, totally different. It's 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 a a I didn't forget. Yeah, (laughs) but that's the thing is like people forget. So did you see and why ballerina got pushed back? Well, I think they're I, adding I more action sequences or something. Yeah. Alleged, okay, so according to Ian McShane, yeah, when it came to the Continental TV show, no one who worked on John Wick was consulted for it. Yeah, so that was fairly just, obvious. Apparently, that didn't yes, do it was. well. Yeah. yeah, that happens. Yeah. So allegedly, Lionsgate isn't thrilled with how Ballerina turned out on a test screening, and now they want Chad Stileski to come in and beef it up more or less. That's yeah. what I read. I don't know any truth to that but if it's coming from me and mcshane of all people i'd probably put some stock in it to give us a better film yes do it sure it's, yeah do it, do it but but at the same time it just kind of shows you like i mean i i think i i saw people that just forgot that those movies were coming out and i was like True. i was like i remember that the crow was coming out of course i'm worried about it because the first crow i i watched it two weeks two weekends ago and i was like god damn this movie is just so perfectly toned and it's just so ah how it's going back to the Spawn movie, how the Spawn movie in the 90s didn't follow suit to the Crow movie. Because I was just watching it going like, this was the tone of the Spawn animated series that was on HBO. How did they not follow this this right here? Because it was so freaking good. Anyways. Um, I feel like they were, you know, so ambitious. They flew too yeah. close to the sun. They were they trying did. so hard to emulate the... The look of and feel of the animated series if not the graphic novel but you know technology and budget was just not you know there so i'm i have a soft spot for i have a soft spot over a lot of stuff but like (laughs) yeah like you know the spawn movie it gave us michael j white i wish you know his you know amazing on-screen presence would be in the new spawn project but maybe that's neither here or there but yeah i i totally agree with you yeah my only thing that i fucking care about anymore is Gun, I don't care. Do approve the goddamn Batman Beyond okay, animated I was thing. Just about the transition for that. Just, just before just we get please, fucking before God, we I beg here. of you. I got, I've got two Batman Beyond tattoos right. on me, bro. Yes. I like my literally hand is tattooed with them. I've got him over Neo Gotham right here. Like I, I, he already said that he wanted the Spider Verse directors to do something for DC. Like, mm-hmm. like Jesus Christ! If you won't give us a live action, this is the perfect medium for it. Animation. I mean, I the know, guys who pitched it out, said it was a. Uh, uh, sorry, Dave. Uh, no, no. It's go ahead. Just uh, uh, the guys who pitched it said that when they went in for the pitch, it turned into we can't do a Batman Beyond. Then by the time they ended the pitch, they were. It was a maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Like, okay. Do it. Like, better. Just do it. I, I will sell my body in front of the warner's lot it's not that far of a drive i'll be with you man listen i we i believe you're watching we know it's tempting let's come on and and i'm hoping i'm that's where i'm hoping how how online gun is uh helps with this because it trended i haven't seen batman beyond trend i don't think ever Maybe once or twice. It like was trending not just like within my interests, it was trending United States entertainment. And so it's like, please let his very online ass have seen this. Like, if this was all the like what like proof you needed, 
because you know I'm I'm I have uh I've done I've shot a Batman Beyond live action recreation sequence from Return of the Joker uh, that was you you know low budget uh, I came back to DP that even though I don't like DPing anymore because it was Batman Beyond I have literally a twenty five hundred dollar Batman Beyond suit being made for me in France right now. What? Uh, yeah, it's like wow. very, we got, very. We got to uh, see that when that's finally done. That uh, <laughs> I have, I have images of it. Let me see if I can hold on. Ooh. Let me see. It's not. I haven't finished paying for it yet because uh, I'm poor. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Let me let me bring it up. No, you're I in Hollywood. Have... Come on, man. You're all. What you are you talking right? about? Yeah, boy, baby. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Uh, hold on. Uh, oh. Wait. Let me. All right. Okay. There so there's okay. there's that. Oh boy, look at that. Oh wow. Oh yeah, that you're pretty... you're um Comic Con ready, bro. Yeah. yeah, so uh I'm uh Ooh, look Ooh, at the wide eyes and love it. Yes. So hopefully hopefully uh I'm I'm as soon as I saw those storyboards, brother. I'm just saying, Warner Brothers, <laughs> I'll forgive you for everything you did to Snyder. <laughs> See, this is the Damn. thing that I'm kind of, you know wondering why there aren't more litmus tests with you know characters that potentially they want to you know spin off into more content like there could have been an opportunity to introduce uh a kind of like some easter eggs alluding to batman beyond potentially like in the flash movie i could have definitely seen that happening like you know but i think for my sort of like perception of how this could happen and kind of soft, not maybe maybe soft reboot, maybe like soft reintroduce Batman Beyond as an IP to the general audience. Um, I it may need a re a reintroduction because maybe it's been you know kind of shelved for so long and it's kind of not been in you know uh, the public you know sort of like perception of the Batman IP as outside of comic books for such a long time that yeah. It does need that, you know, sort of like, okay, yeah, like this is this character there. This is them as like a regular person. And then this is how they came about to, um, you know, become the character that we know as uh, in the IP for <coughs> Batman Beyond. So I think there kind of has to be these baby steps in order to get to that point. But yeah, I think that's um, in general how I would sort of like rationalize any sort of introduction to new characters. If it's just a hard, you know, this is this character or this is this esoteric, you know, character from this one IP or this one story, I think it can work, you know, it worked with Guardians, but yeah, I guess like I would probably pivot more to the the soft introduction side. I think, go for it, Phil. I was just gonna say, I think if they go through with doing this movie, the one thing that you already know fans are gonna have a tiss fit over is in the event they have to get new voice talent, which I would imagine they probably would, because a Wilfred L is way up there in age as he was posed twenty years ago. And even B, though he's coming he's, back, he's, he's coming back. I, yeah. I know, but yeah. I'm, I'm saying if you want to get Great. Terry McGinnis as a teenager again for yeah. this, for the well, series, yeah, 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 you gotta, you gotta, you, you gotta go younger, and that would also mean that it, B the big one is Kevin Conroy is not here to voice Bruce Wayne. You're gonna have to get somebody else. Man, and that's, I mean, that's the unfortunate part. Mm-hmm. This is where they should have got Michael Keaton back. I mean, you wouldn't I, remember- uh, I can't. I can't get behind that. I idea. know. I, I, I know. I know. I get I it. I get I'd it. Love I love that idea. I know. I see, don't. I, see, Ray I, is I, with me. I don't Except because no. But I mean, I know there was an actual live action version of this that was pitch. like you know 
yeah pitch yeah kind of thing and it was like it's been there for a bit but 20 years yeah. yeah who knows how long it's been there but at the same time it's like yeah i mean as much as i did enjoy the flash and like michael keaton coming back as batman i would have preferred him if they actually were if they actually were to actually go like hey we're gonna do a batman beyond with michael keaton and we're gonna actually put some effort into it i would have totally been like i would have preferred that more than him coming back for the flash you know yeah. again like what we talked about chris even at the beginning is like you know like the flash had a soul but you know it was surrounded by fucking you know beyond meat i guess you could say yeah. you know it's like it was just meat. such a awesome takeoff point in my you know while the film was like you know still you know being talked about not yet you know yeah. came out yet or any sort of like you know preview screenings that it would be even before batgirl was canceled i just saw it as yes this is the soft intro that i was asking for so legacy characters introducing a new generation of um characters to potentially branch off not necessarily continue those stories that are being you know that are the launch pads to us becoming familiar with them but you know again like you know reestablishing them them outside of that launch pad and into you know the stratosphere of them you know existing in their own whether it be multiverse or yeah. um you know correlating to the universe that you know we were introduced to them at like there was so much potential there i was hoping that even like you know being introduced to supergirl like that would be a case where that we would probably get like a correlating you know existence of her like in in the multiverse but it kind of you know you know didn't happen i guess or it hasn't happened yet so yeah, that I feel I like think, it's a missed opportunity. I think luckily, so even though Batman Beyond obviously hasn't been in the proper zeitgeist for many, many years, and it did obviously well enough to trend the way it did trend. Yes. I think much like Miles Morales, and he wasn't Spider-Man is who's known, right? So Miles Morales right. was, was was still kind of a uh not to the to, to the masses not a very known character that i think the same way terry is but because terry is tied to batman and he is batman the same way miles is spider-man that gives an in in a way for for that type of animated movie that like it gives a penetration of of yeah the mass audiences who are especially younger, who didn't grow up with Batman Beyond and like just the, his Justice League Unlimited episodes okay. and like whatever, Return of the Joker and stuff. Luckily, much like Miles and, and his Spider-Verse movies, because it's Batman and because yeah. it's Spider-Man, it has that, it already has that intro and they could, they would hopefully do things like really do a big push within, you know, HBO Max and and stuff of like, highlighting the three seasons and his two epilogue or prologue epilogue episodes of, of unlimited that kind of wrapped up his story. And then maybe if they really wanted to be smart, do various, a fathom event type thing with return of the Joker um, to really, really push like into the mainstream view of like, Oh wait, this is okay. This is a different, this is not Bruce Wayne. It's a different Batman for the people who really like a lot of the younger people, I think, um, it's 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 a tough concept that they we don't see that often in the sense that we're so stuck on Bruce Wayne as Batman. That's the only yeah. way that works. It's Bruce Wayne as Batman. But the idea yeah. of Batman Beyond saying Bruce is still there. What happens when he can't be Batman anymore? Yeah, physically. Yeah. The, the and so what is the legacy of? There's always there always needs to be a Batman, which is what you know 
Waller's whole big thing was when in an epilogue there oh, there needs to be a Batman and how crazy that was. <laughs> yeah, what ended and, up and happening that 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 was a, an entire thing in and of itself. And I think honestly, yeah, it's yeah. kind of ingenious too. And I'm not trying to be a contrarian here and pushing back yeah. on it, but the, the whole Michael Keaton being old man Bruce Wayne for Batman Beyond film, I just don't think that his version of Bruce Wayne is similar enough to warrant him being the Bruce Wayne be more of a Batman Beyond. Sure. Yeah, exa- thank yeah, you. We can, yes, we, we can, can be we more can, creative. Yeah. I mean, there was talks years ago, oh, we can get Clint Eastwood. It's like, mm, okay, that's safe too in a different way. I don't mm-hmm. know. But real, I really think you can get someone else in there to play old George man Bruce Clooney. Wayne. <laughs> we can find uh, enough it, drugs it, to, it, you know, it, incentivize <laughs> him to come back. You know, give it, give it 10, 15 years, get Ben Affleck in there. I don't care. <laughs> you know what's funny? You know what's funny is I, so Batman and Robin, real quick on the George Clooney thing, Batman and Robin was the, uh, I believe the first Batman I saw in theaters. Mine was I, was, I, was, I was born in 92. So, so I'm I. pretty sure. Sh- I'm pretty sure that that was the first one. I, that's the first one I distinctly remember. And so obviously growing up, I didn't like see it as bad. And even when I like grew up and learned that like, oh, that's the bad one. I was like, I still like it. And I rewatched it recently. And for as silly and campy as it is, my God, Clooney got the short end of the stick. He did really fucking good because you see the way he talks. He talked the way he talks to Alfred when Alfred's sick and like dying and shit. Those are the best scenes. Those are the I was like, I didn't remember that. And like I watched it recently and I was like, yo, this dude slaps as Bruce Wayne right now. No, like holy shit. Just like Val Kilmer is a fucking fantastic Bruce Wayne. Like people give shit to the Schumacher uh, versions of it, but I'm like, there's good in there. There's good in there. I mean, I'm I'm always a defender of Batman forever because Batman forever. Just I, when I was, when I was a kid, I love that movie so much. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a Jim Carrey fanatic and blah blah blah. But, I still I mean, love that movie. Yeah, yeah I, I know. It. I still, I, I still do too. But I can appreciate I Batman and Robin too. You know, so baffling that so many Batman fans despise those two movies for yeah. whatever reason. And I'm well, just. What's funny is when you really do look at the character work. I know, yeah. I know, yeah. but it's, still, it's, it's just like if you're gonna go out of your way to claim to be a huge Batman fan, but you have to crap on those movies. Either one doesn't really matter to me, but if you, if you go, Oh, I hate Batman forever. I'm really not going to invest any time in a conversation with you. You have no, it's almost, it's almost the same conversation that happens around Affleck. The people that don't like Affleck's Batman. It's like, well, well, like if you look at the separate from the movie, it's in itself and, and whatever silliness from, you know, Batman Robin or, or, or darkness you might not like from BVS or whatever. If you look at the character work itself, Clooney, Clooney's Bruce Wayne and the way he, he speaks to Alfred in those moments where he's sick and the way he, he carries himself and, and Affleck and the way he, he, he carries himself of, of, you know, especially his arc from BVS to, to Zach's Justice League, you know, right. regaining that hope, faith, Alfred, faith. If you look at the character work, yeah, every one of these interpreta- interpretations of Batman is spot on Batman. And yeah. oh, just yeah. it's whatever slice it is in the in the in the big pie of the character of you know eighty years, eighty five years of a character. Yeah, um, it's got to be one version. Even like when you had a bat version. credit card, hey, that was kind of like Batman sixty six. I mean, Batman yeah. and Robin is like very Batman sixty six. But then when you get to those moments. Again, like you were saying, it's like those moments between Bruce and Alfred. I mean, when he like looks down the hall and he sees like a vision of himself as a kid falling down and 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 Alfred like helps him up. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, like there are some really good moments in Batman yeah. and Robin. I will not yeah. 
lie about that, you know? I, I think I think much like how we're probably gonna expect a Miles Morales live action in the MCU at some point soon, uh, in the next, you know, five to seven years, probably, maybe ten. I think if they're the best bet for something Batman Beyond live action to ever happen is the route of almost the Spider-Verse route. Yep. You need I to agree. reintroduce this new generation. Yes. To, and there was to a, him. Yeah. yeah. There was a Animated. rumor a while ago that that they wanted to do something like this is like old regime stuff. This was like yeah. six years ago. I remember there was a rumor. And I even mentioned it when I talked about this concept. I was like, there was a rumor like, you know, five, six years ago after Spider-Verse came out, it's like, hey, we should do something like that with like For Batman, Batman Beyond. Beyond. And it yep. was like, yeah. And everybody was like going, yeah, please do easy that. Easy sold. Yeah, easy well, yeah. sold. I'm like, like make an anime. I mean, you've got to lean into some of that stuff because, I mean, let's face it, the Spider-Verse stuff is just killing it. It's just absolutely yeah. killing it. So, And, and lean into your comic books, too, because, you know, you know what Joe Manganiello is saying. That's, that. that's, that's, that's the thing. You, you just mentioned <laughs> that. That's literally the only place where Batman Beyond has thrived since the TV show ended was yeah, comic okay. books. Yes. Yeah. And it's cool. It's the whole, the only reason that I'm watching that crisis part two thing i i i I watched it the first part literally like a night ago um yeah and like i haven't been it's all right i haven't been a big fan of the animation style of that set of their animated films i think the 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 set that did they did right before was really great the the stuff that had uh the, the new DC yeah 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 yeah. the the just league dark and that's the just league war through or whatever uh post like the flashpoint film Oh, I, I'm oh, oh I, I I told I told Dave about this. I want them to announce the movie that I know about. I want them to announce that goddamn movie, and they haven't I, done I, it yet. I really liked I liked that stuff. I think the Tomorrowverse stuff. Maybe I don't know if it's the character designs or 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 just the animation style itself. It's I haven't been into, but Archer, isn't it? Like that's what it is. It's it's, it's very, very Archer, Archer, and I don't, yeah. which works for Archer. I feel like. But for me, I don't Very like seeing these, <laughs> these heroes like that. But the entire reason I watched that part one and the the movie before the War World one was because I saw the trailer that Batman Beyond is in part two with the Bat family. I was yeah. like, oh, cool. I'm in. Let me go watch part one now. When the fuck does this come out? Ah, oh, it comes out on my birthday in April. Fuck. I got to wait. <laughs> like, but like Batman Beyond is a is a thing they they need to tap into Uh, it's such a wealth of options for them especially because you know obviously neo gotham is not cyberpunk 29 2099 (laughs) it it is it's it is a cyberpunk-esque world but you know it has its own charm but the aesthetic that people really really like recently with games like cyberpunk with games like uh with ghost runner and you know um blade runner 2049 and the upcoming blade runner 2099 show there is a big big fandom for that aesthetic the synthwave vaporwave cyberpunk aesthetic that i really think that they warner brothers has this free thing that they've built in a fan base with for many years ago that they can reactivate and I think they need to take advantage of it and really, really take that pitch that that really landed in their lap from from some amazing creators that like they didn't work on internally, obviously. So it's like for something to that for someone to come to you with such gold like that coming from 
other successful movies from technically your rival. Yeah. Do you feel like you got, the you got to um, change that maybe the too, animated yes. series that is coming out from like you know the JJ era, but still you know being produced? I'm assuming. Do you think that that would be a good realm to kind of like do that soft introduction? I, that I think I think they need to take. I think it would be smart of them to take any option to to reintroduce the character, whatever whatever what like if they have stuff upcoming that they can work him into, you know, properly that like a lot that is good for the character, obviously not just shoehorning him into stuff. Um, then they should start really looking at that. If that's how they want to do it without just straight, mm-hmm. you know, if they plan on making this movie, if it turns into a yes and you know, it takes however many years for this movie to get made because that, that pipeline is very difficult and, and, and different than live action, obviously. And they have stuff that can be put out faster, whether it be, you know, giving him a, a, a comic, you know, run, a, a limited, you know, spotlight run that, that starts coming out and maybe introducing him in some of the DCAU stuff that they do or whatever they do. I think it'd be very smart for them to recapitalize, even if it's something like, you know, remasters. Like I have the 4K set Blu-rays from the season one through three uh, that came with the little metallic Batman same, Beyond. Same here. Pop same yeah, here. I have that. Same here. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what like remasters they could do. I, they could probably do a Return of the Joker remaster. I feel like they haven't done that. They um, haven't. I don't think they, they have. have. Not. Yeah. They have I not. think that's that alone is a huge untapped, you know, thing, and it's something that really doesn't take that much money from their end that they would make a lot of money back from. I feel like taking probably those soundtracks, you know, remastering those 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 music pieces. They had some very iconic, specific music in Batman Beyond, from the mm-hmm. intro to to the action pieces. I absolutely um, adore that intro of uh, Return of the Joker. Like, I, it's that, it's that, fantastic, that's an amazing jam. And if they really, really wanted to invest a little bit more, they could do, uh, you know, a straight to VOD stress streaming. How kind of how they do the current animated films do the the sequel to return of the joker that they they planned on doing that they just didn't end up doing because return of the joker hey. didn't didn't perform the, the way they wanted it to yeah that that outline is there Dini's there i've worked with paul Dini before in person and he, he really I, yeah he's a great guy he he told me all kinds of jeff john's tea oh, uh, <laughs> oh <laughs> shit yeah really yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, Mr. Johns does not like uh he despises Harley Quinn and Joker as characters. Oh, so so okay. as you can see it may stuff. it may clue into why certain suicide squad things were changed the way that they were changed. Oh um, my god. I mean, we're so late into the stream. This is gonna have to be another conversation here. Another yeah. conversation. But yeah, he, he is not a fan of of any live action interpretations of things that are not his characters or his stories. Oh, of course. Oh, then again, back. that's, you know, that kind of speaks for itself. You look at the track. It's going to be so selfish. Metal been with, so. <laughs> but, but Dini, he's got Dini, an ego. Yeah. Dini though, Fair. is he loves those, those animated characters that they made. He, he, he loves Can't that world it. that they created. And I, I personally think it was years ago that I worked with him. I haven't, I haven't worked with him many, many years. Um, and, I, I think that he would be more than happy along with Bruce Tim to probably come back and, and do that follow-up. I think oh. they just haven't been afforded the opportunities oh. to revisit that world. Because every yeah. time they talk about that world, it's just like, yeah, if they asked us, they just haven't been asked. But, yeah, they, they've done. Sounds I mean, I right. consider Paul Dini is even his his run on um, when he did 
uh, Gotham City hush Sirens? at that point. Oh, sorry. No, hush. <laughs> it's a it's a better hush than what Loeb and uh, Lee did at that. Point. Oh yeah, he did do hush, didn't he? He did. He did a better sequel to Hush than the original, in my opinion. Yeah. Ooh. Forgot yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. Man, it's it's yeah. But yeah, that's, that's that. Wild. Sorry, I, I'm very passionate about Batman Beyond, so I, I kind of jumped you. in Absolutely. hardcore with that. So, did yeah. you work with him after Arkham City? After he did his tenure on Arkham City, I believe so. I worked with him. It's on my Instagram. The, I took a picture if, with if him. I, if I remember correctly, that was like the last thing he wrote that was like mainstream Batman. So the thing, comics. the thing that I worked with him on, it was a personal project of his that was like a passion project. It was like a live action thing um, of like a kid who kind of gets sucked into his comic book world. And we were kind of doing like proof of concept. And it was cool because Alex Ross, who, you know, is a buddy of his casually, he did all the character art for the characters, like in the, in the like fake comic or whatever. So it was like very cool. You know, I had some Alex Ross art pieces in my, in my living room. Uh, I'm trying to see what year this was. I'm scrolling down my Instagram um and uh yeah so it was just like a live action thing that he was kind of uh directing producing um and he was super nice guy we talked about you know i i asked him about a bunch of the animated series stuff i asked him about you know the live action stuff and that's kind of where i got the some of the tea on on john's and because him and burnett turned into live action batman beyond script in 1999 2000 somewhere in that ballpark something like that okay i worked with him in august of 2018 was Mm. when i worked with with paul yeah there you go there it is there we go let me uh there it is there There we go yeah nice so um worked with, with with him then and uh yeah, he was super super nice guy. I don't I don't know because Arkham Knight came out in 2016, 2015. 2015, 2015, and he didn't work on that. No, he so, did. So, so yeah, so it was City, and you know, he just kind of gave me just stories and and stuff, and and you know, just fun little things about certain characters, and you know how like Harley Quinn, they obviously didn't expect to turn into what Harley Quinn turned into, and. Mm-hmm. And all that, like it was supposed to be a one episode thing, and yeah, just just a general love for like that world and stuff. And you know, I it was as a fan, just cool to work with him and, and hear those stories and stuff. Very chill, chill, nice guy. Yeah. Um, his, his wife, loved yeah, I can't wait for Cape Crusader, man. Oh, like, God, yeah. I mean, that's gonna be like, I mean, the fact that he. I think it was him that said, like, it's going to be more Batman the Animated Series than Batman the Animated Series. I was like, that's all you need yeah. to say. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's one point. of those things that I'm glad it didn't get canceled, shelved, yes. or whatever, the, the limbo. Very worried about that. I was yeah. very worried. But, hey, you know, it's going to be, what, on Netflix, right? They, they Amazon, it. I believe. Uh, Amazon, Amazon. Amazon, yeah. that's what it is. Anyways, I think this is a good spot to uh, end the stream, man. This has been fucking great conversation. Chris, I mean, yeah, I'm going to be hitting you, hitting you up every week. If you want to come back on, you're welcome yeah. to come back on and talk shop and do all this stuff. It's been a great conversation with you, man. Definitely, man. Yeah, just always always feel free to hit me up, uh, yeah. you know, day before, day, day, you know, day of, give me some lead time. And if I can hop yeah. on, I can hop, I'll hop on. Yeah. 
it's been a long time coming, but uh, yeah, and I appreciate everybody uh, who uh, has joined, of course, Axel and uh, William and, uh, you know, everybody who's here, Rhea, of course, Phil, Chris, everybody. But uh, let's go around the horn and just kind of like uh, promote ourselves. And uh, yeah, well, first off, you know, the featured guest, Mr. Chris. Hey, guys. So my at is Broken Cinema um, pretty much everywhere on Twitter and Twitch. There's an underscore at the end just because there's inactive users that have tried to steal my app, uh, but <laughs> I'm the only active one. So Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Nintendo, Xbox, everything uh, at Broken Cinema. Instagram is the place I am most active. If you want to see like me working on set, I post a lot of stories on set, um, a, a lot of posts are from there. So if you're kind of interested about the film world or what I do um, at Broken Cinema on Instagram is the place I'm most active. Twitter is more for shit posting, chain of thoughts, slash retweeting bullshit. You won't really get much uh, like information-wise from me there. It's that's where I go to be mentally ill. <laughs> so, so for a lot of so, us do that. Yeah. Thank you for having me. No, no problem, man. And other Chris. Yes, other Chris. Oh, Chris, this was fascinating. This was you, just worth worth staying up late i'm on the east coast so it's almost oh, wow. oh, wow. here yeah, at yeah. this point so very worth staying up at that point so great pleasure to meet you uh great but yeah you can follow dude. me at chris balga uh my two shows on the geek ultimate alliance network uh marvel alliance you can follow that at marvel a podcast and world's finest true believers where you might see uh mr dave over here uh making what? his first appearance this sunday morning that new episode drops so subscribe to the geek ultimate alliance network on all pad catchers of choice Yes, might be talking about a certain Batman story, which mm -hmm. is pretty freaking awesome. We had a lot of fun talking about short Batman story, but a very just like oh, outstanding know, one. Yes, one of, the just best. one of those outstanding ones, that's for sure. All right, Rhea. Hi. Um, yeah, Hi. you can follow me at uh, Glimmering Harpy on pretty much every platform. And although I'm not currently active making content, I love to come through and watch everyone else's content and. Yeah, um, I like movies. I like video games, you know. Uh, so come on through. <laughs> there it is. And then Phil. Uh, thanks again for the invite, my friend. It's always a blast getting to chat with you oh. and our friends here. Um, if anyone wants to follow me on Instagram, Vero, not X, and Blue Sky, <laughs> do so just at Unfiltered. You can also listen to my podcast, a Batman centric podcast, The Eternal Night, on any podcatcher you can. My friend Craig and I, we talk Batman pretty regularly matter of fact we just did an episode that i put up today talking about the very thing the batman beyond concept as well as suicide squad kills the justice league and um yeah outside of that you can also catch me on the four nerds most wednesdays all good all right well thank you guys and like again thank you chris and of course, uh, thank you for having me back on for sure and uh talk more shop because there's just so much to freaking talk about you know yeah. we, we only like scratched a little bit of the surface right here but anyways guys we appreciate you uh spending time with us and uh we will talk to you guys later all right guys bye-bye bye I don't think he ended the show. No, he did not. Yeah, I, I don't like, think okay, he bye. ended the show. <laughs> I think he forgot <laughs> to end the show. <laughs> I don't know goodness. if he meant to leave. No, I totally hit the wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah, I, was I was like, like he like, left. We can't end the stream. I know, I know, right? No, no, I know. I totally just totally messed up that. Anyways, guys, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> i hit the wrong i was like i was like that's not the button i, I totally exited out of the whole studio i was like jesus anyway bye